Sabrina, don't just stare at it. Eat 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 it. Christine, get down on your knees so Sabrina can see your asshole. Fucking ugly bitch. 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 I want to stab you to death and then play around with your blood. I said, when I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part of me wants to take her out, talk to her nice and sweet and treat her right. What the other part of think? What <laughs> her head looked like on a stick. It's Bateman, Patrick Bateman. You're my lawyer, so I think you should know I've killed a lot of people. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 182 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, Huey Lewis, with the booze and still the toxic offender. A.K.A. Moods. Yeah. And of course, I have my Mexican't figure out what exactly a racial slur is these days. The racist A hate monger. Double Shark J. A.K.A. JP. What's going on, man? Just the two of us today. It is, man. It's a, it's a rare occurrence, but it's happening again. Um, it was mm-hmm. kind of funny because I was telling people that we were doing the show, just the two of us this week. And it seemed like everybody wanted to be on last minute. I'm like, Oh, go fuck yourselves. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but then it, it was kind of funny That's too. Funny. They're like, well, this would have been one of the easier episodes to prep for because there really isn't a whole lot of prep for this one, you know, comparatively no, to other episodes that we usually have guests on. We ask way too much of them usually, but you know, in hindsight, this probably would have been a decent episode to get somebody on, but whatever. It's a smaller episode. Let's do this. Episode 182. What is going on, man? How's your quarantine happening? <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's been this week was I don't know. I like I said a couple weeks ago, I was like going crazy watching movies, and then I just mm-hmm. instantly like slammed on the brakes, and I barely watched anything this last week. And I think that, um, like, I'm not gonna lie, it took me like two and a half days to watch American Psycho two. Like every time I would start it, th- that and The Howling Six. I started those two movies over and over again this week and just like couldn't, I just wasn't getting into them and I, I just like would tune out and look at my phone or something. And then I was like, Oh, I'm going to have to restart it. Um, Oh, at that point I just say, fuck this shit, man. I'm just going from where <laughs> I left off and Oh man. Yeah. But, uh, eventually I finished them and, um, actually I didn't finish howling six yet. I fell asleep last night watching it. Um, but uh, I've seen it before, <laughs> mm-hmm. as you know. And then um, the summer series. So uh, the summer series with Duncan um, podcast under the stairs. I talked about it last summer a lot. Um, that has been moving forward, and I just got the official list of forty films that I have for uh, the years that I drew was two thousand and three, and two thousand and. Eight. So interesting with that year, both of those years, is there's a bunch of films that I didn't consider uh, for my five that I – because you each person gets to pick five each. Because the way that he does it is 
the country of origin's premiere date. So, for example, a film that I had always considered a 2007 film uh, was Trick or Treat, which actually is a 2008 film according to those rules. So we didn't even pick Trick or Treat uh, until it was pointed out that it was a 2008 film. And then I was like, holy crap, how did we miss that? (laughs) So... Yeah, so he definitely does things a little bit different than us because we we try to use one system, you know, with the yes. INDB just to make it easy. I mean, if you start cross referencing dates and stuff, it becomes confusing for everybody. And, so. and it did it, because, like, films like Calvert, like yeah. I thought it was two thousand four because it was um, a film that premiered in Belgium in two thousand four. But it's also considered a French film, so it premiered in France in 2003. So it's like, you know, uh, or vice versa, something like that. But it's technically a 2004 film and not a 2003 film or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, and there's like a bunch of screwy ones too, like Cabin Fever. Cabin Fever, I thought was a 2002 film. We considered it a 2002 film, but it actually didn't premiere in the United States until 2003. Um, it's, it, it premiered in Spain in 2002. Yeah. But, it would have been, um, film festivals type stuff, yes. right? Yeah. <clears throat> so the way that we do it to simplify, and this is really the reason why we do it is to simplify it because mm-hmm. it's yeah. get like, this is a prime example of how it gets complicated. <clears throat> um, and the only re the only reason they've stuck with that is because that's how they started it. And back in the seventies, when they, the first decade they did, you know, they were all pretty much the year on, on the, the, there was no real festivals and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it was just like when it came out, it came out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but it, it hurts for future years like this decade. And then even next decade will probably be even crazier. But uh, one of the things that, you know, looking at it, it's like the reason that we do the IMDB method is because the method that IMDB uses is, the first time this film was ever shown publicly is the year that it came out. Yeah. So if it was in Belgium in 1999 for one day, that was the first time it was available to see. So that's the first time it was technically released. <clears throat> um, yeah. So that's how we go about it. But uh, pretty cool, exciting to be part of this. One interesting thing is, um, and it's officially announced, so I could say it, but you you will actually be a part of it in uh not the same way as me but but doing something a little different yeah exactly being an uh adjudicator um which basically is just me uh having to state my case if i don't agree with some of the picks that are going through um and that's pretty much all i know i haven't really been formally introduced to the method and the process right now so i'm not actually too sure on how that works with do Yeah, so how does the adjudicator... I can tell you how it worked last year. I know yeah. that Duncan spun it this year because yeah. last year was the first time he um, added the adjudicators in and um, he thinks that it, was a, it wasn't perfect. It, he wanted to improve on it. So mm-hmm. last year, like, let's say that um, after we debate our 20 films down to 10 and we do our episode, our recording, we go... You know, twenty. We we review the ten films, and then at the end of the episode, we pick as a group. You know, the people that are on that year. So last year, for example, I got nineteen ninety eight, and at the end of the episode, there we we have to choose as a group 
two films to move on. It's a Noah, the, the Noah's Ark rules. So two, two films. And so the three that we were really debating out of the 10 were Ringu, the, the Asian ring, um, the Japanese ring. And then, uh, the faculty and perfect blue, mm-hmm. the Japanese anime. So those were the really the only three in the running, three films to two spots. So we ended up picking the faculty and Ringu and Perfect Blue got left behind. Now after we do that, yeah. Then it those picks go to the adjudicators and they can choose to replace that title with any of the titles that weren't picked. So is it just if, one title? Yes, just one title. Okay. So if two make it through, then you can pick from one of the other eight. Yes. To go through. So for example, it didn't happen with any of the years I was on. I don't think, um, but um, like 1990 or something, mm-hmm. Jacob's ladder got pulled Um and was replaced with like brain dead or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, the Peter Jackson film. And then everybody, then it comes down to a poll where you vote the rest of the host vote to, to double check the adjudicators. So like the adjudicator can make the swap if they feel like it's necessary, but then just so they don't have too much power, it's still put to a vote between all the hosts afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Um, so like, but it was like, really Jacob's ladder gets pulled for Peter Jackson's dead alive, which is a fun film, but I mean, it's Jacob's fucking ladder, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a Don and Ellie one, where <laughs> that. um, which he gave this huge breakdown of why, uh, Jacob's ladder actually in fact sucks. Um, <laughs> but so i know that it's a little bit different this year but that's how it worked last year so let's say last year you would have gotten a uh cemetery uh, 94 Mm -hmm. um and you saw that it was uh the interview with the vampire and i forget what the other one was it was like night watch or something like that Mm -hmm. so those were the two that went through in a year that had cemetery man. Yeah. So you would have been like, no, fuck this. That's weird. And you would have cemetery man. And, and then the, and then what would have happened was the voters would have been like, Oh hell yeah. Cemetery man. Because it seemed like every single person besides the two people that were on that particular show thought that cemetery man was like one of the best films of the year of the decade. So, (laughs) wow. Um, but yeah, that was I, it. Was funny because um, that was the biggest like travesty of last year. Uh, the decade show of the '90s was No Cemetery Man, and then the one the year before that, I think it was No Tenebrae. Um, wow, did make it through. So, but yeah, so that's kind of how it works. But it's different this year because he he's told us some stuff that he hasn't revealed publicly yet about how it's going to be different. It's a little confusing to me. I need him to like break it down a little bit more because it's like he makes this shit super complicated and he even makes fun of himself for that. But um, 
it's even more complicated. I'm like, what the hell is like this? But uh, I'm pretty excited to start watching stuff. There's, I got a lot of um, foreign films in my two two years, uh, especially the the 2003. I think Jerry picked all foreign films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, and um, yeah, there's there. I got a few of my favorite films in a couple of those years too. Uh, whenever you factor in 2008 which is the one year that I got um, whenever you factor in some of the films that uh, you wouldn't normally count now count. It's like, wow, 2008 is an insane year. Yeah. Like, it definitely it, like, changes the contrast of the year. Yeah, for sure. Dude, <clears throat> there's legitimately like maybe five or six films mm-hmm. that are good enough to be the one or two. Like yeah. it's insane. Like let the right one in martyrs, Eden Lake trick or treat, um so how many people are on one year so everybody picks two films and there's 10 so there's five people per year so um everyone starts by picking five films okay and there's four of us there's okay Okay, so three guest hosts so me like for example me gary hill and jerry herring Mm -hmm. and then duncan counts as a person too he's on all 10 of them so he's so he's basically the fourth host on every single one okay which means he has to watch like a million movies but um but he also gets to pick he also gets to pick he also gets to pick five so we each pick five from the year uh and then after we pick the five we start watching like the ones we haven't seen and stuff like that and then we each get to pick two that automatically move on to the top 10 so jerry gets to pick two gary hill gets to pick two i get to pick two oh, and without Doug gets to pick two without argument with, yeah with no argument so whatever two you think are your favorite you automatically get to bring them so, so i imagine you go into that with backups because if people are picking the same ones you got to fill in the numbers right the way duncan says to do it is make a top 10 yeah and as we go round tree to pick they get eliminated you know, next yeah, one goes just in. pick your yeah. next one yeah. yeah um i'm a little bit more strategic where i'll pick something that i don't think that will get picked because i know my true favorite will get picked so uh like for 98 my my favorite was the blair witch project or 99 sorry that was the blair witch project um but i might pick something or, or you know let's say 98 my favorite was the faculty I thought somebody was going to pick that. So I took in phantasm four because <laughs> me, I, I wanted to talk about that movie, you know, yeah, yeah. and 98 was uh, not the strongest year in the world. So you have opportunity to talk, you know, the lesser good films or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was hoping that, you know, someone would pick the faculty and sure enough they did. So I, that was my strategy. It's not the way Duncan says we should do it, but I don't care because I want to get everything that I want and nobody else gets to pick their stuff. Um, no, so but, basically the end goal here, there's you got, it's the 2000 decade and two films that make it through, make up the top 20 of the decade. Uh, yeah. And then, so what happens is, you have uh but there's only four of us so there's eight films each person gets to take two there's two leftover spots so those two spots have to be debated and agreed upon holy fuck yeah that's where it gets hard yeah see that's starting to confuse me i mean honestly like i haven't really been formally 
you know, I haven't talked to Duncan specifically and stuff. So this is, this is good to know this type of stuff, but you did say it changed this year and stuff. So, I mean, yeah. I'm looking forward to, I mean, chances are, I mean, it, it's always, it's hard to say it, it mm-hmm. you know, if, if I'm going to be needed to go in and be like, no, this, this is bullshit. <laughs> like this shit yeah. shouldn't be going through kind of thing, but you know, it just depends. It really does. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. um, so how does like if there's two adjudicators on each episode, do the adjudicators have to agree on the film that's being pulled, or how does that work? Um, I can't tell the because uh, he hasn't announced like okay. the extra stuff, but that factors into that. Okay. But so you know when you have the eight the eight films in the top ten, so Duncan picks two, Jerry picks two, I pick two, Gary Hill picks two, then we debate the rest of the you know twelve films to pick two out of there mm-hmm. and that builds up your top 10 then you record and you do a recording where you review each of the 10 films mm-hmm. and by the end of it you have to unanimously or close to as unanimously as possible uh with the four hosts pick two films that represent the, the your year yeah the, the noah's ark rules you send two in and then there at the end of all that there's a there's uh, last year we did two roundtable shows, so it seems like there's a lot of, the- of opportunity for the adjudicators to be like, "Hey, there's there's ten available film. You guys, these are the two that you sent us." Like, in my opinion, like I, I can just see it right now. There's eight films sitting there, and guarantee I'm going to disagree with these. Pages. Oh, probably. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I can I'll just be see honest, it already. Out of all the years that I wasn't on, I disagreed with like usually one of the picks. I would say like eighty percent of the time at least one of the picks where yeah. like um like when 91 was like cape fear and uh silence of the lambs well didn't tremors and get fucked in 90 wasn't that 90 the one that, yes yeah. tremors tremors got fucked in 90 it was like yeah that's a travesty. jacob's ladder and then um something else i don't even remember what came out in 90 but i thought tremors was better than both of them and i, I, I can definitely see where duncan wanted to change how the adjudicators work and stuff and, and possibly change personnel also because i mean when, when you're leaving behind films like cemetery men and tremors which you know in a decade that's not overly the strongest of you know of horror decades and stuff to leave out two of the stronger films in you know in major and i would say probably oh, popular you know opinion it was it's crazy it was misery in jacob's ladder so okay that was a tough year but yeah. i think i think i would have went with tremors over jacob's ladder misery for sure was the right call but um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but you're right, and and also that no TV movies count either. I don't know if I ever mentioned that, but why yeah, no TV? Just just because I don't know. Just it's already hard enough. <laughs> See, um, that would be really difficult to not include TV films if you were if you got the '70s as a decade because man, dude, there's a lot of great TV films in the seventies. Like that was the golden age for TV horror films, mm-hmm. like really yeah. good ones, like Bad Ronald shit. Like there's legitimate cases for you know some of the stronger films of those years were came from tv it's oh yeah 100 percent yeah. trilogy of terror there's lots of good um, ones yeah fucking uh what's the one don't be afraid of the dark i mean there's there's a oh, lot of great ones dude, but, there's so many yeah um so after the, after all of that after you pick your two after the adjudicators do it then you have a round table debate we did two of them last year so all of the hosts all all hosts that are involved including duncan get on one show or in this last year's case because we had we had too many people we had to split it up into two shows and you debate all the years and talk about what you liked and didn't like and what what should have been changed and and how this group fucked up and it's just a huge discussion so praise movies put them down like how many parts does this whole thing end up being like of recorded parts 
recorded parts, there's the 10 episodes. So one for each year. Yeah. And then uh, two round tables. Um, Debating on the years. Yeah. And on the round table. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that a ranking of the years? Basically. Yeah. Okay. So whenever. So we all send all the hosts take all 20 films that was selected and rank them from best to worst. Oh, and I see. then he tallies up all the points and in the round table, he we're going through the list and talking about if this was higher or low or it should have been off or whatever, you know, whatever you're getting all your grievances out with the years you weren't on. Honestly, dude, it was one of the funnest things I've ever done in podcasting. Um, besides this show, uh, because just how insane it was and how many moving parts and how many people were involved and how many different opinions you have and how much bullshit happens. I, like Honestly, I think, I think, okay, let me, let me cut you off there. I think uh-huh. honestly, that was the biggest thing that was kind of pushing me away from that whole, like it sounded interesting to me, but then, you know, the way you explained it to me and I'm like, man, there's a lot of people involved in this. And like, <laughs> that just gives me a headache right there. Because I mean, when you're dealing with this type of things and you have so many people involved, that means that there's that many opinions plus right and it's just it it can seem like it can get very argumentative very convoluted too but like when you're dealing with other people to bring in and and you know discard of things and stuff like it can get crazy but it it can be fun for sure i was like liking the idea but i was like damn dude this shit is actually giving me aneurysms right now like i'm gonna have a fucking aneurysm (laughs) and it also takes a lot of time which you typically don't have in the summer so yeah Um, yeah the summertime is the worst time for me to be involved in a big project this year's a little bit different i mean because everything's kind of up in the air like we are running this show even later than we usually do um mm-hmm. which you know which is good you know and uh but i you know yeah you're right summertime is just tough it's tough to find the time so yeah and you know at the it, with the the thing about it being convoluted and crazy it is um but it it more so is for duncan because he has to be on every recording he has to organize everything there's like 50 I think there's 15 people plus like there was three adjudicators to get everybody to actually be there. Well, if this dude's going to come up with a crazy ass idea for a show like this, he better be on every damn episode, man. He ain't going to sit back and watch everyone else do the work and be like, I'm going to cut in at the end and like my final word counts. You know, it's like, no, this film's coming up. (laughs) Could you imagine that? (laughs) He's right there with us, like swinging in the trenches, picking his five films. Like, but last year we only did four each. So, um, it's even bigger this year and, uh, it's, so where does this end? Cause like, I'm assuming what, so the eighties have been done, the nineties, two thousands, like what happens after you seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. And next year will be the 2010s with, uh, which, um, he did another series before the seventies, but it was, it was like something else it wasn't a decade it was like uh so it was at early stages it wasn't done like this okay i see so he's just basically gone in order of the yeah of the decades okay, but I he did say yeah. he has other ideas for other summer series top tens that don't involve like you, f- you figure you could do fucking vampires all kind of shit you know what i mean yeah, yeah. but it's really cool because the decade just works so well with the numbers and how everything works and well, and this series even, lasts all summer it, it's called the summer series for the reason so you start in april with the pre-talk and then may you watch a lot of the movies and then you do recordings in june episodes start posting in july and august and then september is the end jesus 
crazy, right? <laughs> like, that's why I always say Duncan's one of the hardest dudes in podcasting. Cool thing about Duncan, I know that you guys haven't met and talked that much, mm-hmm. but he actually actually sent me a friend re- friend request the other day. So yeah, he apparently he found actually, me on Facebook. <laughs> I've always thought you two would get along great. Um, and he's it's funny because he know like he's bumps into he like rubs shoulders with all the people we're friends with. But you two don't know each other really, which is funny. But he actually, like, he knew us before, like, he said he he knew us from watching YouTube videos before he ever podcasted. Oh, wow. And, and like, he listened to our show when we were first coming out because his show and our show started around the same time. Oh, shit, yeah. Like, the same year, you know what I mean? And he, uh, he remembered hearing us and he said oh my god those are those people from youtube i think he said he saw a review of eaten alive of that i did like way back in the day he was looking up eating alive or something but which is funny that you know that he knew who we were before we even you know and i didn't work i didn't really talk to him for years you know i knew who he was and stuff like that but it wasn't until uh what did i do with him was it the puppet master was the first thing i did with him i don't even remember no but, idea uh, yeah you know he he does his show a little bit different because he's a solo host he doesn't have co-hosts yeah he's, for sure he's a solo podcaster um but he has a uh revolving door of hosts so he'll have this person join him for this episode this person join him for this episode and the way he does his franchise is like russian roulette style so um all, he'll get like if he does like leprechaun or something there's seven films he'll get seven volunteers and then they randomly get chosen for one of the films and he just goes through them uh and each film is an episode yeah i I always hear people talking about it like oh i got uh you know i got fucking leprechaun three and shit like that i'm like what the fuck you guys doing like i never i feel like i'm completely (laughs) out of the loop so hardcore it's like why why the fuck does moods never fucking uh feature on other people's podcasts i'm like i don't know <laughs> yeah well it's different because you always say like hey you you never um you know asked to do a show or anything but he doesn't ask he he just says does anybody want to do this and then waits yeah. for people to volunteer it's a little bit different than than how tri- normally people will in, that's like, my that's- message mike and be like hey do you want to do this episode with us he just puts it out in the ether and just, you know, whoever says like, I just volunteered one day when I seen him post it and I never even talked to him before. Really, I mean, that, you know? that's not me being anti. So like, sometimes I just don't talk to other people, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't want to sound snooty or anything. It's not, it has nothing to do with people, you know, personally or anything. Sometimes I just don't have the time to like, you know, spark up like a friendship like that. I'm just like, no, I got to stick in my core because I'm already too fucking busy. I can't do this shit. So um, and it's really kind of why it's like that too. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, it's not, like I said, my, me trying to be anti-social, not trying to meet new people and stuff. I just, sometimes I feel like it's just not the best for the time. Cause I'm well, so busy. Like if I get involved with certain shit and I'm just like, well, this show already, you know, causes me to have like 24 hours, 25 hours of prep a week kind of thing. Right. So yeah, it's like, yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and another thing that um, he does that – okay, so when I first heard of him, he used to be on Horophilia um, before we were. When I first heard of him, he was doing a show called Doing the Nasty, and it was it was before Podcast Under the Stairs. And he went through the entire Video Nasties catalog episode by episode. It would be another one of the Video Nasties, and the whole podcast was reviewing the Video Nasties from – 
the first list. And he actually just revived the series because he never did the Section 3 list, I think. Mm. And he just revived it, and he's actually going through and doing those. He also has another show where he goes through the 88 Films Italian line and reviews every title in there. So he has all these little mini shows, too. Mm -hmm. Um, The Slasher Collection, which he makes fun of because – they're often not even slasher films when he gets when he reviews them but yeah yeah they are uh, so he does all the stuff that you would like that you're into too like well it's kind of funny that it's it's kind of funny that he does the um i I think i've even talked about this before i had the idea of doing the uh, video nasties like early early in youtube days and i just never kind of fell through with it i think i ended up doing the the 81 series instead i think that was what i came to because it was like a year-long series kind of thing and then and then i'm glad i didn't man because like you got guys like horrible reviews that went through and did all that shit like way better than i could have done oh, it yeah just yeah. like video wise like that guy puts i mean that's his job right he literally makes yeah. amazing videos but you know people have done this and I, i've heard of other podcasts and stuff like that but that's cool and i've even thought about even you know going through and doing certain things with the italian collection and stuff because I, it's just right up my alley you know having the whole collection and doing um not like a podcast but like video review well i've always said that if i ever wanted to do anything with the video nasties i would always hit up duncan i'd be like hey i want to do a doing the nasty but i want to call it doing the nasty american style because you know he's from the uk and stuff like that so but we're not, you know, so doing the nasty American style, it sounds like a porno, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, cause I've always, I, I haven't seen a ton of those. I've always wanted to see them, but, uh, yeah, he has another spinoff with Watson, another one with Derek. Like he works so much in podcasting. Um, but I'm, I'm happy that you're actually, you know, finally getting to meet him a little bit and be, uh, I think he even had a hip hop and horror podcasts or something like that. So really crazy. Nice. Well, that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. Sounds like that dude has just no time for anything else, but podcasting. That's insane. That's a yeah, lot of I projects, like, dude. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on this because I don't know him that well. But he may work from home or something. So that yeah. that obviously helps. It just you know, sounds if like if you have that many projects going, like it's a lot of film. It's a lot of hours you're putting in before you even record, right? Yeah, but I mean, come on, dude. You watched 120 movies in April, so <laughs> you, I did. You know what it's like to be able to fucking have a little bit of time on your hands. Right? It, it is weird because like. Oh man, you know, I don't know if I should feel good about that or just completely shitty about it too. But at the same time, it's been quarantine. Like we've been following the rules, been at home and stuff. And, you know, I just end up watching a lot of fucking movies. Like I was, I I wasn't really even paying attention until it was close to the end of the month. I'm like, holy fuck, dude, I think I'm going to average like four movies a day. (laughs) Insane. The crazy thing is I was looking back and I actually missed a cut. There was a couple days in the month. I didn't even watch any movies. So put that into perspective that's nuts dude yeah i mean man. i don't even know what to do but you know what happened though but you know what happened it is it's because the show has been going strong we've been doing a lot of movie watching for this show but it was also we did the top 10 of 85 and picked the new year which was 91 and then you know we wanted to do a quick turnaround with the 91 you know try and get one out you know maybe in august you know so we do like three months four months of strong prep and then record the show so i was like fuck it i'm just gonna start right away and you know i got like 2021 watched already and uh i just figured you know i might as well hit it up hard before i start to lose a bit of that time you know once the quarantine gets lifted and shit so might as well do it now and that's pretty much what happened i mean generally i wouldn't be waking up at 7 30 in the morning and being like ah i'm gonna watch a fucking shitty ass 1991 flick 
usually yeah. doesn't run through my mind. So, but it has been. I've been kind of waking up and being like, I, I, I should really just over prep right now and, and get some of these shitters out of the way and stuff before I start hitting <laughs> up the heavy hitters. But, uh, you know, because I know the time is going to, it's going to come to a point where I'm not going to have that time anymore. So, but, you know, I'm having fun, even though it's been very, very painful in the first 2021 films. <laughs> not going to lie. But I think 91 is going to be a fun year. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be fun, too. Uh, I think the summer series is going to be fun. I think next week's episode, I Spit on Your Grave, is going to be fun just because I haven't seen most of those films. I've only seen one of them. So that's always exciting for me. Speaking of that, uh, Mr. Park is going to be on that episode for the people that uh, actually I don't even think we even announced that we're doing I Spit on Your Grave franchise. So but that is next week's show. And Dave's going to be on that one. Um, we only have a couple more shows actually even uh, definitely booked. Yeah. So we have, uh, actually, no, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so besides that, you know what this week, honestly, dude, we only had two movies, three movies. If you count the bonus review, this was harder prepping than any, the, any of the past few weeks I've had. <laughs> it's crazy because I, you know, I did one of those things where I'm like, well, it's only two films. So I put it off until like the day before, you know what I mean? Yeah, dude. No, you put it off three hours before we recorded. You're like <laughs> messaging me going, Hey man, where did you find subtitles for this movie? And I'm like, are you fucking serious, dude? <laughs> no, fuck you. I messaged you last night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw what time it was 4am my time when you messaged me. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I actually had fallen asleep at one thirty cause I rode my fucking bike for an hour at like between like 11 and 12 and I fucking just crashed out after man. It was brutal. Yeah. I was watching blood sucking Pharaohs from Pittsburgh, riding my bike in front of the fucking TV. And that movie, I, that movie sucks, man. Oh God. Have you ever seen it before? No, you've never, oh, well, you'll, you'll end up watching it for 91, but yeah. yeah. Anyways, but yeah, no, usually I'm up super late, but for some reason I just like crashed the fuck out. So yeah, usually I probably would have got your message. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would have been a little bit better for you instead of like two hours before. Jesus, dude. It doesn't work. These subtitles don't work. Fuck. Yeah, I was I, I was having a rough time because I had a rough time watching stupid um, American Psycho 2 over mm-hmm. like the couple days. I just, I don't know what it was about that damn movie. Every time I would start it, I just couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. I think it's from because I tried to watch it right after watching American Psycho. I did the back to back last night with the two, and I tell you, man, whew, I tell you, there's a big difference in movies there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's my week. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's been same old shit with me, dude. Like just doing, you know, we're still selling product out of the store, so we're doing free deliveries, like literally in my truck, um, keeps me busy in the afternoon and stuff, and then. But I'm getting to the point now where we've done like all of our yard work, like we're ready to go. We've got all of our summer stuff out and it's just like, okay, you know, still stuck at the house. There's nothing really we can do. So might as well watch some fucking movies. I think I might take up drinking again. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't actually even drank. I was actually going to drink a little bit tonight, but I decided against it. Yeah, I actually really haven't even drank. And it's not because I got completely fucking obliterated on that fucking top 1085 show. I just... You know, when I'm at home, I actually don't really drink that much. It's it's kind of one of those things. Like the white drinks every fucking day. She Speaking of which, dude, but if you haven't checked it out yet, I put a little teaser out there for you guys. But um, the '85 show we did top ten. We also did me, Dave, and Moods, 
a 25 to 11. So the rest of our list, the extended list, it's available on the Patreon for now. It will be available later at some point for the rest of you guys. But if you want to see it now, which there have been, I think we got seven new supporters, which was nice. Um, check out the Patreon. Uh, it's two bucks to join. And then you get, I think it's in like an hour and 45 minute video. So JP totally uh, slacking with this because usually when we get new Patreoners, he used to do the shout outs every time we got I new know, Patreoners. And now, lazy as F now it's because you got, you know, a bunch of new ones, like seven, eight. You're like, oh, fuck, dude, that's way too much effort to go and grab all those names so I can shout them out on the podcast. <laughs> well, you know what it was why I stopped initially? Oh, on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> well, I, used I actually to put figured them you in would the group time. too. Yeah, but I, I figured it started you were showing do it this their time. email in the text in the email that I would get. So mm-hmm. I like stopped doing it because I didn't want to like give out people's emails. Yeah. Yeah. True that. But I thought for sure with this one, just because there was like kind of a big handful of them that came in that you might kind of shut them out and stuff. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, thank you for every, or to the people that actually did subscribe to check out the, uh, the extended list of 85. Um, it was fun to do. It was fun to do. And we'll probably end up doing it for 91. Uh, yeah. Most likely. I mean, again, you know, we, we mentioned before, we do watch a shitload of films. I plan on watching 91 again, just keeping it with that rhythm. Oh man. Deep breath, deep breath. This is, <laughs> it's been a rough start. So, um, but yeah, if you're going to watch it and do that much prep, you might as well make an extended list too. And I, I think it's a good idea. I don't like we mentioned before why we didn't do it before. I don't know. I don't know why we never did it, but, uh, we're starting now. So I hope you guys enjoy it. So. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, man. I mean, that's everything that's going on with me, man. Really not a whole lot. Um, just been, I wouldn't say I, I really don't ever get depressed and stuff, but just, and I, the funny thing is I, I don't get anxiety like ever, but it's been really kind of bugging me that I haven't been able to like, I mean, I could order, you know, some new media and stuff. I just don't feel right about it. Cause like our shop shut down and shit. But it's been giving me anxiety because like things are coming out and I'm just like, oh my God, I can't get behind. I can't get behind. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm like, you know, I've already set my mind like, dude, you know, you can buy this stuff, but don't do it. You know, like I'm, I'm cool with that. But I just, the idea of like scrolling through Instagram and someone ha- having that, you know, some of those releases that I really want. I'm like, fuck Jesus, man. It drives me nuts. But in a sense, it's actually kind of a good thing that I can't even order from Amazon.uk right now because they don't even ship internationally. So I'm like, whatever, fuck it. I don't care. You know, mm-hmm. I'll be back in a month anyways. It's not that big of a fucking deal. So it's summertime. We don't need to be watching that many movies anyways. Wink, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, Jesus, right. right. Um, but yeah, whatever, man. You know, it's actually kind of nice to take a break from, you know, waiting things waiting for things in the mail and just like always worrying about shit because like, you know, I've been through my fucking ups and downs with the post over the years. I've stressed about that shit on the podcast over and over again, but you know, it goes in waves. Sometimes it gets bad. Sometimes it gets good, but you know, I've got pretty much everything that I've been waiting for in the mail. So it's kind of nice to like not be checking the mail every single day. You know, it's like, yeah, I know first world problems, but at the same time, it yeah. is a nice, it's a nice break from it, you know, in the mental game too. So <laughs> I actually been ordering a lot of stuff. I haven't done it in a while, but I've, I've ordered, Oh dude, I went crazy. Oh dude. I went so crazy on, uh, that the, the couple sales that were out like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I think I got almost everything in. I'm still waiting on a couple things that, uh, like it's weird. I placed two orders from shout factory, like, the website shop factory which i normally don't order from but there was like some stuff that was worth it actually yeah 
Um, and some of the stuff I ordered in the first order still haven't, hasn't got here, but all the second order has, it's like weird and not, they weren't pre-orders either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I think the last couple things I'm waiting on, uh, my copy of psycho four, which I finally got, um, body parts, which is a 91 movie. Yeah. And then, um, the other one is, what is it? Uh, I- I'm waiting on the McPherson tape, which just is getting released um and 13 ghosts that that's all i'm waiting on now Hmm. q cool yeah man i fucking i got pretty much i like i i barely got anything this month so i'm like not even gonna do an update or anything i'm just like fuck that shit (laughs) just wait till because i did get my vs package which is cool i gotta say man the gels that's pretty 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 banging shit so um but yeah with that said man we might as well move this along we'll do it live okay well no. we'll do it live fuck it do it live i can i'll write it and we'll do it live do we got some news um yeah so some news here uh first up here john wick chapter four uh was originally supposed to come out this month or actually next month next year this month jesus i'm stupid so next year this month so may 2021 it's uh pushed back to may 2022 now may 22 holy shit yeah damn dude yeah this is right I saw a posting today, actually, I think it was Jeremy actually posted that uh, um, the new Bond movie's getting, it got delayed again until next year, so. Yep. That yep. sucks. Um, and then Spiral, the from the Book of Saw, which is the next Saw movie, uh, was supposed to come out this year in May, this month. Uh, and it's now May 21st, 2021. <sighs> wow. Well, I mean, this is expected, I guess, right? Nothing we can do about it, so. Yeah, which just kills my vibes, kills my vibes. Um, And then what else here? Uh, Lionsgate has pushed back their movie Antebellum um, from a May release to a August 21st, 2020. So technically still on schedule for this year. Um, But Yeah. yeah, so... Another one gets pushed back, mm-hmm. which is just crazy, you know. That uh, I feel like I, don't, I feel like this whole year is just going to be our top ten lists are just going to be made up of like straight to VOD rele- releases and shit. <laughs> I know. I was thinking that. I was. I was thinking like, and honestly, like there hasn't been that much good stuff. So like, if I had to make a top ten list right now, I'd be highly disappointed. It would be the worst year I've ever done in the modern years. Yeah, man, uh, I, I I was actually just talking with Mike about that too because you know he does obviously fresh cuts and well you have your show that you guys do new movies also and stuff and I'm like man you know even before the the COVID hit like it wasn't even that strong of a year but now it's just like gotten really weak you know even like I mean VOD releases are always hit and miss and stuff but I feel like this is just <laughs> you know we're four months in the year and I mean if I had to make a top ten list I'd be pretty fucking pissed off actually right now. Um, with the exception of a couple of films, but man, nothing, you know, besides VFW is sticking out like 
bonafide top 10 material. Actually, I really like Favarium. I thought that movie was really good too. But uh, going at this pace, not getting those theatrical releases, and we're, if we're going to be sticking to, you know, the lower budget kind of straight to VOD, you know, indie films, I don't know. This might be a, definitely a year to re- be remembered for a lot of different things. <laughs> there was so many big films that were s- slated for this year from like Candyman to Saw, Antebellum, um, Antlers. Uh, t- I think there was another Purge. Like there was a lot of, you know, I, we, well, I remember looking back and... <laughs> There yeah, was like four a lot of horror films per month on some months. I, I mean, a lot of notable, definitely theatrical releases and stuff. But a lot of those releases I wasn't overly too stoked for. Like people are like, "Yeah, The Purge," you know, the new Saw. Oh yeah, well, like, those those things. Like, I mean, see, I get. I'm it. excited for. I get excited for Saw just because, yeah. like, I don't know. I, I it's it, I I like the Saw. I wouldn't say I was excited about the new Candyman. I was curious about it, dude. But I, I wasn't. That, I, I, wasn't I have excited. been as hyped for a film since Halloween, man. Like I was mad hyped for Candyman. Like Candyman looked yeah. so good. Like usually going into every year, there's always one or two films where I'm like super, super stoked to see, you know, like, but going into this year, I was like, okay, you know, I mean, there was nothing that was really catching my eye. I mean, I don't know, man. It's just one of those, this is going to be the fucking most odd year for sure. I think still, I mean, I don't know, man just I, it's just so disappointing right now it's insanely disappointing but it was already kind of like that going into it because i remember when we talked about it in the year end show i'm like you know there's some films that look interesting but i don't think anything's like blowing my shitter out you know yeah i mean purge movie is like a, i've never been excited ever since the first oh, no, purge movie i, I was out, excited for the first one because they made it look like it was going to be like this badass exploitation film that looked super good and mm-hmm. i haven't been excited for any of them <laughs> although antebellum i think that movie looked kind of cool antlers look kind of cool and shit so i mean there mm-hmm. is definitely some disappointment you know the even if these you know hopefully the movies actually do come out this year because i mean that's just unforeseen territory also right so yeah you know who knows man i mean well we really it sucks don't know. that like half of the release schedule has already been pushed to 2021 which yeah. is just sucks but you know what else is gonna suck yeah, exactly right half the movies have been pushed to 2021 which is okay because then we don't have to cram but i i feel like a lot of these releases that are getting pushed, they might get later, you know, last quarter releases. And then we're going to be cramming mm-hmm. like a motherfucker. Cause they're going to release like 400 movies at one time. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah, like, oh, holy shit. Like let's, we got to get some material out there for the, you know, 2020 year. Who knows, man, how this is going to play out. But as of right now, it's been super, super slow. I've been trying to catch up on some movies. Like I've watched about 20 now and it's still, it's fucking hit and miss, dude. It's really, really hit and miss. Like I'm I, probably I'm probably ahead of you at this point, which I don't think has ever happened. Yeah, I mean, people are like, "Oh man, did you see this movie? You see this movie?" And I'm like, "Oh fuck it, this." I got I started mixing up 91 watches with 2020, so I ended up checking out The Hunt, and I watched The Lodge, and I watched Becoming, and Vivarium, and Sea Fear. Some of these ones that were kind of notable things I had written down and stuff. I'm like, I need I need to start catching up. But I thought The Lodge was good. It wasn't it wasn't great, but you know, again, you know, it's just it's shaping up to be one of those years where as of now it's fuck. It's very, very disappointing, man. Very disappointing. So, yeah, I, I find it hard with Carly to even like some weeks we're like, I don't know what to watch. Cause we don't want to watch something that's too old either. You know, we try to yeah. keep it like the newer stuff, but there's some weeks where we're like, there's nothing interesting that came out this week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, uh, but when we first started, we didn't have that problem at all that we had too much stuff. There was like, one week where it's like, you know, a big theatrical film, like Come to Daddy, After Mid. There was like four films that came out that we were all interested in. Um, so, yeah, it's crazy. But 
you know, it, 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 hopefully it'll start picking up again, but we'll see. We can only wait. Um, so speaking of that, continuing along with that, uh, HBO's release of the outsider has moved from June to July. So just a one month pushback, um, the DVD and Blu-ray, yeah. uh, which is, I had it recorded off of HBO cause I, I have HBO, but I don't, I haven't watched it yet, but I was really curious to check it out because right when I finished the book, somebody pointed out that they were making a adaptation of it and the trailer was like just dropped like the day before I finished the book or something like that. And I was like, wow, what, how weird is that? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so, um, I watched the trailer and I was like, holy crap, this looks exactly like how I pictured it in my head. And I was like, wow, they did a really good job with this. So hmm. it looked like a good adaptation to the book, uh, which was a very good book. Yeah. But yeah, so that's a month later. And then one more of those Paramount um, uh, pushes back the 4K. Now, I don't know if it's an actual 4K release. I, I've seen conflicting statements. Um so it says here that it's Blu-ray DVD, but I've seen people say that it was 4K uh, of Friday the 13th, the original 1980 um, Pamela Voorhees one uh, was coming to a special 40th anniversary still book. It's supposed to come out May 5th, which was this week, um, but it's pushed back to June 16th. Um, Where was hmm. the 4K information coming from? Because I, I seen one thing on it too, and it said Blu-ray Steelbook, but that I mean, it could have been labeled wrong though too. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it makes sense to put it out on 4K. I mean, at this point, because didn't they? I thought that they had a didn't they not just? Oh, maybe that was the same release. It's been pushed a couple times, hasn't it been? I feel like they've announced it a long time ago, but because I remember, I, don't know, I, I remember seeing the Friday the Thirteenth original Steelbook on pre-order, but I, yeah, that must have been the same thing. But it did say blu-ray didn't say 4k hmm interesting yeah see everything i'm seeing is is uh blu-ray yeah but i somebody told me it was 4k at one point yeah because yeah like like some of these news sites are right in 4k okay yeah because i remember seeing i think the pre-order was like at least a month or two ago or something and i just assumed it came out but i guess it didn't weird huh so, uh, yeah, that happened, which I, I, I don't know. I, I was going to buy it when I thought it was 4K, but I don't know if I'm going to buy it now. I just don't even understand why it would just be. I mean, I mean, I guess. I mean, they do this all the time. They re-release films in steelbook format and stuff. But at this point, I mean, really, like it should be 4K. It doesn't even look, <clears throat> honestly, that cool with a steelbook or anything. So Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not uh, a steelbook. Pro. I would never buy it just because it's in steelback, steelbook format anyways. But, I mean it's more inviting for the 4k collectors. Yeah. I'm not a fan of steel books. Yeah. And I've never been a steel book collector. <clears throat> uh, all right. So after that, um, Kevin James and Joel McHale and Lulu Wilson are starring in a home invasion thriller called Becky, which is arriving in June on digital. So is it starring Becky from Roseanne? No, um, Becky is described as a John Wick. <laughs> Just straight up, a, no. <laughs> Be- Becky is described as John Wick with a fourteen-year-old girl. Kevin James, it's uh, says a fourteen-year-old female it's, John Wick. What the fuck? Oh, Kevin James is the villain. Uh, 
What? Kevin James fucking sucks, dude. I can't I like see that guy's a villain. <clears throat> Give me a break. What, what uh, is he going to break into the house and eat all of her fucking Twinkies and fucking donuts and shit? Fuck yeah. Fuck Kevin James. <laughs> the film centers, uh, uh, centers on rebellious 14-year-old Becky as she's brought to the weekend getaway at the lake house by her father in effort to try to connect, reconnect after her mother's death. The trip takes a turn for the worst when a group of convicts on the run led by the merciless Dominic, aka Kevin James, suddenly invades the lake house. Becky's not Becky, not Daddy's little girl anymore. Be- dude, it says Becky, not Daddy's little girl anymore. Decides to take matters into her own hands. Um, is it a com- is it a thr- comedy or is it just a thriller? I don't get this though, man. It's a, a it's a thriller. So all right, I, hey, maybe we'll watch that for June fifth. She's guess. a fourteen year old girl going up against like a seven hundred pound unfunny fuck. Like, yeah, I could see if he was funny, that might be a threat. But since he's unfunny, yeah, I, I yeah, it's just not relatable. But I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, I, for some odd reason, I can't even picture Kevin James in like a role like that. I know I'm having a hard time. I just that's why that's why I was like, are you sure it's not a comedy? When I was looking back, if he shows up to her house in a UPS uniform, I'm gonna I'll watch it because that's just funny as hell. He's like the evil version of his fucking uh, King of Queens character. Mm. <laughs> oh, fucking Kevin James, man. He's, the, he's the, like the worst replacement in the whole fucking Happy Madison world, you know, for Chris Farley. Chris Farley. Yeah, he really, no, he really like, is kind of like when you the, compare he's him the to token, Chris Farley, I, I'm with you. He's the token I like fat him guy. as himself. He's the token black guy. Fat guy. No, no. no, I thought that was Chris Rock. Well, yeah, unfortunately, which is kind of ironic. You know, he's the token guy. I hate that about some of those movies where they have him as like the token black guy. And he's like, Chris Rock is the funniest guy to all those guys combined. Like, you know what? I don't disagree with you because I, I, Chris Rock is funny as shit. Dude, his stand up is the best. Like, I love Chris Rock's stand up. Oh, Chris so Rock entertaining. is great. So entertaining, yeah. man. Fuck. I love his energy, his delivery, his voice. He's just a funny fucking who, dude. Who would, you, who would you say is – okay, so you got – you got David Spade. Yeah. <clears throat> you got Adam Sandler. You got Rob Schneider. Mm-hmm. You have Chris well, Rock. Chris Rock. I mean, Kevin James is a stand-up comedian too. Um, Kevin James and Chris Farley, right? Is that all? Is that the main ones? Yeah. I mean, there's guys that come and go. You got like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that kind of sums it up. I mean, pretty much everybody from, um, Oh, Saturday that's... Night Live. Yeah, for SNL and shit, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the, the basis of it, yeah, for sure. So if you were going to rank those in terms of who you like the most, those six guys, which Kevin James kind of doesn't count, but we'll throw him in there because he's like the new crew. How would you rank it? Uh, well, Chris Rock at the top, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I do find Adam Sandler funny in, in some things. I, I do like the, the thing about Adam Sandler now. I mean, ever since he signed his deal with Netflix and he, he's done like, what he's produced, like at least a dozen happy Madison films just for Netflix straight to Netflix releases. They are hit and miss, but I do like the fact that he's changed up his style. Like he does like some comedies. He does some dark black comedies. He does like, you know, kind of drama thrillers and stuff with, uh, um, uncut gems. He just did recently. Did you watch that one? Um, uncut gems yeah no. kind of a different you know it's it's serious it's serious but he's he has been changing up his style a little bit uh adam Sandler has been always hit and miss with me in his career but i do find him funny um 
David Spade is the same thing, you know. He's he has his moments, but I don't know. I've never really found David Spade to be overly that funny. Um, it, it's funny because as a whole, I think the whole crew is a little bit overrated besides Chris Rock, you know. Um, but yeah, I would I probably put Adam Sandler, David Spade. Oh, I guess incorporating Chris Farley, he's got to be number two behind Chris Rock. Chris Farley, so, yeah, Chris so, Farley yeah. was a funny fuck. Chris Rock, Chris Farley. Um, Adam Sandler, David Spade, you know, kind of Rob Schneider. I don't find funny at all, to be honest, <laughs> especially in leading roles. I don't mind Rob Schneider as someone that has a role, say like in big daddy, where he plays the, you know, he plays the fucking stupid ass fucking delivery guy. And he's just so uneducated and shit. He's funny in small roles, but as a leading hip, man, he's terrible in leading roles, man. Hip hop anonymous. I get, yeah. Like, you know, induce Bigelow and shit. Like, I can only, I can't handle him through like ninety minutes of that shit, dude. I just, I never really found him that funny. But and Kevin James, you know, of course, I just, I think he sucks. But uh, I mean, there's other guys that come and go. Like, there's Kevin Nealon and all those other dudes. They're pretty funny right, guys. But. So me, I go Chris Rock, Chris Farley, Adam. I go the exact same order, actually. Yeah. Um, you know what, David Spade. See, I think I'm with you. Rob Schneider, I don't I think the only thing I've ever actually liked him in was was uh Deuce Bigelow. Yeah, and and the funny thing about that movie is that it gets old quick cuz it's it's very repetitive in what it's I'm doing, I'm sure right? it does I'm sure it does not hold up. I'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> uh, it probably doesn't. I, I I rewatched a few years back and I was like, eh. I don't think I was like fully paying attention to it, but I just, I just remember the one part that always makes me laugh with the, the one girl that he's dating, uh, the narcoleptic one. And he has her hair tied up. And so she doesn't oh, fucking she drown, in the drown in the pool. Oh my God, dude, that shit made me <laughs> fucking laugh, man. So funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, Adam Sandler, you have like some, cla- some genuine classics there in his early career and he's i've always honestly like even the stuff that people started when the era where people started like hating him um i would say like around like don't mess with the zohan was that him don't mess with the zohan yeah it is yeah i hated that fucking movie but um like i loved funny people and grown-ups uh, a lot and a lot of people hated them dude I, um, those are two of the my i hate those movies grown-ups i thought see grown-ups is a great example of a movie that is just like it doesn't utilize its its potential i mean chris rock to well, me, everybody comes expected off as, here's the problem it's he's people so look at it that. like it's yeah. supposed to be pure comedy but it's more it's more a family film no 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 for sure but i, I just hate the role that they give chris, like chris rock just has that kind of token black guy role in it i'm like incorporate him more just you know it's like i feel like he just doesn't have any he just doesn't doesn't have a big enough part in the film at all considering he is the potentially you know the pure comic relief he should be you know kind of i think there's just wasted opportunities with that but i don't know man adam sandler's always been hit and miss like my favorite movie by adam sandler hands down is uh the wedding singer i love that movie i've never seen it it's so fucking it's because it's got this replay rewatchability to it man it's just so fucking funny to me man there's so many great lines in it but it's the one i always go back to but i got to say man yeah there was definitely an era of i want to say maybe well, after big my daddy favorite is like one at least one of my favorites i know everybody usually goes happy gilmore big daddy billy madison for me it's little nicky dude and 
I love Little Nicky. It's little, fucking hilarious. Little Nicky's funny. That was, I mean, that was kind of, you know, towards the end of like that whole kind of real great era of Adam Sandler. And then I feel like in the 2000s, it kind of dipped down. But I feel like he's he's done some other work that doesn't Click get Click no- was really good. See, I hate it, Click, man. See, the thing yeah. I hate about Click is that it, it incorporates comedy with being, and then it takes this like, it, it takes this right angle it's, fucking It's curb barely on. a fucking comedy, dude. It's well, more of like a sad-ass drama. It is, but it start, like it's projected as a comedy at first, like a light comedy, you know, but then it goes dramatic. But it goes like, it's not just dramatic. It's like, it's super sad and like just, uh, it doesn't make you feel good, man, when you watch shit like that. No, it's math- madly depressing. It's um, really depressing. I just didn't, I actually didn't really care for the whole story in that anyways, too. It's like, uh, I, I just don't really, I, I wasn't feeling that one at all. Um, but like, you know, again, going back to all the shit that he's produced for Netflix and stuff, you know, in the last couple, I years, haven't watched any of it. Not a single well, thing. I went on this Adam Sandler kick, I think last month, actually, right when the quarantine started, I was just watching a couple comedies. I just, I, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to check out some of these Adam Sandler movies that people have been talking about. Cause I wanted to watch uncut gems. And so I checked out like all these movies. I watched a lot of them that were on Netflix and they're, they're, they are hit and miss, but I was like, again, respecting the fact that he was changing genres and changing type of films quite like drastically you know just kind of shows his range and stuff but you know none of them are horrible horrible some of them are pretty funny um but you know it, it that's that's comedy for you though you know that's mm-hmm. those type of you know i, I want to say artists i guess because adam Sandler is kind of like that i guess but mm-hmm. wow that yeah, has for to me be the- I, I think that david spade is the one that um has like fallen off like he was he when you look at the well honestly with chris farley he was really good um and yeah then, yeah like Farley was just fucking funny as shit though, dude. Like before he died, you know, he's definitely number two. And then, and I'm not just saying that cause he died he genuinely was like funny as fuck. Uh, and his just expressions just killed man. But, um, David Spade, I mean, I think Joe dirt, like Joe dirt's the, the, the David Spade film for me. Joe dirt. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. The early David Spade stuff with, uh, with Chris Farley is the most memorable for sure. You know, black sheep and Tommy boy. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, that's pretty much different. Like David Spade and Joe dirt, I guess like <laughs> Joe dirt is actually kind of funny. Hell yeah. Joe dirt's funny. I love Joe dirt. Yeah. I used to quote the shit out of that movie. <laughs> I actually didn't really mind. Um, one of the, um, Happy Madison production films that he did for Netflix uh, that actually didn't have Adam Sandler because he's in pretty much all of them. But he did one that's actually starring um, David Spade. It's called Father of the Year. That movie actually kind of made me laugh. There were some funny ass parts in that one. I thought it was kind of a, a decent return for, you know, David Spade making decent comedy again kind of thing. So thought mm-hmm. that was all right. Um, but yeah, no, they're hitting missile, man. Like Sandy, Sandy Wexler, fuck the do over. See, I haven't even seen any of those. Like murder mystery. I thought was okay. A lot of people were hating on murder mystery. It's with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Um, these type of movies have been done before. It's very Agatha Christie, not like Agatha Christie, but it, it's in that vein kind of style. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was okay though. It had a decent pace to it. It was kind of funny. I mean, I'll watch, you know, I'll watch things with Adam, uh, with Jennifer Aniston. Cause she's kind of, she's kind of interesting, you know, where she, went from friends you know that type of character to doing like you know horrible bosses type dirty shit and stuff i, I respect what she does <laughs> she's kind of funny to me but wow that was a lot of comedy talk that was crazy oh yeah 22 shots of moods and comedy <laughs> i can't believe um, we just had like a 10 minute conversation about adam sandler and happy madison productions <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we got um after that 
uh, well, it's it's a lighter episode, so you know we're stretching a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, this this article from Bloody Disgusting says racist terrors and Lovecraftian monsters collide in HBO's Lovecraft Country. Uh, it comes out this August, so it's is this a movie or a TV fucking show? Um, hmm. New, it's a new drama series. Um. Why the fuck is it on Bloody Disgusting? That oh, it's produced by Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams. That's why. <laughs> um, hmm. What does it say here? Uh, the series follows uh, Atticus Freeman as he joins up with his friends Latita and his uncle George to embark on a road trip at, across 1950s Jim Crow America in search for his missing father. Uh, this begins a struggle to. S- to survive and overcome both racist terrors of white America and terrifying monsters that could be ripped out of a HP Lovecraft paperback. There are indeed monsters, both human and inhuman in the, uh, wild first teaser, which looks to be a blend of grounded drama and wild monster mayhem. Okay. This sounds kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. Hmm. Yeah, it does. It's literally called Lovecraft country. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of potential there. That's kind of cool. I like it. Yeah, just looking at it, it looks it looks kind of cool. I'm not going to watch the trailer, but maybe I'll check that out. HBO's kind of been killing it lately. I mean, I guess, you know, with them producing it, at least the production value will be, you know, inviting. So that's cool. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but I, I feel like that's one thing that's always kind of plagued, you know, H.P. Lovecraft's stories in the past and, and productions has been, you know, a lot of H.P. Lovecraft adaptations or stories are adapted in very low budgets and it just doesn't do the ideas justice because if you take an hp lovecraft story it involves a lot of sci-fi a lot of monsters a lot of you know very heavy type special effects and things like that when you don't give it the budget it it can really kind of ruin your idea of what hp lovecraft is all about you know what i'm saying for sure so i feel like if you put a like a big production like jordan peele and abrams and stuff i mean obviously you're going to get some um some uh, decent budget there and stuff. So that's pretty cool, man. That's cool. It's mm-hmm. very inviting. Cause I've always been a huge HP Lovecraft fan. I mean, it's been done right in low budget ways, you know, like with Stuart Gordon, I always felt like did, uh, you know, Lovecraft well, you know, mm-hmm. for the budgets he was fucking working with too. I mean, let's face it when he did reanimator and things like that, the budgets weren't huge, but you know, they worked. He did his best. He did his best. Yeah, man. But there's been so many bad ones. Like, you know, early two thousand, some of those HP, those adaptations of his stories are just like, oh my God, you watch these things. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, w- why would you even allow someone to adapt that story with a fucking $17,000 budget? Like, well, that just it's doesn't public work. Domain. <laughs> Mo- most HP Lovecraft is to public domain, I believe. Right. I don't know how that works with, with no, like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm that pre- works I'm with literature. Sure. Cause it's I'm literature. Pretty sure that he, it's not all literature. I'm pretty sure his is public domain though. Yeah, I, I've never actually looked into that. I always wondered why H.P. Lovecraft was so adaptive. I mean, obviously, because the stories are interesting and there's a lot you can do with the ideas and kind of put your own blend and spin on, you know, his uh, stories. But it would make a lot more sense because if you look at the history of H.P. Lovecraft adaptations, there's a million of them, dude. Like, there's tons and tons and tons of adaptations of stories and shit. And a lot of them, there's a lot more misses than there is hits, for sure. But there, there is good ones. Do you remember um, Stephen King's dollar movies? No. What's that? Um, it was a thing that he did. I want to say it was in the 
90s. Maybe that's why. Um, and it was about, so, uh, what was it? Um, so what he did was he put, uh, a lot of his stories, um, out like, like a couple of his short stories. He, he let them be adapted for a dollar. Like, so anybody could make them. The yeah. only thing is he like retained the rights to, the product so you were allowed to make it um with for a dollar you know you pay him a dollar or whatever and then uh you know you just couldn't you couldn't get rich off of it basically yeah yeah um but it was pretty cool because i know that um the i think the disciple of the crows that because you know there's children of corn but you know there was another adaptation of it right yeah 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 um and that was um that was, uh, yeah, that's Disciple of the Crows. Which essentially uh, it, acted as, not a prelude, but it was the idea behind adapting it into a full-length feature too, right? Because it was, like, it was, like, literally a short. I think it's actually, yeah. it's actually the, it's it's on the Arrow release, I believe, too. They have the short on oh, there. Oh, is it? No I think, shit. I think so. I have that release. I never checked it out. I have the, um. Yeah. Do I have the VHS? I might have the, v- the two, like, there was a VHS put out of um a couple of short films the boogeyman and disciples of the crows and then there's two other ones or something yeah okay so um there there it's actually on vhs somewhere but yeah that was one of the it was called uh stephen king's dollar babies or something it was uh i think it went on until yeah because they they released they released a few different tapes with double like two shorts on each tape right Yes, because I actually have a couple of them still. I remember even renting those things back in the day. Okay, I didn't. I didn't realize that's what they were called, but I do know what you're talking about for sure. Because I even have the Boogeyman one here, so that's really. In, I didn't. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's, I forget where of, I learned that at, but I remember it was cool. It's an interesting like, idea. It's an interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Um, all right, we have. Uh, I'm not okay with this. Is co-creator is adapting Stephen King's The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Uh, as, um, so, um, Hmm. bloody disgusting says at one point, George Romero was, uh, attached to direct an adaptation of Stephen King's 1999 novel, the girl who loved Tom Gordon, but unfortunately never came to be all these years later, producers Roy Lee and John Berg are behind a brand new adaptation and village roadshow pictures has just boarded the project. Uh, Christy Hall, who created I Am Not Okay With This, which is on Netflix, starring the girl from It, um, Bev from It, the little the kid, Bev, the redhead. Yeah, yeah, the ginger. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Have you seen anything about that show yet? No. No, I haven't, okay. actually. Cool fucking fact about that show, dude. It was filmed in my, like, right, like, here, like, in my town. Like, nice. um. I don't know if you ever got to watch our out and about video, but we, sh- there's a bunch of areas where we are there right in the show. It, it was filmed. There was a scene shot right outside of Carly's house. Um, hmm. it, the whole, like there's so much of my town in that show. It's kind of crazy. I, 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 it's so weird nice. that this giant Netflix show with the girl from it is like <laughs> in my town. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. It's just strange. It's like, why here? You know, we're shithole. Like I was driving 
my, me and my cousin well, were the driving. Be- but that's the beauty of it. See, you see it as a <laughs> shithole, but they also see it as like a small town America kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, you got to use, you got to utilize those type of places to film in sometimes, right? Yeah. Me and my cousin were driving down the road today and, um, we, I, I wanted to ask her, um, we, we were looking for something and then, um, we drove through like the, the, uh, basically the public housing area, the projects and like, there's just like pit bulls running around outside. <laughs> like it's just potholes everywhere. And it's just looks like a car. I was just like, I haven't been down there since a long time. I used to live there when I was, a, uh, like a, a kid and, um, man, it was just like, I'm like, this place is, I was like, I can't believe they shot a movie here. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just yeah. like, that's like, I don't know what the hell they were thinking, but, um, they didn't really shoot it in that particular area, but it's only right up the road. So, um, just very interesting, but there's, they used a lot of great locations and I was even showing Jeremy some, um, I was taking some pictures of like some stuff in downtown Brownsville that wasn't in that show and, uh, which I haven't watched yet. So it might be, but I'm just saying like from the trailers and stuff, but, uh, there is such a overgrown look to this area of like dilapidation and stuff that just looks perfect for a post-apocalyptic film. They're actually cleaning up the town a lot now. They've tore down some buildings and built new ones and stuff. So it lo- it's starting to look better, but we have like, like, you know, hundred year old churches and stuff like that. that are just like beautiful with the moss. And you know, it's just, we actually show our old, like super old hospital. That's cave, like caving in this gen- general hospital from the, um, shit it was it was like such a long time ago but we show it in the video a little bit but um you can look up pictures on it like people ghost hunt in this area like people come from like other states to ghost hunt here Hmm. um but yeah so it's pretty it's kind of uh, we have some buildings that are popular on the underground ghost hunting scene uh but yeah so she's they're doing an adaptation of the girl who the girl who loved tom gordon ever read that no, it's actually one I've I don't own or have read. It's weird. <clears throat> okay, so I've never read it. I don't know much about it other than I've heard of it before. But uh, it is. It says a frightening suspense novel about a young girl who becomes lost in the woods as night falls. On a six-mile hike on the main New Hampshire branch of the Appalachian Trail, nine-year-old Trisha McFarland quickly tries tires of the constant bickering between her older brother pete and her recently divorced mother but when she wanders off by herself and then tries to catch up by attempting a shortcut she becomes lost in the wilderness maze full of peril and terror kind of sounds like um in the tall grass yeah a little bit right yeah yeah there's some more um there's some more wait oh tom gordon is a pitcher you probably knew that. Yes, yes. For the Boston mm-hmm. Red Sox, that's who she, her idol, her hero is. Um, but yeah, so there's. It sounds cool. I'm down with it. I, I'm always down for more Netflix or for some more uh, Stephen King adaptations. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, and then the final little bit of news: we have Hellraiser is getting an HBO series with yeah. David Gordon Green directing and Michael Doherty writing. So, um, is so you said HBO? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. See mm-hmm. when HBO announces something, I usually expect it to happen. Like, I don't remember them announcing things and then it not coming to fruition. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if we actually see this. 
Mm-hmm. But honestly, I, I at first I was like, oh, fuck this. But then I thought about it for a second, and I was like, well, it is fucking HBO. They can do like anything on there. Yeah, for sure. And you think of the Cenobites and um, you know the general themes of Hellraiser, and you're like, yeah, you need to be on an adult network to be able to do that. So at first I was like, ugh. But then I read this too. David Bruckner is still attached to direct a film. So I was wondering about that. If they still do the film, because that's why I was bummed at first. I was like, just do another movie first. But if they're still going to do a film and the TV show, sure, bring bring on the TV show. Um, So, but of course, we know David Gordon Green is the director of the recent Halloween. Mm Hmm. Um. So Bruckner, that's is this supposed to be? Like he's attached to doing the remake of it because didn't they say that they're not going to continue along with the storyline or is that, has that been confirmed? No, they haven't said anything about the, the thing, but I assume it's a remake because it's a different company now. Yeah. That's what I figured too. Cause, cause it wasn't their news about like they, the producers or whatever, they just decided not to continue along with, even though the last Hellraiser film actually wasn't overly that bad. I don't think they're, I don't think they're allowed to continue. I don't know. I don't know how that works because that was dimension. You know, yeah, I, mean? I know I was confused about that too. So like when I, I know that when you get Breckner got attached with the Hellraiser brand, I was like, wow, this has obviously got to be, you know, a straight up remake. Right. So, but that's weird though. So I wonder if that's even going to happen. I mean, if HBO is going to develop this series and actually go through with it, I wonder if they'll put up the movie at the same time. I mean, I guess it's decent for marketing if you're going to remake and put out a series at the same time. It, it can kind of go either way, really. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see how this yeah. plays out. I mean, well, I could yep. see I could see HBO putting out the series and, and then them scrapping the film. Who knows? I can tell you this: that I love. Um, I think Michael Doherty is like a great choice for a writer, though. Oh, for sure. For sure. It, yeah. I mean, I mean, people have been talking about a remake of Hellraiser forever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, I guess that gives it a little bit merit of actually getting it done. But I mean, with the announcement of HBO, like really, do you need a series and a new movie or a remake at the same time? It might not end up being at the same time. We might get the movie first, but I don't even know if they're connected. Like they might be separate entities. Like, Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know. Like, who knows? I would rather have a movie, but I'm kind of curious. Like, you know, as much as I always say, I'm never that curious on T, you know, new developing TV series based off of, you know, movies and, and novelizations and things like that. Um, I, I think Hellraiser could be an interesting TV series because I think there's a lot of ways you can attack it too. Right. If you do something completely different than the original story, because I mean, the original story is just like, it's like a romantic horror movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, I have always thought that a cool thing to do with the Hellraiser series, which is like what you said last week that you would have liked for something to be. But um, I have a couple of the old Hellraiser comics from the 90s. Yeah. And they're like all different stories. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, you could do kind of an anthology type thing see i'm never opposed different people getting a hold of the puzzle box yeah i see exactly you know it kind of goes back to the whole idea of the friday 13th store with all all the objects and every object is you know the the object of your story you know Mm -hmm. it creates that anthology like that i think you could do a lot you can really develop anything into an anthology but yeah the puzzle stories that's an easy one to do but you know if they don't take that route you know and they actually make like a you know a whole linear narrative 
throughout a whole season. I think it, I think there's a lot you can do. I, I think taking the approach from, you know, the original story with the, the story, um, you know, the romantic story and stuff, I, I wouldn't go that route. I would really kind of focus on the Cenobites and the hell and, and that whole aspect of it and stuff in a different way. I, I think there's a lot of possibilities with the Hellraiser series for sure, man. I think there's a lot there. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. And and here's the thing with the uh, Hellraiser series being on HBO, and I, I said it, but I just think that that's a good place because you can sort of do more adult themed things, which you're not going to get that on AMC or no. the Sci-Fi Channel. Um, so I think that's kind of best case scenario if you're going to do a TV series. Like, let's do it on a place where we could actually. Um, make Hellraiser very adult because, dude, it's called Hellraiser for one. Two, I mean, it's very adult themed. It's like, the right platform because you can't dumb down Hellraiser because we're dealing with very, you know, adult themes. You know, hell, you know, like just a lot of sadism and and a lot of crazy shit. And plus, it has like you know these evil demons and it, that are clearly out of a like damn BDMs bar. Yeah, like there's a lot of like adult themes. Like there's I don't just think I said everything about Hellraiser is very. You know, it's for adults kind of thing. So, yeah, I think HBO is the right place for it. Like, dumbing down Hellraiser is the worst idea you could ever do. So HBO is the right platform for it, um, mm-hmm. given that they give it a decent budget. I mean, HBO is pretty good about that type of stuff. But I, I'm actually kind of curious on this. You know, I've always been intrigued by the Hellraiser world. You know, we didn't exactly get many sequels that we were, you know, overly that excited with. You know, because just, you know, more or less. I mean, we talked about it on the Hellraiser franchise. I mean, some of those stories were not fully developed for, you know, to be actual sequels and stuff. So I, I think the Hellraiser franchise was a little bit, uh, just kind of taken for granted. I think a little bit, um, which is kind of a shame, you know, I, I just honestly, I don't think it's ever been done the justice that it deserves. So maybe HBO can put a spin on that and do it properly. You know what? I actually, I actually really like most of the Hellraiser films. It's weird. I never like, it's i never expected i'm i was i was sitting there the other day and i was like honestly i kind of feel like watching like five six seven like those ones i mean you know it's funny they do get a rap for being some of the worst i mean as hellraiser sequels they're not great but you know like Mm -hmm. we said before you know as individual films they're okay but wouldn't have been so different though to have like seven films that are completely connected you know, just like th- this whole world is like one huge fucking narrative. Like it would have been really cool and interesting, but you know, that's wishful thinking really. <laughs> right. So that's why I think that HBO could do the narrative of Hellraiser uh, justice. You know, if you do it in that type of TV form and, you know, celebrate the narrative over, you know, 10 episodes that are an hour long, it's a lot of Hellraiser. I mean, it's essentially, we'll probably get more Cenobites and, uh, um, you know, pinhead that we got in, in the nine films combined. Yeah. Cause it, yeah. that was, that was something that we talked about a lot through. It's kind of funny because even in the first Hellraiser, like he's only on film or he's only on, you know, on uh, screen for like seven minutes or five minutes or something. People seem to forget that. Like if you total up the time that he's actually on screen throughout the franchise, it's crazy, dude. It doesn't even equal. And uh, like, what is it like 40 minutes or some crazy shit? It's nuts. Yeah. It's just not enough, not enough, but I think HBO could do it properly, man. Yeah, yeah, um, I think I think so. Fucking thing sucks. Not really horror related, but it's 
it's almost sort of a knowledge segment in a way. So maybe we'll just call this part a little, a little knowledge. The word I bring to you today is knowledge reigns supreme. You got no time to joke and play because knowledge reigns supreme. Um, but there's a thing going on right now where um, Trolls World Tour, which is a troll movie, um, or something. Is it? Is it Trolls? I don't know. It's like a Disney thing. Um, yeah, what the fuck it, is this about? I, I saw someone talking about Trolls and then someone else called. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I thought they were talking about, like, internet trolls. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't think they're talking about internet trolls. I think they're actually talking about, like, cinematic trolls. <laughs> yeah, Trolls World Tour. Yeah. Um, which is a 2020 movie. Um, an animated film. Or, like, CG animation from DreamWorks and it came out on uh, video on demand um, and they it did really well it came out like a week ago or something and it made a hundred million dollars on on digital streaming which is a lot that's a a real lot you know what what I mean a hundred million from digital streams wow yeah so like vod pay for it and watch damn that's crazy um now the the quarantine people at universal came out and said like hey this was a huge hit for us um i think it proves that like video on demand is a huge um you know tool for us and we're gonna start releasing our movies well they see it as the future that's why they, yeah, they 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 said they're going to start releasing their movies simultaneously Less on cost. video on demand, yeah. um, and sometimes like even like I, I I don't have the exact quotes in front of me, but it it seemed as if like um, the theater chains reacted very poorly. So um, AMC was the first to come out, and then uh, I think um, Regal and then Cineworld uh, came out and basically said. Um, they're not going to play any universal films that are released on to um, VOD whenever think the theaters open back up um, because, you know, basically by him saying that and doing that, it basically, um, you know, hurts the theater chains kind of. So I get it. Now, the one thing that I think is ridiculous is that, to jump so quickly onto pushing the, this vi- video on demand thing when you, when your experiment of releasing basically one film in a time where there's nothing to do and people are, there's no sports. You can't go to theme parks. Uh, you can't go to the movie theater. You can't go to the mall barely. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there, you can't go yeah, to the skate parks. You can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. People are desperate for entertainment right now. Mm-hmm. Like people that don't have big movie collections. Like I, I see people talking about like I've watched everything on Netflix this past month. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And like you have these people who are thirsty for entertainment. A new movie comes out, and it's you know a film that is a bigger movie, you know, it's, it's, it's DreamWorks. Uh, and in an era where the, and uh, speaking of no competition, nothing else came out, nothing else is, is out right now. 
so you, of course well it's going it, to do so well successful it's a product point. of the quarantine obviously but like a kids movie you know dreamworks and shit like that there's a lot of people that are at home with their kids because the kids aren't in school yeah that was the perfect time to release that shit because everybody was going to watch that right mm-hmm. adults with their kids i mean fuck come on man i mean they're, they're in they're fucking dreaming though man once the world kind of straightens itself out man you're not going to have success with um with vod releases like that like this yeah, no, I think you're crazy I'm like, think. dude, there's no way. It's not going to happen again. There's product, no it's a way. Of the if time. you release of like, how come nobody was talking about the hunt making a hundred million dollars? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because there was still some things open and there was some other stuff like, like bloodshot, but the hunt and bloodshot got put on VOD at the same time. I know a lot of people did check it out. But like you're talking about a perfect storm of events right now. You have this oh, 100% people literally starving for anything to do. Like my coworker bought Am- Animal Crossing. She put 400 hours into Animal Crossing already. <laughs> I'm not even joking. 400 hours. Damn. Like every waking moment since the quarantine. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. It's crazy. Like literally it's crazy. Nuts. It is. It's actually psychologically crazy to do that. Wow. Yeah, and and so these people are just need any sort of entertainment out there right now. Um, if I didn't have a million things to watch, and that was the only thing I I would consider renting Trolls World Tour. I've never even seen Ch- Trolls, you know, Country Tour or mm. the first one or whatever <clears> the first one was. Um, and you know, I think that it's just it, to double down on like, this is the future. I think that's just stupid. It is. And then it's the ridiculous. theater chains of course got super mad because they're like, look, that's literally our, that's the only thing we're here for is to show movies, brand mm-hmm. new movies. So if you're saying that, um, you're not going to give us an opportunity to show your new movies, then, and you want us to just show them after the fact or, you know, during uh, com- you're competing, we're competing with the second round. Yeah, so uh, we're not going to show them at all, and uh, everybody's freaking out, saying like, "Okay, well, that means no Halloween in in AMC's and Regals, and uh, that means no, uh, you know, s- s- I think Disney owns you know, does Disney own Universal? I don't even know a bunch of stuff." And I'm like, I honestly don't think any of this is yes. going to happen. I think that they're going to walk back what they said and they're going to be like, yeah, that's not exactly what we meant and stuff. And I think everything will be fine. But just, you know, for the concept of of argument and stuff, I just cannot see in a world where movie theaters are open, where theme parks are open, where, you know, sports, fucking sports, dude. Takes a, you know what you're gonna when you stay home you're gonna stay home and watch sports you're gonna go out to the movies to see movies you're not gonna uh, ha- rent a twenty dollar movie at home that often you know what I mean so well I especially that- especially once things start you know kind of straightening out and stuff people are gonna be more willing to go out I think the theaters and stuff like those places might actually start to oh, be I think pretty they're well. gonna see a huge boom when right? everything's open back up so if you start I know releasing I'm going every- to see everything if if you start uh, you know releasing everything VOD it, it, honestly dude it's it's a fucking product of its time. This is the time. This time is going to pass. You're never going to recreate that magic of a hundred million in sales on VOD when things straighten out because people are just simply not going to be home. We're sick of being home right now. If anything, the theaters are just going to fucking, they're going to flourish with business, you know? Um, 
and everything else is going to flourish, man. They're fucking crazy. They're jumping the goddamn shark there. Just talking too big already. That's insane. It's insane to go out and say some stupid ass shit like that when you don't look at the picture. The bigger picture here is it's, it's a product of, of the moment. Right. Yeah. You can't and recreate that. It will never be unless there is another huge wave and we're forced to, forced to go back into quarantine. You might duplicate that, but it's not going to be an ongoing thing. You're not going to see this. Oh, yeah, this movie did 100 million three months later. And then this one did 100. It's not going to happen. It's simply not going to fucking happen. They're insane for thinking that people are not going to stay home and watch this show. No, it's just not going to fucking happen, man. Yeah. And you know it's what? Ridiculous. I think also the, something else that's not being considered too much is. When a film goes to theaters, like let's say a film that people are, you know, and I think that World Tour being the only film out completely helped it. Like, but let's say there's a sure. there's a a day where there's you know a new Star Wars just came out and a um, you know maybe like a Conjuring or something came out, and then you have a film like The Hunt also in the same month. Well, if that if both of those films are on VOD. And the hunt is there. A film like the hunt isn't going to make any money on VOD, and because what's going to happen is the day that it's on VOD, it's going to be pirated, and then the people are going to be like, "I just spent twenty on Star Wars and twenty on The Conjuring in in the last two days. Like, I spent forty bucks. I'm going to buy the hunt. I'm going to pirate the hunt. And hell, some people won't even spend." 20 on star wars 20 on that and you know they're just gonna take all three of them but is that what I'm the saying, vod like, prices is that what the, is that how they made 100 million because they're charging 20 people um, for vod so rentals whenever whenever uh the hunt came out and bloodshot they were 20 each what um yeah that because people figure like you get like three people over and it's like going to the theater except for you know yeah but you can't think like oh we're gonna have all our friends over because we're supposed to be in a quarantine and social distancing (laughs) it doesn't actually technically work like that but twenty dollars you know even as a family regardless of how many people are watching it it's still one ink or your ink your general house income is paying for that twenty dollars is insane considering when you go to the theater and you're paying like i don't know man eleven you know, that's crazy shit to me, man. Crazy. I mean, I, I seen some pretty fucking outrageous comments that were, you know, focused on this whole argument right now. People were like agreeing with that shit, though. You know, like how well, Jason, like, Jason is a big one. Um, well, that's what I'm is, saying. I'm like, what do you like? Is he's not. But I think he's also not seeing the bigger picture. I'm like right now. I mean, this is like the whole VOD thing and stuff. Yeah, it makes sense to be doing this because we're in. You know, the world's fucked. We're in a quarantine. We're stuck here. This is where we got to be. But when shit starts opening up again, like to think like that, oh, I'm content with staying home and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're content with paying $20 for fucking VODs in your own home. Like, well, the way he looks at it is he pays more at a theater to take his whole family. Um, but the thing is, he's he's talking about the sound system. Oh, if people upgraded their sound system and their TV into a big 70 inch TV and stuff like that, they, they would see that it's better at home. But like m- me and Carly's argument is it's not about the quality of, of watching it. Like, like no, to there's... me, it's about the going out, having food beforehand or after it's the you know, experience, it's the, the experience, right? It's something that I love. I yeah. love going to the movies. And honestly, if I see a really good movie in the theater, it usually hits me harder than seeing a, a really good movie on a, on a 
sound good sound system good tv and stuff like because there's something immersive about being in a in a giant room dude how many fucking times can you tell a story from like when you were a little kid all the way till now about a theater experience good or bad and stuff like and you compare those to your house experiences with your movies and shit like that yeah yeah i watch this good movie but those experiences aren't the same you more memory you you remember you remember the the theater experiences a lot more before you know, the, the household experiences for sure, because it's a better experience. You're getting out, you're doing things, you're with friends, you know, you're getting food. Like, I, I mean, I remember tons and tons of films that me and Dylan see together, good and bad and shit like that. We go to stickies beforehand, we get these fucking ridiculous candies and pops and all this type of shit and stuff. Like, it's just fun. It's fun to do. You're missing out on all that, the interactions, mm-hmm. you know, the people, the smell, the atmosphere, you know, just, you know, like people watching, like, Fuck you. I love sitting in the theater and watching films, man. It just doesn't compare to sitting at home. And and that like I his argument for, you know, your system and things like that, dude, I've got fucking I've got bangers of systems in, in my in my house and shit. And it's like I would rather watch a movie in the theater than I would at home. Like, you know, mm-hmm. to a certain aspect. Well, dude, because- that's why we love seeing retro films in the theater. Like when me and Carly get to go see a film like Phantasm, dude, that was the bet I've yeah. seen Phantasm so many times. I have never seen Phantasm like that. It mm-hmm. was amazing, dude. Like with yeah. the whole crowd and just like the sound and like the 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 score with Phantasm and the lights and just everything, the big huge room like the air, you could feel the air in, in the air. It was just such a good atmospheric experience standing like, outside like uh, this yeah, old man. theater like waiting in line like like everybody mad excited. It was just you know talking with your friends outside like it's just is a different experience man i, I go huh if i pop fan i can pop phantasm in right now i love phantasm but nothing will compare to the first time i ever seen it no matter how many times i see it on a good sis i saw it on vhs the first time that is not a good system and it 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 did uh, wonders it's not how you see it sometimes it's it's you know the time you see it and and where you see it sometimes it's not exactly about the the quality of the uh picture and the sound sometimes it just can be as simple as the time that you saw okay. it um what yeah. age were you where were you at who were you with like that that can factor See, into it, to it, your it, memories of the film yeah i mean don't get a twist and shit i mean there's certain movies and stuff that i i don't really care to see in the theater because it's just you know i mean whatever i'm not going to see like the new fucking you know romantic comedy and shit in there like i want to stick in my realm of like you know action exploitation horror and things like that right um but yeah dude like you're creating fucking memories and shit and like people are like you know i i can sit at home and watch this you know in my banging system and it's a lot cheaper and stuff like that but at the end of the day man like i don't even consider the pre- like i never factor in the cash you know, when I go to see a movie in the because th- I already know what I'm getting myself into. I don't consider that a reason to stay home. And Honestly, be like, anybody in the U.S. should I, not consider the cash. It just doesn't. Because yeah, I mean, it, th- there's so many services out there now. Whether you have Regal or you have AMC, which hopefully these services survive through this pandemic. But um, like me and Carly were able to see two. We we would see two movies a week, sometimes three movies a week, every week for twenty dollars a month. Like it, it was there was no reason to worry about money anymore. No, with the the movies. But even before that, even before that, I never even considered how much it costs to go to the movies. Like you know, it's just it is what it is. It's it just costs money. You know. That's because you're also like you're not just paying for the movie. You're paying for the experience. So it's like a dual thing, right? 
Yeah. You know, so I, I accept that. Like, I understand this is what it costs and stuff, but I have no, I don't object to paying that 1011 because it's the atmosphere. It's the place I want to be to see that shit. And I, I guess it all depends on how you look at it, but you know, I mean, but you're also getting out. It's hanging out with friends. There's so much more to just watching the movie. And I think that's a lot of people, what a lot of people are missing here. They're kind of looking at it as like, oh, well, you can enjoy it on your banging system and, you know, cheaper at home. And I'm like, yeah, we know that. It's not like we're missing that point, but you're also, you don't get the experience and the memories from sitting at home watching it on your fucking 75 fucking uh, 4K TV. You know, it's not the same shit. No matter how you look at it, how you argue against it, it's not the same shit. It really isn't. Yep. There's no I experience agree, in your own home. There's no experience in your own home, own home besides watching the movie. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all you get from it, man. So, yeah. And we're not saying that should make you like the movie more or less, but it should let make you like the memory more well, that, or that's less. That's what I said. The, you're, the you're, paying, you're paying for the memories and the experience, though, too, right? It's like going out and doing anything. Why do people take holidays? Yeah, to escape their everyday life and shit like that. But it's also creating memories with your family and and doing things and stuff, like going to amusement parks or going on cruise, like doing all this other type of shit. Well, man. I mean, it's the you experience could use this of it. Same argument as. You know, we people say like, why do you buy movies that you're going to watch one time and maybe never again? And it's like, because it's a hobby. It's something fun to do. I enjoy doing it. You know what I mean? And that's how anything is that you pay for. If you enjoy doing it, it doesn't really matter what the price is to anybody but you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just uh, like, why do people pay to go hike a trail that you could just go out into the the free woods? You know what I mean? Because it's an experience. It's It's something to do. Yeah. You know, it's you, you go with your friends, you pack your little water bottles and picnics and shit, and you just ha- it's about immersing yourself in, oh, in man. doing something. Trying to explain collecting to non collectors is just like <laughs> it's it's pretty much the most pointless experience of your life because they just will never get it because when you yeah. don't collect, like, you don't have you that. Save that money, and I'm like, exactly. And do what with it? I'm like, what are you gonna do? Put you, it in a like, hold it, like, sleep with it? Are you going to take your <laughs> ATM card to the fucking to the grave with you? Like it doesn't at the end of the day, but like we just don't think of it like that. You know, it's it's a totally different experience. It's an experience hunting for things, watching things, collecting them, look, you know, showing them off, talking about them. It's it's just a it's just a different reality. It's a different mentality. You know what? I it's, have a couple because the money doesn't collection. factor into it. Yeah, I have a couple films in my collection that I didn't, um, I didn't watch for years. You know, ten had probably for six seven years in my collection that i've never watched yeah and we pulled 1991 i started pulling stuff off the shelf and i'm like oh cool i get to watch this finally or i have a reason to watch this finally and it's just it feels nice it it feels cool to do that i hope you pulled those uh movies off the shelf with your fucking shifter or with your (laughs) with your swifter in your other hand there man to clean off the dust (laughs) <laughs> wait why do you know there's dust on my shelf i'm assuming because i mean if, you, if those things have been oh, sitting there for 10 years because they... you're right there is but i'm just like how did you know that <laughs> yeah yeah oh man i can uh, just imagine fuck yeah it's pretty funny but yeah again you know trying to explain that to people is like you know i mean but there's also there's lots of thrills to it you know it's a thrill of the hunt you know it's not just the collecting part but you know i mean collectors i mean at the end of the day getting a deal dude come on when you get a deal you're like hell yeah like you feel all excited it's like almost like gambling or something yeah if you interview like you know or talk to like a hundred different collectors at the end of every conversation something that might not be brought up is you know the fact of oh i spend way too much they don't worry about shit like that where the non-collector is like that's the first thing they focus on like well you could be spending the money or saving it here and there and i'm like different mentalities man 
Mm -hmm. what it all comes down to, man. I just feel like people that don't have any type of hobbies are just not having a lot of fun. It's crazy. I can tell you right now, I would be depressed and miserable if I didn't have hobbies. Like when sports went away, I've be, I've become more depressed whenever, you know, movie theaters went away. I've become more depressed. I've luckily still have some things that I can do that, that keep me sane. But yeah, if I was just one of those people who went to work and like came home and cooked and then, you know, did like, you know, nothing with their time. Like I just, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it, man. I'll go insane. Yeah. It's kind of the bonus of having so many interests and stuff, you know, like music with me and then movies and I'm a huge sports fan and like, oh yeah, bro. There's, there's just lots of things like, so sports are gone away. Well, I still have my music and movies, you know, I can still make videos. I can still record this and do like, I have lots and of things podcast. To, and podcasts. I can, I have lots of things to fall off, fall back on. You know, it's like, you know, the snow just went away. So I've been BMXing a shitload. I've been ripping around the neighborhood and it's awesome. You know, I just, I have lots of things to do and you know, I just feel sorry for people who don't do any of that shit. And like this quarantine must be fucking creating some like, Oh man, I, depression levels have got to, I've are definitely going through the fucking roof with a lot of these people, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I just don't know how they handle it. If you don't have anything to fall back on, I'm not saying that, you, you know, you can still function properly in you know, in the world without having a lot of, I'm not saying everybody has to have a million different hobbies, but it's nice to have at least one thing to fall back on. Right. You know, yeah. like you said, you yeah. know, like you need something to spa- to to separate yourself from your everyday life, you know, going to work and coming home, cooking and going to bed. Like, yeah, I mean, that's a routine for a lot of people, but there's things in between that, too. Right. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's it's good for your mentality to explore and have fun and create memories and shit. And it's just it fucking blows my mind. People are like, like, I'll never forget it, man. This one dude that was at my house playing poker one time. He literally was dead serious. And he's like. He's like, why would you own movies when you could just get them on the internet for free? Like, and I'm trying and like, I realized in that moment that explaining to somebody why I collect is virtually pointless because if you're going to start your, you know, make a statement like that bold, you're never going to understand what I'm about to tell you. It doesn't (laughs) matter how I put it. I can put it in layman's terms and you know, he'll never understand because this was the type of person that was contemplating not buying into the poker game or rebuying into the game for $10 because it was 10 more dollars. <laughs> right. So at that point, I'm like, this whole conversation is completely going to just piss me off. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Like I'll never be able to fucking explain to him. So yeah, man, whatever people are different, but hobbies are a good thing. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, so yeah, the only other thing that I wanted to say before we get into these questions is if you guys have any questions, any of the Patreon supporters have any questions, I put a post up recently and I said, Hey, um, you know, on the, you know, the smaller shows or the shows where we have more time. Um, if you guys ever want to leave a question here, then when we have time, we could just revert back to that original post and see, um, and then pull some, so uh, I have three here, if you wanted to get into that. Hey, hey, yeah, I have a question. Can I ask you my question? Okay, so apparently we got some questions in from the uh, the listeners. Yeah, the actual, actually the pa- patrons. Um, nice. So uh, the first one is from Emily Dur- Dara, 
which uh, is a newer it. Patreon. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, actually, no, I don't think they're a newer Patreon because they, mm. they have a lifetime support of $170. Oh, since 2019. So she's been around forever. Um, oh, and I also wanted to mention, um, I still have two copies of Takashi Miike's First Love to give away. Um, and I want to do one a month and I want to go back to having monthly giveaways of new releases because we used to do that every month, give away some cool like vinegar syndrome or something. So I want to go back to that. And then I also have two copies of, um, Tom's daughter's film, horror, balls daughter, uh, hope her film coming on the way. And we'll give two of those away too, unless mood still needs one. And then in which case we'd have one to give away. Um, well, I did want a copy of it since I do have her first movie too. Oh, you do, you do, you do need a copy. I do actually. Yeah. Well, I, oh, okay. I, I told Tom instead of like, you know, just send him to us like, we'll fucking pay for the copies or whatever. Just oh, okay. To, yeah, sure. Just to yeah, kind of cool. support it. Like if we can get a bunch of copies, we'll pay for them and then just kind of disperse them out. Do it. Yeah. Absolutely. What we get with them. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah, so I have, it. I still have two copies of Takashi Miike's first love on Blu-ray sealed. Nice. And one copy of, um, what is it called? Uh, what is, what is the name of her film? You know what? I actually don't remember. It's like something look at me or something. I forget what it is, but the, I love the artwork, dude. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense because Tom's a huge, uh, you know, artwork person. Um, it's called, I dare you to open your eyes. Yes. That's right. I was. I just didn't want to say it wrong. I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what it is. But yeah, this is uh, Hope's second picture on Hopeless Pictures. Yep. And I, I, I believe this is the one I donated to at one point because, honestly, mm-hmm. I think that like whenever I saw that you know she finished it and it was coming to disc and stuff, I literally got cold chills because I was like, for you know someone so young to actually be passionate about film just gets me excited for the future of film. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. it's something that I'm so passionate about. I love it. And it's a huge part of my life. And it has been for the last, you know, 10 or so years. Well, really my whole life, but really the last 10 or so years. And I remember seeing videos of that Tom made, um, years, like 10, like probably like 10 years ago, or at least eight. And she was like a little, little kid in there, like just a little kid. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. She grew up mm-hmm. and, made, and is, is trying to make movies now. This is amazing. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Um, so well, her, f- her f- first film that she directed, I think she was like 13 or something. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I wanted to uh, support it. You know, when she was doing the 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 drive for it, and this is this is somewhat something that you know, as and I saw and I was very happy to see a bunch of people said, you know, I'll take a copy, I'll take a copy on our page, which makes me feel good because, you know, that, that, you know, something that we made through the years is this community and this page and stuff like that. And to see that it has a positive effect, like, you know, the, this girl, this young girl make made her first or second film or whatever, put it on Blu-ray and people want, want to support it. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel good. Um, and then two, you know, you know, three, four, whatever I'm at now, but just the fact that, you know, to, to just go out there and do it no matter what, you know, just do it and have something and make something is inspiring. And it's, you know, especially so young, you know, because you can like 
no matter where you start, you got to start somewhere. And um, so many filmmakers talk about just making things. You know, they would just try to make stuff, and the next one they make, try to make it a little bit better and better. And um, being so young, so passionate, I, I I think it was super cool. I remember when he was, you know, they were talking about uh, funding for it and stuff like that. It's just very neat to me, and it makes it makes me want to support this person's dream, and I want everybody else to support it too. So I just think it's super cool. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah, our questions, <laughs> uh, Emily. This question is for Moods. Is there any Italian film that does not have a Blu-ray or a DVD release that you would like to see get a royal treatment? And my next question is for Jeremy which he's not here. So I'll answer this one. Is there any horror film that you would like to see get a criterion treat the criterion treatment? I'll go first. Uh, I would like to see <clears throat> peeping Tom get the re criterion treatment. Cause it was on disc originally, right? For through criterion. Uh, Yes, it was actually. Yep. Yeah. So um, I think that I feel like they've probably lost the rights to it considering they would have – there's no way they would have slept on it this long and not put it on Blu-ray by by this point, a film that popular. But I would love to see them re-release Peeping Tom on Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have the – I have like a fucking – UK Blu-ray, I think, of Peeping Tom. I think they have a decent release over there. I mean, it's still kind of like a studio-type release, but but yeah, giving it the royal treatment. Um, it's kind of a shame, actually, that Criterion, they must have lost the rights to it, right? So, and obviously never could, wasn't able to put out the Blu-ray because, you know, that's definitely the company you want putting out something like that. Yeah. You know, they do everything justice kind of thing. Um Italian films that don't have DVD or oh my god there's there's so many like giallos like there's so many obscure giallos from like the early 70s and shit that don't have releases but something oh, dude hell whenever we do Italian month and we're like well not, some of these films don't have <laughs> how hard is it to find some of those films <laughs> yeah man <laughs> oh man I'm trying to think of some that I've seen because I mean there's a lot of you know those really obscure giallos that i haven't seen and it's you know it's not that you can't find them some of them just don't have english dubs or subtitles um because they were just released only in italy that was the only time they ever got them um yeah i'm trying to think of some things that i've seen before actually you know what's actually kind of funny um one that does have released knife of ice uh, the umbrito lenzi has has like a really budget shitty dvd release it might as well not even have one but it actually <laughs> just got announced from severin and that was one that was on a list for me to get uh so that's pretty cool that new severin giallo box that that's coming out is pretty cool it's umbrito lenzi collection and that was i was like super stoked about that it's just uh, i'm hoping that Oh man, that there's like a pre-order in Canada for it because somebody from Canada ordered it um, from the website, and I think it's seventy-eight dollars on there. Did you happen to check out the price on there at all? On what is it? The Italian box, the Umberto Lenzi um, box set that's coming out from uh, Severn Films that just got announced a couple days ago. Didn't even know there was one. Oh, okay, anyways, this just got announced, and uh, uh, it went up on the website for pre-order right away. And it was like, I think it's 78 American. So Oof. with how many films it's four, it's four. Um, I mean, that's, 
it's that's that's, it's, that's pretty good. It's it's actually twenty a twenty a film isn't horrible. No, I mean that's good. I mean Severin is a little bit expensive, so that's actually a pretty good deal. Um, it, it, no, actually it's weird because Severin isn't that expensive when compared to like Scream Factory, but Scream Factory's box sets are like cheaper. It's weird how that works, right? A solo Severin release is like seventeen bucks usually for me. Mm-hmm. The solo Scream Factory release is like twenty eight, but then the box set, you know. Four film box set. Most of the ones from Scream Factory I've gotten for around forty, um, except for those damn Universal ones. And then this is like it, it's weird. It's weird. Or did they ever announce if they're gonna do Combat Shock, like a a, a regular edition? I think they did. Uh, they are going to be putting out one because I mean there was a point when they said yeah, like once these uh, signed copies from the director and stuff are gone, that's gonna be the only pressing and stuff. And they, I think, because you ever watched the seller or the Severn Seller? videos that they post on youtube no. anyways uh severin has their own youtube channel and, and they have like you know sometimes some directors come by and they go into the basement and they they let the directors talk about their films and they get to take home whatever they want kind of thing it's actually really cool but uh they someone mentioned that with the us have 22 y- shots walk r- down r- the damn r- basement right <laughs> it's actually really cool man they're short little videos usually like 10 12 minutes kind of thing but it's, they always have interesting guests usually somebody that's kind of associated with uh um, you know, either a film that they released or, you know, someone that's in that kind of genre filmmaking and stuff. Um, but someone had mentioned that, uh, that they are going to be putting out a regular edition of it too. So, which is really cool. Yeah. Cause that's one I, I still am like kicking myself for not grabbing because I really liked that film and, uh, it was a pretty cool edition too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean Italian films. There's there's some there's some that are on DVD that haven't got the Blu-ray treatment yet. You know, when I think back to some of the old Blue Underground titles or like Anchor Bay stuff, there's still some that are out there that still are only available on DVD. There's, I mean, God, man, like I said, there's so many early giallos and stuff that that need releases. Um, I could name them off for probably days, but. There was one I actually did. I did a Lamberto Bava uh, theme week like years ago. And there was a movie called You'll Die Tonight that doesn't. I actually reviewed a bootleg that I had of it because it's like the only way you can get it. That's one um, actually from 1986 that I really enjoyed. Uh, but Bava actually has quite a few films that need, you know, better treatments anyways. Um, uh, like the, um, the Giallo Brigado films that he did for TV uh, back in, I want to say... Oh shit, man! Would have been between probably eighty eight and eighty nine. There was like a small little mini series or TV series that he did, and it, that's actually one of the films, uh, uh, Demons Three, the Ogre, or as Americans know it as Demons Three, but it's actually called the Ogre. Um, that was one of the movies that was produced for this uh, this TV series called uh, Bravado Giallo. And but the four films that were involved in that were Graveyard Disturbance, Until Death, uh, the Ogre, and I believe. Uh, Dinner with the Vampire, where the four films, they all have um, like Shriek Show DVD releases and shit, but they actually need like total upgrades because those are fun movies, man. You know, for TV films mm-hmm. made in the later 80s. I mean, Italian cinema at that point was, you know, it was pretty much dead. I mean, this is really at the end of it kind of thing. And But he managed to produce these four full-length movies. They're not just short, like, hour-long movies. These are four full-length movies that are actually pretty entertaining, especially Graveyard Disturbance, but... Uh, yeah, man. I mean, those are things I'd like to see upgraded because the DVD transfers on Shriek Show, are, you know, they are what they are, kind of thing. But uh, yeah, man. Um, I don't know. There's definitely more out there that don't have any releases and shit. I just, 
honestly, I wish I had got the questions before because then I could have probably just oh, you know, thought about this start that again <laughs> a little bit more. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> that, not because that's it's, one of the reasons we stopped doing the questions because I was just too lazy to send them to you guys beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're <laughs> fuck, I mean, um, yeah, but no, yeah, there's there's a there's there's some out there, but to me, it's like I like um like those. Remember the old like mid like the the blue undergrounds would do like the double features and triple features and stuff i feel like a lot of those titles didn't end up getting put on blu-ray um which double features like you know how blue underground would do those dvds where it would be like a double feature of like two films and sometimes it'd be a triple feature and stuff i think what what is the one that we reviewed from um was it a Lumberto Bava film? Well, all those things actually have solo releases. They just, those were packs that came after. They just kind of bunched them up because that's what Lovestick does. He just rehashes all his releases over and over again. Yeah, but I mean, like, some of them don't have Blu ray releases, though. Yeah, no, no. No, most of those don't actually. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, a lot of those, like, some of those Italian films that, that, like, don't have Blu ray releases, I would like to see. Um, I'm I'm pretty because like there's some films on that label that I don't own, you know, old Blue Underground that I just don't want to buy on DVD. Some of them are actually out of print, but uh, some I just don't want to buy because I'm like I know it's gonna eventually get a Blu-ray probably. So, I, like I, at this point, I, I'm not really buying much DVDs anymore. Like the yeah. the last DVDs I just bought was the Shriek Show, um, three pack with uh, Black Demons. Uh, ogre and whatever the hell the third film the third third demon film in there was um but besides that i got that because um black demons is 91 yeah and uh you know that's a that's i don't own the that demons three uh and i've always kind of wanted it just for even even though i know it's not really a demons film just kind of wanted it forever so but like that's it's pretty rare that i buy dvds anymore oh i'll tell you one and this oh you know what this does have a goddamn blu-ray i don't think i own it though um house on the edge of the park it was in a double feature with um another one house on the edge of the park has a blu-ray release from code red see i feel like they undervalued that film they didn't like give it a proper release it was just like a shitty little double feature, wasn't it? No, there's a solo release for it too. That that double feature uh, thing okay. came after. Yeah, they re okay. they re released it after. I think because the Blu-ray went out of print and then they re released it in like a double feature kind of thing. But it's like a different. Tra- it's like a shittier transfer too. I don't even think it's the same one. It's weird. Do you, <laughs> ha- do you have that on? Do you have the original Blu-ray? Yeah. See, actually, that's one of my that's it, one of my favorite films. It actually looks I, really good too. Yeah, really good. Yeah, that I would have loved to get that poster too, because that's one of my favorite posters of all time, and I don't. I, I would love to have that on my wall. I've got the shirt. I, it's the poster art shirt. So that kind of cool. I would love too. I need to get that on a shirt. Damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah. So okay. I hope we answered your ca- question, Emily. Uh, next up is from Dan the cameraman, uh, and Dan the cameraman um, is one of the newest patreon supporters who uh joined i believe for the um the video that we did the uh extended Extended list list, yeah um he said is there a movie or movies off the top of your head see this is why i didn't send it to you because 
he's specifically asking us off the top of our head uh, <laughs> that, that the thought of having to rewatch brings dread to you. Thanks for the great content, fellas. So for me, there are many films that brings <laughs> dread when I think about having to rewatch it. Like there's just pure awful ones like Beneath the Mississippi where I just will do like it's just pure torture of the thought of watching it. Yeah. But then there's just like annoying ones like the cremator that I'm just like, I just did never want to see that movie again. Dude, that's a good movie though, man. <laughs> like I said, I was I was actually just saying because like the Criterion Blu-ray just came out of it. I, I would love to see it in a high. I know. I asked so. for a copy of it because I was going to send it to you yeah. because I get some Criterion, but I don't know if they didn't send copies because of the quarantine or they sent it to my old work address, which in case which would be mean <clears> that I, it would be gone, mm-hmm. uh, or they just didn't send me one. But yeah, I did ask for one for you, but I didn't get one. Um. Yeah, but yeah, that I don't know, dude. I just did not. Some of those movies that we were getting, um, I think it's the same. I think Mark was sending us those movies, which we'll get. We'll we'll tell him how we feel about that later. Um, but he, like that that other one what was the other one with the. Um, you didn't even watch it. It was like Spirits of the Dead. Me and Jeremy did it from '68. Oh, I um, actually I actually have the uh, Arrow Academy Blu-ray of it, so. <clears throat> I might actually too. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so we were like, we were getting all the, like those ones I, I don't ever want to rewatch, but there's, there's other stuff too. Like that. I just never feel like rewatching ever after I see it one time. Jew on, which I'm going to have to. <laughs> it's funny. Cause like these are, you know, some of these movies are actually decent. It's just your personal preference. <laughs> you're like, you're just like, yeah, you're like, dude, you're picking all good movies. <laughs> well, I mean, it is what it is. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, fuck dude. Like, I love meatball of- machine. That's another one. I don't think I ever want to see that again. <laughs> I love that. Meatball machine's awesome. Um, yeah, there like I love me some low budget shit, man. But there's movies that like I just actually come to think of it. I even mentioned this like recently on I don't know if it was last week or whatever, but the fact that we got 1991 actually has one of my most hated movies. I just dread having to rewatch this, and that's uh, uh, Beauty queen butcher are you even gonna rewatch it it is literally a fucking abomination man it's so insanely just drawn out it's like two hours of the worst shit you've ever seen in your life and like i love me some shot on video films but that movie right there could have been about 40 minutes long they show an entire beauty pageant in the movie like i swear it's just like a (laughs) a static shot of it and they just let it play through for like fucking 45 minutes man it's crazy it's so damn bad i absolutely dread having to lay my eyes on that shit again horrible horrible um another movie i fucking like I, i actually someone brought this up to me not too long ago um, absolute zombies. This was a movie that came out a few years ago. It was released by wild eye. Oh my God. I did a review for this movie and it was like, I tore it a new fucking asshole, <laughs> like just ripped it. But actually got me, this is the movie that got me kicked off the, uh, the screening list. And I was just like, honestly, dude, like I don't appreciate you coming at me. It, it, he was basically insinuated that I needed to lie in my reviews. And I was like, <laughs> no fucking way, dude. Like, but this movie was so bad and aggravating. It was just atrocious. Um, I guess one that we could probably uh, mention because I, I do seem to mention this quite a bit and it's uh, The Howling 7, man. I fucking loathe that movie. See, it's, I, it's, I it's irritating. It's irritating. See, that's the thing. Like, I can watch bad movies, whatever, but like when the shit irritates me, 
<laughs> and agitates my mentality. Like I just, I can't fuck with that, man. Like those are some shit off the top of my head that I just, oh no, dread watching <laughs> again, man. <laughs> oh, and you know, even after last night I rewatched uh, Bloodsucking Pharaohs in Pittsburgh. Like, I, man, I, I was like 20 minutes in the movie and I'm like, like I said, I was riding my bike and I'm like, oh my God, it's a good thing I'm on here getting out some aggression right now because this shit, it just makes me want to break things. Wait, you were watching it while riding your bike? Yeah. My fucking, my workout bike, my stationary bike. Oh, motherfucker. I thought you were riding down the road. <laughs> watching my fucking or phone. Something. <laughs> no. no, dude, I just have it set up in front of my TV because I've been doing I that I thought lately. you like taped your iPad to your, to your uh, crossbar and... <laughs> Uh, watching some blood sucking pharaohs while <laughs> while riding your bike. <laughs> I no, don't know. Absolutely not, man. That's just the, the least safe thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> well, crazy. dude, you, that sounds unsafe, right? But like people drive and do that. I know that. Like that's cars. Just, that's ludicrous. <laughs> that's fucking ludicrous. No, I was riding the stationary bike in the house, and like I said, I was like 20 minutes of this shit, and I was like, it was actually giving me a good workout because I was getting agitated because, you know, it's, um, it's one of those, it, it kind of plays itself out like a straight up, like, well, it pretty much is a satire, like a whole pot. It's a comedy. It's a comedy film, but it's just falls flat on like every joke. I seen that Dave rewatched it recently and he actually enjoyed it. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't fuck with it, man. I don't think you'll like it, man. I really don't. It, it, the, the shitty part is Tom Savini actually does the effects on that movie too, which what blood sucking Ferris from Pittsburgh. Yeah, he does. Oh, I don't know. Pittsburgh. I mean, th- there's moments in it where it's kind of cool. I mean, there's not like great kills or nothing. Cause like I said, it's like a comedy and shit, but there's whatever. I can't fuck with it, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, after that we have, um, and, and my, my answers were more just like, they just like, I don't feel like watching them. I just like, ah, I don't want to watch that. Um, and it's usually like movies, like, <laughs> it's usually like honestly a lot of this stuff is like the ones that are like borderline horror and like two hours and foreign like i never feel like rewatch stuff like that um anyway moving on uh last question here from jill ellis the canadian ghoul jill Hmm. uh hey guys hope you're hanging in there and staying safe during these crazy this crazy time Besides watching movies and prepping for the show, what else fills your days during quarantine? I've been cleaning and organizing like a mad woman, but it's pretty therapeutic actually and gives me a chance to listen to your shows. Also, when the theaters open back up, will you be going right away or hesitant and hold off a bit? Anyway, love you guys. Glad I finally smartened up and became a Patreon. A patron. Uh, love your Canadian ghoul, Jill. Hmm. <clears throat> Jill has been a long-time listener and supporter. We appreciate you joining the Patreon, and uh, it definitely does help. Um, and we, you know, appreciate everybody who supports in any way. And and I always say this, but you don't have to join the Patreon to support us. Liking the video on Mids' channel, believe it or not, commenting on the video on Mids' channel not only makes us more motivated because we see people because we can see views, but it, it doesn't feel as when people are talking about it. That's when it really feels like people are listening. And also it helps with the YouTube algorithm. When videos have more comments, they pop up in the sidebar more often, which can potentially lead to new listeners finding our show. So those are free ways that you can help us. You know, um, also just 
um, you know, engaging with the group and stuff. All that stuff helps us. So uh, there's plenty of free ways to, to help us subscribing on iTunes, rating on iTunes, stuff like that. <clears throat> so um, what do you what do you think? What do you do? Vince? What do you do while in quarantine? Well, first of all, hi, Jill, uh, the sexiest supporter that we have. <laughs> it's always a game that me and Jill always play. I always I always say sexy to her every time I comment back to her. Uh, but Jill's awesome, man. She, like you said, she's been a longtime listener. Um, so happy to have you aboard as a patron. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned before, man, you know, I mean, since our shop's been closed down, we've, we're still selling product out of it. We have it out there. And so we've been doing deliveries throughout the day. Uh, just a lot of house stuff. Um, that that house. actually surprises me that you guys, that that many people need, what what is it, like hair product and yeah. stuff? Yeah, like, just hair products. Yeah. Huh. Are they doing it because they actually need it or are they just trying to support you guys? No, people are like thankful as shit that we're actually selling out there because they're like, we need wow. fucking product and stuff. So, I mean, people are crazy about their shit, right? So, you know, when you can only get uh, certain products like that we carry at our at our salon, you know, and we're closed, you know, it's, it agitates people, man. So... Yeah, so we're happy to have that support and shit. But yeah, that keeps us, you know, semi-busy during the afternoons and stuff. But, you know, since it's springtime, we've been getting the whole house ready and stuff and doing lots of yard work and getting everything kind of ready um, for, you know, summertime and shit. Uh, besides watching movies, like I said, you know, music, work. I've been trying to work out a lot as much as I can, you know, staying active because when you're stuck in the house, you know, you got to get out, ride your bike and shit like that. So, I mean, I got lots of things, you know, making videos, podcasting, you know, besides the movie watching and shit, but you know i mean i ironically enough i feel like there isn't even enough hours in the day to get everything done it's absolutely insane it really is you know with all this time like i feel like i'm still running out of time with shit that i could be doing and stuff so but you know it's just i've always liked making videos and shit and uh, i try to do what i can It, it but it's hard though it's hard when you have a family to do shit during the day so that i spend a lot of time with them you know doing stuff with them because then i then it doesn't agitate me I go to do things and they're fucking loud. I have three dogs. I have a rambunctious kid. I have a wife that talks all fucking day, you know, <laughs> trying to stay quiet around here. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So, I mean, if you can't beat them, just join them. So during the day, you know, I try to stay sane with playing catch with the kid and throwing a football or playing hockey. Cause he's very active. He's a super sports fiend. So if we're not playing hockey, we're playing something. So, but yeah, you know, that helps. That definitely helps, you know, staying active and shit. It keeps your, keeps your brain, you know, in the right area. So yeah. And then nighttime it's movie time. And then that's why I'm usually up really late. Cause it's my time to kind of sit down and relax and then, you know, watch four fucking movies or 120 in one month, whatever it may be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just stay active. It's just trying to stay active as much as you can. So through these shitty ass um, tough times. So what about the second part of the question? What was the second part? Sorry. When, uh, movie theaters uh, open up. Oh, are you yeah. going to go right back? Or are you going to wait? Well, I mean, the movie theater situation for myself is just depending on what movies are playing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when they when they come back, I mean, you got to take precautions. I mean, because everything is going to be you're going to be forced to take precautions, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, as of right yeah, now, I like imagine the- what before the movie theaters close completely, which it happens so fast. Initially they were going to say, um, they were going to only sell like every other seat. You know what I mean? So they were going to space people out pretty much. Yeah. See, that's when you have arranged seating, like with our theater and stuff, it's so fucking old school that, you know, when you get a ticket, it's random seats. Like you go sit where the fuck you want to sit. Um, 
Yeah. So that's just the way it's done there. Um, but again, you know, the theater situation, yeah, there's going to be precautions, obviously, because the theater is a filthy fucking disgusting place because you're sitting around people, of course. Um, but again, you know, our health minister and stuff is going to have these these new rules and, and regulations that we're going to have to follow anyways. But it, it really, at the end of the day, comes down to what's actually going to be playing. Like, I don't go to the theater just to see everything. You guys, like JP and Jeremy, they have a lot more options, so they can go a lot more than me. But at the end of the day, it comes down to you know, actual movie selection and, and what we're able to actually get here and see. So, you know, I mean, there's variables that are involved, but I would like to get back. I mean, if there's shit playing that, uh, that I'm interested in, yeah, I'll, I'll go obviously wearing a parka and maybe like a hazmat suit and shit, but <laughs> yeah, you know, um, but for real though, I mean, it, yeah, I, it, our theaters are not opening anytime soon. I think they're like, cause we're, we're, we're as of now they've started, not reopening things, but they've put in a, um, basically an application for like, there's different levels of shit that's going to be opening. Like there's a tier one things, tier two, tier three, and they're going to see how things go and stuff. And then, you know, eventually get to that. But I think theaters and stuff are like bottom of the barrel right now. Like it's not a priority because they are definitely one of those areas that can transmit pretty fucking easy. So I think that's pretty far down there. So I, I don't know. I haven't heard yeah, anything about the cinemas. Same goes with gyms, which yep, and gyms, sucks. Yep. Cause I, I, I really just want to get back in the gym, dude. My routine used to be, especially when I'm now that I'm on this schedule permanently right now, um, where I work from three to 11. Um, I just, I just, I know I used to love leaving work, going to the gym, working out, coming home and watching movies. That was kind of my thing. Um, but right now i just can't do it you know can't there's oh. no there's no gyms i actually said to the uh, wife the other day too i was like I, I just got thinking about it and i was like you know are we still being charged for the like my gym membership and she's like actually no we haven't been charged ever since they closed down i'm like oh crazy because they didn't even tell us that they weren't going to charge us right i just didn't even think about it but they just kind of did the right thing they just weren't charging us i was like awesome that's crazy yeah i got i got a notification that um they would stop charging us oh okay yeah i had no idea and it was this was like a couple days ago so i would have been charged because i think it's that we get charged every bi-weekly i think or something like that but um i was like i didn't even realize because i'm so bad with watching finances like as you can probably tell i spent a lot of money right but she follows everything like a fucking hawk and lets me know and um i'm like no she's like no we haven't been being charged i'm like oh fucking perfect man so something that worked out anyways but yeah i'm missing the gym like a motherfucker man because like when you're in a when you're in a rhythm you know in a routine for so many months straight going five six days a week and shit and all of a sudden it's like fuck you you can't go wow i was like what Mm. the fuck it's like wow that's crazy so like i said you know staying busy like riding the bike at home riding the outside my actual bmx and stuff and just trying to do as much as i possibly can because i can't run on the pavement and because uh, I get like it just fucks up my knees so bad, like I have bad knees, right? So I I need that cushion, so it yeah. limits how I can work out. So I try to do what I can in the house to do a lot of steps, a lot of push ups, a lot of you know like body workout and stuff. But as for cardio, I got to be careful how I approach it. That's why I love the gym because I can use the elliptical and stuff like that because it's the best thing for my knees. But yeah, fucking hit me hard, man. I can't wait to get back. And plus, you know, you get to know a lot of people around there and shit too. It's like a big family. Cause it's the same people in there all the time. If you're on the same schedule too. Right. So I miss that interaction, you know, talking with people and, and introducing actually the gym was kind of an interesting place because, um, I'd mentioned in passing, actually, no, 
I don't even know how it got brought up, but someone mentioned something about me having a YouTube channel and like I was into horror and things like that. I mentioned in a podcast and then someone, she must've mentioned it to some other person and they came up and I was like handing out fucking 22 shots, moons and horror fucking cards at the gym and shit. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> Cause I'm like, oh, we need your card. Like I, I need the links to stuff. I'm like, actually, I have a bunch in my truck right there, man. Okay. So yeah. So that's kind of cool. I miss that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, what, what me, I'm going to definitely probably go back as soon as they open, you know, I'll, I'll take the precautions that I have, make sure to wash my hands, not touch my face. Hell, maybe even wear a mask. I don't know. Um, but, uh, in terms of what I do, so literally my routine nowadays is, um, I get up, I get a shower, I get dressed, I go to work, I work for eight hours, I leave work, I go back home, it's like an almost an hour to get back home from my new job, and then I usually stop at um, the drive through gas station, which has a, uh, that you can like get food there, uh, because I, I usually can't cook at, this late at night, so unless I make something before I go to work, then I'm, um, you know don't want to wake up everybody in the house and stuff like that, banging pots and pans. Sometimes I'll cook, you know, depending on what it is, you know, like grilled cheese or something simple or steak or something, but I'm not going to make full meals, uh, at like midnight. But, um, you know, and then I come home, I usually play like one game of Madden, uh, unless I'm close to the playoffs or in the playoffs, then I'll either play a couple or finish the playoffs. Uh, and then, I was watching like three to four movies a night. I slowed down heavily this last week uh, and only watched like one or sometimes not even one. Um, and then like last night when I got home, I rode around for like an hour listening to music, just cruising around, you know, late at night, like out in the country and stuff where there's no traffic, just kind of enjoying, you know, the nice breeze and listening to music and stuff like that. Um, I needed that. I needed that sort of unwind thing. Just, just really careful not to um, lose track of paying attention, so I didn't hit any deer or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of all I've been doing, man. There's not much. There's not. I, I, I need to figure out a way to incorporate some exercise into my life because it's severely lacking, and I feel lazy and and fat. So I uh, definitely want to try to do that a little bit more, but. Other than that, man, just, you know, watching a lot of movies. And honestly, this next couple weeks, I'd say this next month is going to be like nothing but movie watching because I have, you know, just on the docket, potentially 50 or more movies I need to get in this month. So um, it's going to be, and honestly, maybe even more, 60 maybe. Oh, great. So I can basically expect super late thumbnails now. Dude, <laughs> uh, listen, I, this time really wasn't my fault, but sometimes I, it is my fault most of the times. And I, don't I know just, why you don't just do them beforehand instead of doing them when I, because need I am a, this is why this is, the, this is honest to God, the truth. I am a like severe prime, like, like it's in my soul. I'm a slacker. Like it's in my soul. (laughs) Like I was the kid who showed up every day of the week without their homework done and said that I would do it tomorrow. 
And they'd be like, all right. And then the people behind me would be all mad. Like, oh, this motherfucker never has to hand in his homework, you know? And like, cause <laughs> like they like these like snobby girls would be like, of course, of course they let him slide. But if I didn't come in with my homework and I would just be like, shut up, who cares? <laughs> you know? And, and, um, you know, Carly gets mad at me because she hated those kids that came in and didn't have the homework done. But uh, it's, you know, I just, I am a slacker at heart when it comes to procrastinating. I just put stuff off so much. And I, here's the thing. It's not, I don't do it intentional. I believe that I'm going to do it on time. Like whenever I, like, okay, we record on Friday. Usually you want it Monday night. So I know I have, I'm not doing it Friday night because, you know, we just recorded long. So I'll be like Saturday or Sunday, I'll crack it out or even Monday during the day. And I believe the whole time I'm going to do it on one of those days. Like I, the whole time I'm like, yeah, I'll just do it on that day. But then that day comes and I'll be like, I'll do it tomorrow. And then I'll be like, I'll do it. And sometimes I legitimately forget. And then what happens is if it's a hard episode, like the omen, cause it does take a little bit of creativity. You're like just trying to figure out like what I want to do with it. And, and I'm not an artistic person. So I don't know how I'm even able to do these. <laughs> like, I don't know how I ended up with this job because I, I'm like, I've never been artistic in the slut. That's like my least good quality in life. Um, besides spelling and grammar, but, uh, and, you know, every speaking and <laughs> everything pronunciation. else, pronunciation <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, you know, everything pretty much. But, uh, so I don't know how I got assigned this job, but I mean, I, I wouldn't want to ever let someone else do it because like, I'm so picky with them now that I just like how they are. Uh, and, but you know, so I, I intend to do them, but I just, never get around to it and then by the time i do like okay i'll be like i'm gonna do it on sunday night after i get home and then i get home sunday and like for whatever reason i got like no sleep and i'm mad tired and i'm like fuck this (laughs) you know what i mean so i Mm -hmm. don't do it and then uh the the pressure like it's always like once i start it it's it comes together i'll start getting ideas or stuff but like i fear having to open up the program and stare at a blank screen you know what I mean? Like it's a it's a fear of like, damn it, it's gonna take me forever to figure out something to do. Cause half of the time isn't making it, it's thinking of what the hell to do and like finding the right. I'm sure the same thing with the the samples that you use, it's not putting the samples in, it's like figuring out what samples to use or like, you know, trying to find the right clips and stuff like that. It's it's a process. And like, I love I, doing it though. You like, welcome that process. Yeah. I fear it. Yeah. It, it that's the you know, it is probably the most time-consuming part is finding them, you know, locating and all that type of stuff. But I always find it fun to do, right? Mm-hmm. So, and actually, like, you know, once I start putting them in and I finish it, I, I sometimes I kind of get bummed out. I'm just like, oh, that one's done. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. You're late thumbnails. Like, I spit on your grave. Like, I already have ideas in my head, like, I, just, like, tons of booty shots. <laughs> Um, because like, that's literally the only thing I think of when I think of, I spit on your grave is booty shots. Yeah. <laughs> like bloody, gross, nasty booty shots. Um, nice. but you, you know, so, uh, but we'll see what, what it also just depends like what's available, right? Like the problem I was having with the omen is there's no real iconic imagery from the film other than like the kills and none of them are like 
like I can't cut them out and put them on the front. It just doesn't look right. There's like not much there for the films. Mm-hmm. Um, w- when you have something like Pet Cemetery, for example, you know you had the. What do you mean the, the, the end of uh, the final conflict isn't iconic with that amazing <laughs> fucking? Oh my god! Yeah. Ugh. So you know, sometimes I struggle with just what to do. Like what to put in the background, but I found these cool pictures of um, the Omen uh, one, two, and four. There was a one for three, but it was different for some reason. So it's it, the, what's on that particular thumbnail is the uh, the kid's face from Omen one, the you know second kid from Omen two, and then the girl from Omen four is all the way on the left. You probably can't even tell, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So I found these cool close-ups of these like washed-out white faces with the uh, red eyes with the six 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 on the eyeball, and I was like, okay you know, this is kind of just looks cool in the background. So I ended up finding something, but sometimes it just takes a while to find a picture. That's like you could put in the background and, you know, sometimes I have to cut the stuff out and that's very time consuming because you want it to, you know, you have to cut it out of an image and I'm not good with like Photoshop and stuff like that. I I'm all self-taught like 100% just messing around with the program. Um, so you know, that's it. it, it I, I honestly almost made a video like breaking down what I do because it is a long process and probably a little bit longer than people think because uh, even the stuff like the fonts, like like I specifically was look when, when I told you I lost my font. Well, it was a it was an Omen esque font that I had on one computer and I wanted it back and I didn't know where I could find it again. Uh, the font I use a font called Ghoulish for most of the 22 shots things, unless it's an iconic font like the Scream font. I found a Scream font and used that for it. But uh, same thing with Jaws. I found a Jaws font. But the one I used to use a font called Face Your Fears for 22 shots in the early days. And then I used one called, actually from the beginning, Face, Face Your Fears was the main font. And then I started using Face Your Fears 2, which is like a uh, bolder font. And then um, I eventually transitioned to this font, Ghoulish, which I really like. It's I use it for a lot of things, but uh, you know, just font picking is something that takes a while. Mm-hmm. This is probably I don't know how this translates. It might sound really boring to people. You're <laughs> 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 talking about fonts for like twenty minutes. <laughs> well, that's why there's show notes, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like I remember a um, couple like i don't know maybe a year or two ago somebody was like man i hate listening to that part i'm like so don't i tell people all the time we don't, we don't get offended we put show notes in there for a reason because we understand that some people don't want to listen to the intro or they don't want to hear the news they want to jump to the reviews or they want to do the not whatever mm-hmm. if you want to listen to specific segments then just jump to them it's you're still listening that's what counts it doesn't matter if you're listening to all six and a half hours of us fucking talking about fonts um but, you know, it's what they're there for, man. Use them. Yeah, so uh, I just want to do one thing real quick here. Um, that was the – I hope we answered your question. There was one from um, uh, Jonathan. Um, we will get to that one next time uh, because it's the one that ca- takes a little bit more thought, and I will send that to, to Moods. All right, so the, we actually got more Patreon than I, I knew. For, so the past month we got um, – Jill, um, we got Andy back again. Andy's the guy that will 
join whenever we post something on there like like an early access he'll be like damn it now i gotta join the patreon again or like that like he joined for the early access of something and then left and then when we posted the video i think he came back nice <laughs> um and then we have one uh so andy matthew demarco uh dan dizak lee surrett peter simpson dan the cameraman dusty collins dan dizak um did i say that one already dan, yeah i said dan dizak sorry uh peter simpson eh, wait why is it saying them twice it's weird um dustin collins okay so never mind it's saying a lot of it twice but um mm-hmm. so yeah uh seven new patrons since we did that so pretty cool appreciate it thank you we appreciate it for show we yeah. do and like i said we will get to jonathan wilhelm's question uh next time we do this and you know feel free to drop a question uh, you, we don't. You don't have to like do it at a specific time. Just drop it on that post, and we'll get to it whenever we have the time slots for it. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's everything for the question portion. Man, it's been it's been like such a long time since we answered any questions. Crazy. Yeah, I don't even remember last time we did. To be honest. All right. So yeah, that's going to conclude the question portion. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Have you checked the children? Children. What do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. All right, so getting into the dub, dub, dub portion of the show. Y'all know what the routine is. It's where we review films, give a rating, and pass the baton. Um, Yeah, man, some what we watched. It doesn't seem like we've done a lot of this recently, have it? Have we? <laughs> besides, um, besides, no, I don't think so. Besides the entire what we watch show, we haven't actually done what we watch in a regular episode in a while, it seems like. So, oh yeah, but we definitely did a hell of a lot of what we watched on the what we watched show. Yeah, I mean the whole show dedicated to it, but yeah. So yeah, this is um it's good to be back on this one. So uh first up for me is actually not a Patreon pick. Because <laughs> it seems to be the you know the the way we do things around here. Uh but no. Um this one is actually one of the newest releases from Vinegar, Vinegar Syndrome, and I was actually really excited for this one because it's a film I'd never heard of for good reasons. It's very obscure. It actually doesn't didn't even have any type of media release ever. It was only ever released in Italy. Um, I think maybe a minor theatrical film, which is kind of strange because it is an American production. Uh, yeah, from 1990, and it's called Pale Blood. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, these are the type of releases that always make me a little bit giddy because something I've never heard of or very obscure getting this type of treatment. Because, you know, Vinegar Syndrome always does the releases, you know, lots of justice. Uh, it's starring um, George, oh, what's his name, Zacharis. He actually starred in West Side Story back in, like, 1961. So I thought this was kind of a weird leap, you know, from West Side Story to doing these, like, you know, kind of low-budget type of films. Uh, also starring the man, Wings Hauser, also. <laughs> so I thought that was very intriguing because I'm always... I'm kind of a fan of that guy, man. He he does some pretty quirky roles and shit in 
something about the dude I kind of like. But uh, getting into the premise of the film, basically this one is about um, our main character, Michael Fury. He's actually a vampire. And uh, he's coming from Romania to America. And the reason why he's making the trip over here is because there's someone in America that's killing people and making it look like a vampire has done it. So essentially somebody's killing these women, draining their blood. And uh, he's kind of taken offense to it because, you know, this has taken place in modern times and stuff. And there's very few vampires left in the world. And he's kind of pissed off about it because he feels like this person is giving vampires a bad name, bad rap and stuff. Because Michael now is kind of like he's in a sense, almost like a reform type vampire. He doesn't kill for blood he just drinks what he needs to survive and he's got away from the whole killing thing so he's kind of pissed off with this fact so when he gets to america uh, specifically hollywood he um basically calls up the help of this uh, female detective she's like a vampire freak herself she likes she's all into vampirism and stuff so it's very very kind of interesting contrast that you know he gets hooked up with her because he needs her to kind of show him around hollywood so he can do his investigations and stuff and uh you know that's pretty much I'll, I'll just kind of leave the premise right there um my thoughts on the film so yeah man first off i gotta say man the casting of george shrak is as michael fury is like really really good casting man i think he just he fits the role of the vampire so well man he has that look you know he actually looks like he's from romania he actually he has the accent really well and stuff and i think the casting you know was just fantastic uh wings hauser plays um kind of like this bottom of the barrel type hollywood b-movie uh, he calls himself like an art, like a video artist. And, you know, he films just random things and edits things together and women and stuff. He's kind of this kind of odd, kind of typical Hollywood sleazeball that just does things on his own kind of merit and stuff. And uh, so, you know, uh, other aspects of the film, we got Michael Fury. He actually ends up falling. It, it, so there's kind of like a love aspect to it all. So he falls in love with this girl because, like I said, he's not like that. He's not that killing vampire. He's looking for love and stuff. And then we got this whole relationship with uh, with the detective also. Um, there's some really interesting aspects to this film because it quite surprised me. Like the acting was really good. You know, specs on the film. You know, it's, it's actually quite atmospheric. Uh, the music is really interesting. But I just kind of like this narrative, man. It's not like it's not a super over the top sleazy type vampire film, even though it kind of dwells into a little bit of sex. But it's done. It's done you know, with elegance a little bit. Uh, the story is a little bit different. You know, we got this, this uh, detective that, you know, she's all into vampirism and some odd reason she has this kind of weird telepathic uh, connection to Michael also. So you have this kind of thing going on and stuff, but then, you know, at the same time he's dealing with this and he's, he's got this girlfriend and then he's also trying to find this killer, which I think is one, the one downfall to the film, because um, in my opinion, you know, I think it's pretty obvious who the killer is right off the bat in this movie. I mean, I don't know if it's supposed to be a huge mystery and stuff, but I mean, it's pretty obvious to the viewer who the actual murderer is. It's just the way things kind of develop and the way the narrative kind of, you know, gets into it or, you know, progresses into the third act and shit. And when we get some pretty interesting twists and turns also, which I didn't see coming, which I thought was pretty interesting. But overall, man, this was a really intriguingly done, well done film that I'm very surprised that never got a, a bigger release because it's not your typical type shitty crappy b film that you know just you know that you just kind of throw aside i'm something must have happened in the production of this why i never got a wider release or something because you know you got some decently big names in it you know the production value is pretty good and it's got a decent narrative it's it's very entertaining for what it is i think it's a pretty solid film vinegar syndrome does it justice the the transfer is fantastic on it um 
the one thing about the film I was kind of expecting to to see a little bit more of going into it, just giving the fact that, you know, we have a killer killing in this way and stuff to be a little bit more gory and stuff, but they do it, they do it kind of elegantly again. You know, it's, you know, there's points of, you know, blood and gore and things like that, but it's not the focus of the film. I think it's more about the investigative. It's more about these actual characters, you know, um, you know, of this, this videographer and the vampire and the detective and the relationships and stuff. And I, I really like that, how there's so many kind of different uh, subplots in this film and shit like that. That's going on. Very interesting watch. Um, I'm going to give it about a seven and a half out of 10. Definitely a hidden gem from 1990, you know, and again, you know, I always, I always tell people, you know, the nineties wasn't the greatest decade for films, but if you dig through all this shit, man, you're bound to find some gems. And this is definitely one. I hope that gets watched a little bit more, now that it has a good release and stuff, because it's definitely worth the watch. Um, if you're into vampire films, pretty cool stuff. What was it called? Pale Blood. Never it, heard of it. Yeah, well, like I said, you know, it, it never had a media release anywhere in the world. It only had like a small theatrical run in Italy, of all places, even though it's an American production, I believe shot in probably Hollywood and apparently Hong Kong also. And, you know, it has names in it too. You know, that's the other weird thing. So I'm thinking something happened with it. Um, mm-hmm. But who knows? I mean, this is why I love companies like Vinegar Syndrome. They're resurrecting these films, uh, pun intended, um, you know, from total obscurity, right? And uh, giving them a really, really good treatment and stuff. And, you know, it's cool that this movie actually turned out to be good because, let's face it, Vinegar Syndrome does restore bottom-of-the-barrel type shit. But this is the type of releases that uh, keep me intrigued in companies because it's like, damn, dude, like this shit is just super, super obscure and it's got some royal treatment. So, yeah definitely give it a shot it's a pretty cool vampire film it's it's not your typical story and i like that because it's set in modern times and it's not you know they're not just rehashing the same old concepts of vampirism and things like that you know it's a different type of vampire which i i guess it kind of it'd been done a few times later on in the 90s but this is 1990 at a different time so yeah cool all right so i will let you decide what you want me to review so i have a lifetime thriller called murder in new hampshire or I have a lifetime thriller called Violation of Trust, a.k.a. she said she didn't do it. <laughs> okay, let's go with the second one. Okay. A Violation of Trust, 1991. By the way, as I said on his and hers movie podcast, maybe we listen to that. I've been a sucker. I started in 85 with these lifetime thrillers that I squeezed in at the end. And I was like, wow, there's more in the 90s. So I started watching those ones in 91, too. And I'm like a sucker for them, dude. Like I get so into them, it's ridiculous, man. I'm I'm like questioning my manhood here. Um, but it's funny because like this one was the first one I watched, but I watched a couple already from '91, which I assume you and Dave aren't gonna watch um, because they're not necessarily horror movies. Um, but this one, A Violation of Trust, it follows uh, a young girl who's 16. Um, and man, I just love the nineties look of, of, of teenagers. I remember I, I always thought all the teen, cause this is early nineties. So I always thought that all the teenagers when I was like four or five, like they always looked so cool. Um, but <clears throat> the, uh, the girl is like dating this dude and, uh, her, she used to be friends with this other girl who's like not really her homie anymore. Um, and there's a popular girl at school who her ex best friend tells her like, Hey, I hope you know that like your boyfriend is cheating on you with the popular girl in school. And she's like, no, she would, he wouldn't do that shit. 
And so they kind of investigate it a little bit and they find out that uh, the popular girl in school is actually pregnant and it's her boyfriend's kid and stuff. So she gets all pissed off and like fights this girl. But then like the girl like assaults her and runs away and she drives up to the mountains and they chase her in, in, in the car and she ends up dead. And the police are all like, hey, like we're finding like more and more evidence like that's linking like people are saying she's that she went to your house and she's like well no she didn't and then people are saying like i heard her the neighbors like i heard them screaming at the house and she's like no i didn't and then katie seagal's the mom uh and she is like kind of trying to believe her daughter but still might um not you know what i mean because it's like there's sort of evidence stacking up against her. And the interesting thing about that is she's split up with the girl's father and she's she was like kind of dating or was dating the the lead investigator in the the crime. Uh so there's that whole thing. Uh and honestly, very good. And what's really good about it is the ending because the ending is completely not predictable and it's actually pretty dark. Um, it's kind of messed up. So it's you, you did like, I thought it was just like, the, you know, they're like the, the, I'm like, of course she fucking killed her. I saw her knock her off a cliff. What do you mean? Like, you know what I mean? I'm watching this thing and I'm like, I'm like, I can't, is this supposed to be suspenseful? Like, did she actually kill her? And I'm like, I already know as an audience member that the bitch killed her. <laughs> so it's like, it's it, the story's being told in like this. Cause you're watching her and you're, you're like, it, it's like you it's being told as in like the sympathetic way, like everybody's out to get her and like the girl's parents are blaming her for the death and all this. And they don't really show you like the scene of what happens that much. Like it's, it kind of like cuts away a little bit, but like, I'm like, there's no way she didn't kill her. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm not saying that she didn't kill her, but I'm just saying that, that, you know, the way that it's done is like, damn it. I saw that shit. Come on. (laughs) but yeah uh it's it's very good i really like this movie um it's dramatic <laughs> uh so yeah i gave i honestly like i might be a little high on it but i i'm like it hovering between a seven and a half and a and an eight i thought it was pretty good it's a it's a it's a thriller like a, a dramatic thriller dramatic thriller <laughs> but there's like some you know like suspense in it too and then the ending gets really dark so um I gave it points. I wouldn't even consider it remotely horror if it wasn't for that, you know, sort of combination of things. But the cover looks like a fucking Giallo or something. (laughs) It's just a bunch of, uh, maybe not Giallo, but, you know, there's a dead girl with blood leaking out of her ear, like on the cover in the weeds, you know? So I was like, this looks cool. So it's called A Violation of Trust, Hmm. a.k.a also known as she said she didn't do it cool okay so i mean going from one dramatic thriller to the next i guess um yeah honestly man this movie want to start a lifetime podcast (laughs) well this one you know i i had on a list uh to watch for a while and it was every kind of site and oh is this the christopher walken movie (laughs) no 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 um no this is a brand new film um but I kept I kept seeing it being labeled as a horror film, and then I started watching. And I was like, "Man, this shit is like, is it ever going to turn horror?" Of course, I clicked on IMDb, and it's actually uh, labeled as drama thriller, <laughs> right? So 
I mean, I guess I can kind of see how it might end up on horror list. I don't know, because it just seems like a lot of these type of movies kind of make their way onto the list nowadays where you can interpret it differently, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it says from 2019 and it's called Swallow. Have you heard of this one? Nope. It's not a porno, by the way. It just happens to be called Neither is Porno. Swallow. Yeah, and, and matter of fact, yeah, there's a movie this year called Porno that's not porno. But it does have naked girls in it, I will say. Uh, but anyways. So it is porno. Yeah. No, I meant that's what I was talking about. This one I don't think has oh. any nudity, actually. No. Um, this is a weird one. This is a really... Maybe that's kind of why it was being put on horror list, I guess. But it's definitely an interesting uh, idea for a film, I would say. But um, So basically, Swallow is about um, our main character here, uh, Hunter. She comes from a pretty normal family, like, you know, middle class to like lower class type family and stuff like that. And she marries into money. She marries this guy that comes from a really rich family upon their wedding. You know, the family buys them a big house and stuff. And, you know, she's kind of treated as a trophy wife. You know, she doesn't work. You know, she's there for appearances. You know, just she's technically a textbook trophy wife type deal. Um, She ends up getting pregnant. And it's very noticeable that the family is really more about the baby than her. You know, they don't really give a shit about her because I I think that they're a little bit disappointed in their son too, that, you know, to why he would marry into marry someone like her because she doesn't come from the same, you know, realm as this rich upper class family kind of thing. Right. And, you know, she's starting to get a little bit depressed and stuff because, you know, she's got really nothing to do, but, you know, pick out colors of curtains and fucking, you know, uh, do the interior design on the house and clean leaves out of their pool and shit. So, you know, she's pregnant. She's kind of suffering with that shit and stuff. And uh, all of a sudden one day, you know, I think the best of her, you know, her abilities was um, just kind of thrown out the window with all that type of shit. And she decides that she's going to take up swallowing objects. She starts obsessing over this. I mean, she must be the product of someone that's just going insane in this house. But she one day picks up this marble and she swallows it. I'm like, okay. And basically the next scene is her taking a poop and she fishes the poop out and cleans off the marble and then realizes, holy shit, I can swallow things and I can retrieve it and stuff. What the fuck? Yeah. So I'll just leave the premise right there. You kind of get the idea. So my thoughts on this movie is it's a very strange one because it's not, it doesn't come across as being overly strange. It's just what she's doing is strange. Um, I mean, she's obviously a product of, you know, being in the situation that she doesn't feel comfortable with because she realizes that this family doesn't really give a shit about her and they only care about the baby and, and the husband really, you know, doesn't really care. I mean, he cares about her, but, you know, it, it comes across that he cares more about the baby. So she takes upon, you know, just obsessing about swallowing things and it gets so much worse. You know, as, as she gets a little bit more pregnant, she starts swallowing more dangerous things like one day she's vacuuming and she swallows or she you know vacuums up a tack and she swallows the tack and retrieves that later and then it shows her just swallowing shit so this one specific day she's at the um you know at the doctors and they're doing a um an ultrasound in her stomach you know checking to see how the baby's doing and stuff and the ultrasounders like i can't remember what they're called i'm sure they're not called ultrasounders but anyways they notice something in her stomach. They're like, what the fuck is in there? And then that's when they realize 
you know, there's some shit in her stomach. And then, of course, the husband and family is like freaking out and everything. And it's just like the weirdest, bizarre, like first hour of the movie. You're like, what the fuck? And this is all it is. It's her swallowing shit. And then the family being like all paranoid that the baby's going to get hurt. They don't give a shit about her and stuff. She keeps doing it. She keeps, she starts swallowing batteries and nuts and bolts. And, you know, it gets so bad in the movie that the family actually hires on this nurse. He's this guy from like Romania or something like that. And he's like this big bulky, bulky guy because, you know, they can't watch her 24 hours. So this guy is in there basically to babysit her and, and you know, watch over so she doesn't fucking start swallowing shit. So it gets to the point where she starts hiding uh, like nuts and bolts and like nails and shit like underneath the toilet and stuff so she can sneak to the bathroom and go swallow shit and stuff it's just like really fucked up this is like the first hour of the movie and i'm just like where is this going like it's just crazy right um then we start to learn things about her it, it kind of swifts switches gears a little bit you know she is kind of having this breakdown and stuff and you know, she just realizes that she's not in the right place in her life and that she kind of leaves the situation and stuff. And then you start to learn things about her background and it kind of goes off into this really kind of dark place and shit. And just, it really just kind of gets away from what it was doing before. And I'm just like, what the fuck? By the end of this movie, I'm like, what the hell was the point of this? Like, I'm looking for metaphors. I'm looking, I'm trying to overthink the shit to the point where I'm like, I'm not pulling anything out of this, man. This is ridiculous. I really did not like this movie. I liked the premise. I thought it was very, very strange. But come third act time, it does not deliver. It does not go into a place where it's remotely fun. Uh, it's not well done, in my opinion, at all. I, I just really did not enjoy this movie, man. I, they, You know, the main character, Hunter, played by Haley Bennett, I think she does a really good job. She's very awkward in her approach to the character. And I think that she plays that character awesome, like, because she is a little bit strange and stuff. And, uh, like, but that's where it ends, man. Like, there, I got no enjoyment out of this shit whatsoever. It's just, it, it seems like it's odd for the sake of being odd. Like, I feel like that whole kind of setup to where it goes with her background and, 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 and where she needs to explore, you know, and things, it just doesn't fucking work whatsoever, man. It was, you know, it was a long kind of 90 minutes. It really, really was a long fucking 90 minutes, man. I can't recommend this one at all. Um, I'd like to, I'm, I'm pretty curious on people's thoughts on this one to see what the other people would think of this one because it's strange, but it's not overly strange and well done. Four out of 10. I do not recommend this whatsoever. I, I honestly didn't get it. I don't get it at all. <laughs> What's the name of it? Swallow. And it's not wow. even, it's not even one of those movies that's confusing. I just don't understand what the director was trying to accomplish with the movie. Like, I really don't understand. Like I understand everything that happened completely. It's not like it's one of these, it's a little bit psychological at times, but it's not like psychological to the point where you're like, fuck, I do not understand this at all. It's straightforward. It's just yeah. why you would do the things and then take it where it went. That's what I'm talking about. It's very odd. It's very strange. It's, it's got this kind of super melodramatic tone, to it that it's just like it's uncomfortable too because like you feel sorry for it but then you're like why the fuck are you doing this to yourself it's like crazy it's like she's sympathetic but unsympathetic at the same time and like you hate everybody in the movie because everyone's a fucking asshole like literally everyone's an asshole it's crazy but it's just it's where it goes in the third act it loses me completely and shit I mean I get it but I don't so Swallow, I don't recommend it, man. I, I having a struggle week, man, with a lot of shit watches, man. I, I thought I'd mix it up, ninety one to new ones, you know, kind of boost up both mm. lists and shit. But man, 
this one jeremy just... jeremy just sent me a thing that uh maniac the film is number eight trending right now because of joe bob he's showing maniac tonight which is just so cool that joe bob is making that much of an impact the uh like we're talking the lustig film yeah oh okay cool uh, that's cool man yeah but, but that's funny i like that how netflix does that trending thing or has like the top 10 no, no, and shit no. it's trending on like twitter oh fuck see i yeah see i'm not part of that twitter trend thing but yeah. but still i mean it's number eight trending yeah you know what i mean like that's insane yeah that's cool man that's uh, cool good i'm so happy i like it feels so great that like you know I, i'm the reason for that it just mm-hmm. feels good um <laughs> what <laughs> Fuck, shut up. <laughs> I love how you're still on that shit, man. You, I know, like, you got fucking Joe Bob back on the airwaves. <laughs> I'm saying. Taking 100% credit on that shit. Never going back. Never going back. Well, well, F it. You know what? Speaking of Joe Bob, uh, my second film here is 1986's, which did not make my top 10. I don't think it made yours, but it might have. Uh, Chopping Mall. So, uh, they showed on, after we got off last week, the next day I watched, uh, the first part of the last drive-in, which I missed and they showed chopping mall. Um, so I was watching it and I watched the whole thing. It's like two hours with the two, two hours and 20 minutes or something with all the intermissions. Um, but man, I'll tell you what, dude. So chopping mall follows a group of, um, teens who decide to, uh, they work in a mall and they decide to like stay in after hours in the furniture department, watch a little movies, have a little sexes, um, and you know just just do the whole teenage thing. But the 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 in the mall has recently uh, upgraded their security to these new um, robots that roam the hall halls and like kind of asks people for their you know receipts and stuff like that or whatever and essentially this lightning storm happens and it malfunctions the robots and basically well they turn into killing robots uh so the thing i always hated about chopping mall was i'd always heard of it and i always pictured like a slasher set in a mall especially from the cover and stuff Mm -hmm. but it's not that at all so that always annoyed me, but like once you get over that, like chopping mall is pretty fun. It's bullshit, and, man. That's bullshit. It is a slasher. It's just with robots. Well, you know what I meant. Like I pictured like <laughs> a, a, like a guy in a mask or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Halls or something. But I've actually not loved Chopping Mall. I always thought it was a little overrated. But I'll tell you what, dude. I've really come around on it. It is a super fun movie. Uh, it was actually going to be playing at the drive-in this year for the the annual april thing which i am just bummed that that didn't happen man it kills me um chopping mall you got uh kelly marooney in this um and she was in fast times night of the comet and she's like sort of the lead uh and what's interesting is um she was on the last so i i watched it on the last drive and she came on the last drive and actually uh, came on and discussed the uh, you know the film with Joe Bob and it was funny because it almost felt like she was a little standoffish at first but um, she ended up like you know not being um, 
like I couldn't tell if she was like standoffish or she was just like brash with like how she talked. Um, because you know, Joe Bob was talking about how she was like, you know, like the, she played a lot of, um, you know, like hoey type characters, uh, in her films and stuff. And then they talk about Jim Wynorski cause he says that he slept with all of the women you've ever worked with. <laughs> She's <laughs> a little offended by that. Um, and of course, uh, Susie Slater's in this too with very nice boobs. Um, she's like one of the, the girl, is she the one that gets her head fucking blown off? <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's, uh, there's other people. I think Angus Scrim makes a cameo at the beginning. Um, you got Dick Miller. Of course. I can't believe I didn't even mention her, but you got Barbara Crampton, mm-hmm. um, in this film as well. Maybe her head gets blown up. I don't remember. But, you know, they talk a lot about, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff and, and things like that. It's just it's a, just a good, fun time, dude. It's Joe Bob talking about Chopping Mall and, and Jim Wynorski's career. He It's funny. Joe Bob, at the beginning, gives a uh, history of – he always ties some weird shit into the movie. But he gives a history of sex dolls and how far they've progressed. And, and uh, he goes into a deep thing about, like – you know the how you can literally like buy sex dolls and like you, they'll tell you how to like fix them and stuff like that and he starts reading the frequently asked questions and stuff it's hilarious and the whole time i was just thinking of jeremy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was just thinking like he the people he are talking about he kept talking about the people that buy, would buy these and the whole time i was just like the J- jeremy <laughs> but um of course, uh, yeah, just an amazing, fun, fun uh, ride with Joe Bob and Darcy and and the guests and stuff like that. Um, I wanted to say that Barbara <clears throat> Crampton was a guest too. It's been a little while since I've, uh, you know, I've watched so much stuff. I can't remember if she was on that or was that because I w- I've been ri- the guy. There's a there's a listener Keith who sent me. Um, the blu-rays of the last drive-in somebody he bought like boots of them and i've been ripping them and i watched the one with reanimator when we were prepping for 85 maybe she was on that one that she came in barbara crampton i can't remember but anyway i give uh chopping mall my highest rating ever i give it a seven and a half out of ten never been that high on it i think uh looking back on my 85 um one or sorry, 86 show. I gave it a 6.5. So came up a full point on chopping wall. Cool. What did you give it? Uh, 7.5. Oh, 7.5. Okay. Wow. Crazy. Cool, man. All right. So get into my, uh, my last, uh, what we watched of the night. Uh, I guess, you know what? I'm going to make this my Italian stallion. Whoa. Bring that back. Might as well, man. Should uh, I send you the intro? Yeah, right. You have that? Uh, I could probably with find the it. Can- with the cannibal. I made that. What do you mean you can find it? No, I it? thought that you sent it. Oh, maybe you didn't send it to me. I thought maybe once you did send it, ma'am. I don't know. I, I, I don't I know. It. it would be funny to play that again. We yeah. haven't played that in a long time. No doubt. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a weird one too, man, because uh, it's from 1991 and uh, directed by Joe D'Amato. Uh, one of his like hundred fucking movies that he directed in the nineties. It's just crazy. How many movies he directed in the nineties under the pseudonym uh, David Hills. And it's called Frankenstein 2000. 
Uh, it's not a retelling of, you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which, you know, I'd never seen this movie before. So I was very thankful for that. Cause I what, just didn't... what year did you say it came out? 1991. Oh, this is a 91 film. Yeah. Um, so I was very thankful that it wasn't just like a straight up traditional retelling of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And, you know, of course, you know, when you're, you see like a Frankenstein type story from an Italian director, you know, it's probably going to be a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, it's very Italian. Um, basically this one follows like our main character, Georgia, who's played by Cynthia Monreal. She actually was in the beyond as she played Emily in the beyond. So if you know that character, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, basically there's like an attempt where these dudes like try to rape her in this film. And, uh, it, it kind of gets stopped by her handyman, um, played by, oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Donald O'Brien. And he kind of breaks it up and shit like that. And she, you know, she's obviously a little bit pissed off about it. And she threatens to, you know, tell people and kind of expose them for what they were doing and shit. So later on, jump a little bit forward, um, you know, they're obviously, you know, need to shut her up and stuff. So they go to her house, break in and ultimately, you know, beat her into a coma and rape her. And, um, so what happens is the town folk are like really fucking corrupt. Like the police force is all corrupt and shit like that. And essentially, you know, the police kind of cover up who actually did it. And what they end up doing is framing, uh, Donald O'Brien's character, um, Rick for the rape and, you know, attempt on her life and stuff, which he obviously didn't do it. Cause he was actually the one that saved her in the first place. And, uh, so ultimately what happens is now he's in jail and stuff and to furthermore and cover it up even more they actually end up hanging him in the jail cell and just you know kind of put it on him that you know he was so guilty of it you know hung himself and blah 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 and shit like that and uh, what happens is um you know she's kind of has she kind of has like these psychic kind of telepathic abilities like they were Joe Diamato was kind of showing this previously in the film that, you know, she was having all these premonitions of her son being beheaded and stuff, which really doesn't even make any sense in the narrative whatsoever. <laughs> I'll just add that. So she lays in this hospital bed and these, these, um, you know, doctors are trying to revive her, get her out of her coma. They're doing all these experiments and some, something kind of happens with the power and shit. And she essentially resurrects, um, Rick's character who's now down in the morgue and uh telepathically somehow resurrects him and then you know sends him out on this revenge killing spree to get everyone that uh, that did her that did them wrong um yeah dude it's very italian it's very italian it, it has moments in the film like leading up to it and shit like i don't even know why she keeps having like all these weird premonitions of her son being beheaded and shit like that because it doesn't even really play into the actual core narrative they're, they're kind of funny scenes man but it's very italian it's very very italian uh, Joe Diamato. It's not as sleazy as I thought it would be because, you know, if you're familiar with Diamato's films, you know, the Emmanuel films and shit like that, he doesn't really go into that neighborhood. But, um, you know, the kills are decent in this. It, it's a little bit slower going because, you know, by the time she resurrects Rick from the morgue and he's all Frankenstein running around the hospital and, and killing people and shit like that, it's about an hour, I would say, into the film. So you get about a half an hour of this. The kills are pretty good, but it's just funny to see this dude like kind of roam around and pretend that he's like Frankenstein and shit. And the way he kills people is so funny there's one pretty good kill where he you know basically you know kind of squeezes this dude's head like to fucking pulp kind of funny but overall it's kind of it's kind of like pretty standardized shit man but very very entertaining i had a blast with this one it has a really good soundtrack it's got some decent like odd scenes in it and shit the kills are pretty good in the end and stuff but 
it's just a popcorn flick, man. I had a lot of fun with it, man. Definitely recommend checking it out for 91 if you are watching a lot of 91 films. And uh, and if you're a fan of Italian cinema and or of um, Joe D'Amato, because it's kind of cool to see some of his later work because I know he did like so many movies in the 90s, but a lot of these things don't even have releases and shit. But uh, Frankenstein 2000, yeah, straight up not like a great movie, but really entertaining. I'm going to give it about a six and a half out of 10. You know, I mean, it's fun just fun and last up we have a film from jelly bane a patreon pick this is one that i've had on the list for a very long time kind of put it off for a while simply because i've seen it before it's almost two hours and it's not really a horror film it is a thriller primarily but it does have to do with a serial killer who kills children so it kind of does walk that horror territory line the only thing is there's a lot of sections of the film that are more of a thriller thriller slash drama uh it is a film from 1931 it's german uh directed by fritz lang who is a famous german filmmaker this was also his very first sound film he worked on silent films before this so we finally get to see fritz lang utilize some sound in his films which that comes into play a little bit in the actual uh, film and, and, and the, the lack of sound in certain departments. But uh, the film follows a serial killer who kills children and there is a manhunt out for him, both conducted by the police as well as the criminal underworld because the criminal underworld uh, is getting antsy with the police poking their nose around due to the serial killer. So they try to stop the serial killer as well. Uh, it is a film that opens up with a very good scene involving uh, a child um, playing with a ball and uh, the child is murdered. And uh, that scene's done really well. Uh, there's a huge chunk of the film that's very talky and uh, mostly about the narrative. And uh, then the end of the film is a good f final with the uh, killer and uh, sort of the uh, reactions of the killer. It almost has that weird quality that Psycho had where you almost start understanding the killer a little bit. So, uh, you know, it, it has that whole thing going on where it's almost like a little sympathetic um but then you realize, you know, this, this guy's a child killer. So you kind of put that on the back burner. Uh, I will say that it's, it's a very good film. It, it really is a, a fantastic film from the thirties and, you know, 1931, this is super early. And one cool thing about M is that, uh, although it is a sound film, there's actually a few parts in the film that are completely silent. And it had to do with the fact that the sound equipment was really expensive and they were going to dub in some musical score later, um, but decided to just leave it, you know, Lang decided to just leave it soundless uh, or silent uh, because he thought that it was eerie and creepy. And I kind of agree, but it does, it, it is a little jarring at first if you don't know that. Uh, so I, I give props for that. Um, there's some, you know, decent uh you know camera work and and different things like that in the film too for being so early i think that you know it's definitely a very influential film to p filmmakers uh moving forward overall it, it is a really good movie uh i just put it off because i i'd seen it before and you know it was a little longer uh subtitled so i uh, it's not really something that i 
you know, want to watch every night. So anyway, that is M from 1931. I give it a nine out of 10. Hey, yo, it's about that time for the 22 shots crew to get buck wild and do what we do. You got that fatty in hand, so throw us a few. And we gon' hit your ass up with a bonus review. All right, so getting into the bonus review. Uh, Patreon pick from... Who is it coming from, JP? I think it's Mark. Oh, Mark Lehem. At least that's how Jeremy had it on the page. Okay, Yeah, okay, so Mark Lehem. Lehem. Uh, definitely a regular picker. Um, he mostly picks these bonus reviews, doesn't he? Actually, yeah, mostly him. Okay, so yeah, so he does have a common theme. He usually picks something foreign, um, older. He, yeah, uh, he picked like the Stone Tape once, um, which was like that old British. Oh, that was one I didn't end up doing. Yeah, um, he's given me some good titles when he used to do the uh the what we watched one he mm-hmm. upgraded eventually um like wild zero and stuff and um remember that time he gave us the uh oh was that him who gave us like the the three killer genital like genital bit or uh animal was it animal fucking that he gave us it was like the animal fucking trilogy or something he gave me the that one the beast or something the french film oh yeah <laughs> you something i think that was i think that was him it, it might have been someone else it, it, oh you know what it could have been rob hankins because he does uh, does he give us all the weird fucking foreign films too i don't remember i don't remember but um but yeah, um, this one right here is uh, from 1974, and it's called Martha. This is actually a German. What was that Trasha you said? What's that? Did you, what did you say? The title was Trasha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's from 1974, called Martha. Uh, it's a German made-for-television film. Um, yeah, it's just it's kind of different, you know, like when you watch you know, TV films from Europe, especially and from there's that nudity in them. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of funny because honestly, when you watch the movie, it I mean, technically like if we said this was, see, we would say it different. We wouldn't say this is a TV movie. We'd say this is a TV movie. It was made for HBO. Then, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this was probably just made for general cable. I don't know, but I mean, it's dubbed as like a, you know, a TV movie. Um, they are o- more okay with sexual stuff in the sort of European countries yeah. and stuff like that. But just given what the actual narrative is here, it's just kind of hard to believe that it was even on TV in general. I mean, I don't know. I mean, okay, we'll get into it. Uh, I quick- mean, maybe they put it on at night so people would have an easier time going to sleep. Maybe, maybe. Um, synopsis. After the death of her abusive father, the lonely you almost said husband. I, I almost did, yeah. The lonely librarian Martha marries an equally vile businessman, Helmet. Fuck that. That is such a vile name, man. I'm sorry, but Helmet's just brutal. Reminds me of a dick. It does. Every time I hear the German name Helmet, I just think of a fucking penis. It's so weird, dude. uh, It shouldn't, but I do. Uh, The cruel and. Not even a whole dick. I just think of the tip. Yeah, the golden head. Yeah. Uh, The cruel and torturous nature of the relationship leads Martha to believe Helmet might be trying to kill her. Um. So, I mean, that's pretty descriptive, man. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. The opening of the film, we have a scene where, you know, Martha's with her father. They're walking up some steps and shit. And he's, you know, is being dubbed this kind of abusive father and shit. He fucking has a heart attack and stuff. And obviously, the his 
he's been estranged from his wife for a long time and stuff because she ends up calling up her mom and being like, yo, daddy died <laughs> and shit like that. Uh, she obviously comes from a decently wealthy family. Her, like her mom, how, uh, it seems like she has money. I, I would assume like she comes from that type of background. Her mom obviously has a drinking problem and all this type of things and stuff like that. Martha's kind of an interesting, yeah, it's pretty descriptive, lonely librarian type thing. Um, she ultimately ends up meeting this person, uh, Helmet, where she becomes, you know, they start this relationship. They end up getting married, which ultimately leads to her mother, like, overdosing. <laughs> It's like the fucking craziest scene. I think actually is when she announces that she's getting married mm-hmm. because her mom doesn't approve of this relationship kind of thing. Her mom, yeah, like, but like I never seen a movie that is so fucking slow, moves so fucking fast. I know that's what I'm saying, right? You like, meet this guy and you, he proposes and you marry him in like one fucking scene. You had an like two hour film to make, t- to build that relationship. Yeah, I was like, what the hell is this just like, because it's fucking German or something. It, it is crazy. It, it, that's pretty much what happens. Like she's, you know, kind of dealing with her mom and stuff. She ends up meeting this guy and they go to, I think it was like a wedding or something like that. And uh, yeah, they like date. And then she tells her mom, they're going to get married. Her mom overdoses on purpose because she's not happy with what, what did she overdose on uh, some type of pills. She like, li- but the fucking crazy scene. The, okay. This is how the scene goes down. So Martha basically tells her mom what she's going to do with helmet. She's going to marry him. And her mom like looks at her and Martha's they're staring at each other and she's putting these pills into this cup. And Martha's just like, okay, I know what she's going to do because my mom has a fucking drug and alcohol problem. She fucking downs it and overdoses instantly. And she's just kind of still standing there. I'm like, this is the weirdest fucking scene ever. So that was a little bit strange. And yeah, you're right. That's a great description of the movie because, you know, for a movie that's so long, it does clip along at the beginning. But okay. So once we get into the relationship with Martha and Helmet. You know, you learn very quickly that Helmet is a little bit off. Like he might have a little bit of a quirk to him, and what Wait, his and what his quirk is is that he, Helmet. <laughs> yeah, Helmet has a quirk. So, so essentially, what happens? They get married after her mom overdoses. They go on their um, their honeymoon, which is in Italy, and this is where we get the very first glimpse of Helmet and his kind of quirk. <laughs> so, there's a scene in the film where. Uh, they're, you know, by the water, it's a very sunny day and stuff. And, you know, they're kind of suntanning or they're sitting out in the sun and shit. And, and, you know, Martha says to helmet, she's like, can I, I need some suntan lotion? She's like, no, no, no. You know, the sun's not very strong here. You just, you know, you can just suntan, you won't get burnt and stuff like that. But he's, but we know like something's kind of up and shit like that. He's basically setting her up because his quirk is that he gets off on her being tortured. He gets off on her being yeah, so she pain. gets red as fuck. So what happens is she, okay, I might add that Martha actually is a ginger, so she's very fair skinned, so being out in the sun is not a good idea. He knows this, it's very calculating. She gets burnt to a crisp. I'm talking lobster style. So the next scene is literally cuts from them to the beach, and she's laying on a bed. Who on naked. the beach? <laughs> so th- she's in her bed. No, wait, who, who is she on the beach with, though? With Helmet. <laughs> i don't know why it just gets me every time it's such a funny name so this scene completely i i started laughing so hard at this man i don't know what the fuck was so funny about this but she's laying on the bed totally in agonizing pain helmet's loving it yes helmet is loving it she's laying on her bed buck naked obvious white tan lines she's blistering red she can't move she can't talk well helmet takes advantage of this and essentially and pretty much rapes her 
Like mm-hmm. he jumps on top of her and starts hammering her with his helmet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you learn that there's a problem with helmet. He's got a quirk and he gets off on basically her pain, like torturing. This is her. why you don't marry like a guy you just met. Exactly. So now she's stuck with this guy. She's starting to realize that he's a little bit off and he starts to do this, man. He starts to like kind of physically abuse her. He mentally abuses her by yelling at her, but he doesn't just do it. He does it kind of subtly too. Like he essentially like, controls everything in her life like he controls how she dresses how she eats you know everything in her life and stuff and this kind of plays out for the next like hour and a half of him just kind of torturing her and getting off on it and shit like that and to be honest man i understand the psychological the psych the psychosis of this and stuff and but it just doesn't play out in a very entertaining way at all like this fucking movie boring is fucking as shit, boring. It's this, Mark, Mark, it's, Mark. It's literally Come on, the same dude. shit. What are you over, doing to us, man? We get this amazing, we get this amazing lobster rape scene. I will admit it. I've never seen a lobster rape scene in a TV uh, movie before. Really? But, but then it just repeats itself. It's this dude doing some fucked up shit to her, her taking it, staying with him. Killing her fucking cat. Kill, yeah, she gets this cat. He obviously kills the cat, blah, blah, blah. And then she's confiding into people that, oh, my husband, he's a little bit fucking brutal. Like, he, there's something maybe wrong with him that he's he might be trying to kill me kind of thing. But this plays out like very slow for the next hour and a half. And then it just kind of fucking ends. You're just like, oh, my God. Like, I'm well, not... The, I will give it credit for the very ending is a little bit, like, downer and creepy. But, dude, yeah. sitting through this entire fucking movie for that, oh, my God, dude. This this might be the painfulest movie I've ever watched for 22 Shots. Dude. Just it because so it takes for fucking ever to get going. And then once you actually get some stuff going, it's still, like, so fucking basic. I could see maybe if I saw this on TV as a kid, I, I might have been, like, more into it. But it's just, like, outdated, man. It just doesn't work now. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. It's just too long. Like TV movies are honestly usually short in America. Um, there's some longer ones, but you know they they and there is a lot of TV movies where not a lot happens, but they just like kind of suck you in. Mm-hmm. This one was not sucking me in. No, it just plays itself out way too slow, and it's very repetitive in what's happening. Like everything, there's no mystery to it. I don't even think the like it's not even that it's just not thrilling. I mean, you I mean, think these about type of when, stories. when that rape scene happens, right? The yeah. sunburn and shit, like how deep are we into the movie at that point? It's well over an hour, right? No, it's probably like 45 minutes in. I mean, Oh my God, it felt like well over yeah. an hour, but that's the thing. Like at that point, cause that's kind of the first of what starts happening with him and hers kind of fucked up relationship and stuff, but it just gets re- It just keeps kind of repeating those same type of things, but not in a thrilling way. It's very slow. Like something will happen and she fucking whines and complains, but it's, it's just, the mood isn't right like the tone is very kind of like it's not even a dark tone but there's dark things happening yeah. and it's just it's not enjoyable there's no thrill it there's doesn't no mystery feel to like it. she can't escape either like I, the threat level doesn't feel like it's exactly like, like there's no it's just not thriller-esque you know it, like you know how sometimes like a film you'll be like like certain people will be like well why didn't she just leave him and stuff but like it, they'll handle that really well where like abused like are attracted to people who abuse her like i get her father was abusive too mm. but they just don't handle it well it could be something lost in translation too i mean it is it, it is a dubbed well, fi- or, sorry only, um german film with english subtitles that's the only thing i could think of to why she wasn't leaving right away i mean you know after you get raped when you're a lobster like wouldn't you just be like okay this is <laughs> fucked up man like 
you know, I get it. Man, I, dude, she, I, she's like, been I gotta phys- be honest. I don't think that sentence was ever said in human history. <laughs> After you get raped while you're a lobster, I mean, come on. <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, it just doesn't dive into the psychology. Like, it doesn't. I don't know, man. It's just there's nothing thrilling about it. It's supposed to be, you know, that type of like sleeping with the enemy type thing. You know, it's like you know a thriller s type thing, but it just doesn't have any of that fucking tone. That atmosphere. there's no thrill. There's no threat. Thriller. Like the threat is, is just the fact that it's the threat is to us. It's that she keeps going back to the house and just like, okay, I'm gonna repeat what just happened five minutes ago, kind of thing. Let it happen. But the, the only thing you can explain away is that she does come from an abusive background with her father and stuff. But this is different though. This isn't just, you know, like shut the fuck up, bitch, make me a sandwich kind of thing. Like he is mentally abusing her, but he's like physically doing fucked up shit to her. You know, you think at some point and, but the thing is she's not naive to it though. She's confiding to other people and and saying shit like, you know, this is what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. Then get out. Right. It's just, it's so fucking slow in process, man. It's just, you know I mean? If you're going to make a thriller, Make it make a thriller. It thriller. Make a thriller. There's just make there's some no thrills. Damn it. <laughs> there's no suspense. There's no thrill. There's no suspense. Like the psychology in it, man. It's not there. You know, oh man, it's just it misses on so many levels. What it's you know it's trying to accomplish, but it just it just it's missing on all of those levels. So very frustrating yeah, watch. Very frustrating watch, man. Like the dialogue too, man. Oh my god, dude. I don't know if it's just a translation on it, but man, reading this shit is just like it was fucking. Oh, painful. Yeah, you know what, painful. dude? And like, I tell Carly about the shit that I'm watching all the time, and I'll be like, "Yeah, so I gotta watch a two-hour German subtitled thriller." And her response is, "Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean?" <laughs> yeah. Because like we mess around like that, and I'm like. If there's one thing that I fucking can't stand reviewing is a foreign two hour subtitled thriller. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I not to mention this one's a TV movie. But I was like I was sitting there like every like time I would check the clock, I'd be like, fucking Mark, man, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing to me? Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you doing to me, man? And uh I don't know like like I like to think like is he like <laughs> this is really going to piss the guys off <laughs> and slide it over or is he like such a brilliant film I'm going to get the guys on 22 shots to review this so these guys appreciate fine art and then he like, gives us that or is he like you know like I've never seen this movie I don't feel like investing two hours I'm going to give it to the 22 shots guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what his thought process. Like, is this is like, is he like, ah, my nanny used to watch this movie with me, my favorite, Red Lobster Rape, and he like, like gives it to us. Like, what is the reason, Mark? We we rarely get feedback on why we're given films, but I need to know what is the reason we're reviewing a movie with a name of a person from like the 1940s. Yeah, man. I, I I just don't understand where this one ends up, though, too, man. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's like the darkest thing about it is is the fact that it's like kind of confusing that, you know, we have this character that's being pretty much punished the whole time and then kind of gets punished even more. You know, I don't know, man. I just I fuck, man. Ugh. 
He also, Mark, you also gave us a film called Vi- Violence Voyager. I'm going to give you a chance, Mark, to email us if this is another bullshit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be mad. I'm gonna be real mad. So, you know, just let us know if you want to be like actually on Second Thought, guys. Maybe review like I don't know something that's really fun, Night of the Demons or something. <laughs> you know, like. But yeah. if you're giving us another, if it's a thriller, I'm giving it back. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Honestly, this is truly the first film I actually hated that we reviewed. Yeah, this one just, man. In terms of a featured review, I can't think of another one I actually hated. I mean, just given what the narrative is, man, it's it's setting itself up to be, you know, an all-out thriller. You know, maybe this kind of revenge tale type thing, but it just doesn't deliver on all that. In fact, like, the ending is almost cruel. Well, that's why I liked it, because it was cruel. Yeah. It's fucked up. It is fucked up. It's fucked That's up. That's like, but it's that. like, it's like if you listen to someone tell like a really, really like, like a really long joke, yeah. and you're like, "Where's this going?" And then you forget what even happened at the beginning, and like the punchline doesn't make sense because you're like, "I don't mm-hmm. even know how we got here." <laughs> you know what I mean? But like it's just like at that, that point, you just don't even care. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, even to write it that way is just so bizarre. You know, yeah. it's just, it's such a weird outcome to the film, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this one didn't work for me on any levels. So, um, what do you rate this one, dude? I hadn't even considered that, well, bro. I'm not even joking, man. This is some low hanging shit. Yeah, dude. This like is I, a, this is a low hanging helmet, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude, man. Like I feel like I needed to wear a helmet from like because I felt like I was gonna be punching myself in the head with all this damn movie. It's like so much movie. There's so much movie there. I'm just like, look at this. I look at the bottom of the screen on the VLC player, and I'm like, look at this big chunk of movie. It's moving so slow. I know, (laughs) dude. I'm like, why are you not moving, line? It's pretty. Fuck to the end. Why are you taking so long? It's pretty bad when you can watch this thing on 1.5 speed, and it seems like it's normal speed. Right, exactly. Because we both, because I was, I hit you up at like, it wasn't too late but according to you it was late i remember well, no, i feel like i watched the first hour maybe just over an hour i might have been about an hour and 10 minutes into it and i was like dude i can't take this anymore i'm like it's so fucking slow and boring i'm like where is like it's supposed to be a thriller like what the fuck is going on so then i kind of sped it up a little bit to get through it and i was like oh my god dude like seriously <laughs> yeah i hit you up for some subtitles because i didn't have subtitles for the video file because jeremy yeah. sucks his job and I remember sitting there, I, 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 you finally answered me. Um, and then I, you were like, make sure he's like, you might want to watch it on 1.5 speed. I thought you were, ju- I thought you were fucking with me. Like, like you were trying to set me up for thinking no, it was a bad because movie. I never watch movies like that. Like it takes a lot for me to, you know, have to speed up the fucking movie to get through it. But I'm like, I tried, dude. I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do this one, man. I really couldn't. <laughs> it's just, that's that's all i can say about it i just couldn't do it it was bad really bad Um, it was really like if this was in the theater i i've never walked out of a movie i would have walked out of this shit yeah dude like there was nothing to offer (laughs) in this one man like like if i wasn't paid to watch it like sit there like i had to watch it i might have just gave up (laughs) yeah 
Oh man, I just oh fuck. I don't know, dude. I'm coming in at a solid fucking one. <laughs> solid. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I had a two on it, so okay. I might as well just stick with it. that's crazy. Like, at this point, it like one, two, three, like it's all the same to me right now. It's shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I yeah. I can't differentiate like what what i that i honestly like nothing about this movie no i know like a, it's not even shot well like no. there's no cool shots what was the last movie he gave us it was the one with the drugs oh yeah that was him yeah that was much better mark yeah the, <laughs> the name of it slipping the the spanish film or whatever yeah yeah, yeah, that no, one that, was cool. That yeah, one was no, that, cool. That was a cool film. This one was just ah, oh, but that the whole time I was watching, this, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, why pick this one? Like, what was the dude? Like, I what was the motivation behind that it? for so much? Like, I just sat there and I was like, what? What is like? I was waiting for like some like big reveal, like where I'm like, oh, I see why this fucker gave us this because this. Okay, I, Mark, I just looked this up. Just the, I'm just looking. The Violence Voyager is a drama animation. Hmm. Hmm, Mark. I don't know what you're trying to do to us. Did we not make rules about, like, I thought we were supposed we to be like, porn exploitation, but we're getting a lot of films that are not falling into that category. Yeah, <laughs> we did. This is not hard I, at all. I, I sometimes let it slide because, for example, oh, it does have, it's animation, adventure, comedy, horror. So there is a horror on it on IMDb. So you're lucky, Mark. You passed the test. But sometimes I let it slide because like that Spanish film wasn't listed as horror. But like I was reading into it and I was like, that sounds kind of cool. So like you know, sometimes we'll let it slide. But um, it the the good news is it's only an hour and twenty three minutes, so I can handle this, Mark. So if you want to have a better time, you know, more fun with your life, strap on your helmet and bang your head against the wall for two hours straight instead of watching instead of watching Martha, because that's how painful this shit was. Yeah. Like I want to put it in the hall of pain without Jeremy even being in here because it deserves it. I'm pretty sure if Jeremy was on this right now, he would be no higher than us. I would assume maybe. I can't imagine dude. Jeremy would have been livid in the chat. If he had to watch this shit. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been like, what the fuck is this four hour fucking movie? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> the only redeemable quality, man, is is the fucking lobster rape scene. And it's probably because what? it was made for TV and I'm just like I can't believe this is happening. This is crazy. But no. I feel like no. we dedicated more time into this review than it ever deserved. Yeah, I mean, that still came in over 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so, let's move on to some more garbage. Yeah, we should probably um get off this Martha. So that was uh, Martha from 1974. Yo, who this? Yo, Moods, it's your boy, the ill-mented funky child, calling you to remind you that the featured reviews on this episode contain spoilers. Aw, yeah, man, that's right, brother. Thanks for the heads up, playa. Now go back to being an unproductive asshole. Fuck you. I tell your listeners to stop being so dumb, silly, sensitive. Yeah. Alrighty, so getting into the featured reviews here on episode 182. Um, 
this movie we actually turned into the main features uh, for this episode. Um, it's actually a Patreon pick coming from Ratchet Command. So we just added on part two and just kind of made a show out of it. So part two That's is how not- we do it normally. Yeah. We're pretty, pretty nice guys. Yeah. So yeah, part two was not part of this. So, um, and of course, uh, the pick in question here is, uh, from 2000 called American psycho, um, based on the book by Brett Easton Ellis that uh, actually got published in 1991 of all years. Go figure, right? Mm-hmm. I will start by saying I've never actually read the book before. Um, I've heard the adaptation is is good. Um, a lot of people say it's not as great as the book. Um, I think even um, Mary Heron even says that she didn't do the ending justice from the book to the movie and stuff like that too. But I've always been curious to read it. I don't know why I haven't gone out of my way to actually read it. Cause I always, I've talked about American psycho lots and lots of times over the years as being like, what it, well, it was even in my top 50 favorite movies too. So, but uh, I should probably go back and read that adaptation. You haven't read it. Have you? Or I mean the, the novelization. No. no. Uh-uh. All right. Um, okay. So yeah, this one of course is starring Christian Bale, um, we got lots of people. Chilly a lot 70. of familiar faces in there. William Defoe, fucking Jared Leto, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, Chloe Sev. I never know how to say it. Say it. How you say it? Uh, Chloe Sevigny. Sevigny. Yeah, I think that's Sevigny. Sevigny. Yeah, lots of, of familiar course, faces. course, from Kids and uh, shit. She was in a bunch of stuff. I like her. I've always liked her uh, as an actress. She's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. I always, whenever I think of Choli, or Coley, Choli, I always think of kids also. Very mm-hmm. iconic type of role. Um, synopsis. A wealthy New York City investment bank banking executive, Patrick Bateman, hides his alternate psychopathic ego from his coworkers and friends as he delves deeper into his violent, hypnotic, hypnotic fantasies. Holy shit, dude. I can't fucking talk right now. Um, but yeah, American Psycho. You want to start? Since you're the one that uh, always claims he doesn't like the movie. Well, first of all, I just want to point this out. Did you know that initially Stuart Gordon was supposed to direct this film? I actually did know that. Yep. Well, fuck you then. Did you know? Isn't that weird? That after that, David Cronenberg was supposed to direct this film. Uh huh. Well, fuck you again. I don't. Well, I, did you know that originally Johnny Depp was supposed to have the lead in the film? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, fuck you again. <laughs> did you know that Leonardo DiCaprio was originally supposed to play Patrick Bateman? I actually didn't know that. Ah, fuck you, motherfucker. Really? He <laughs> yeah. was offered this role. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Uh huh. Leonardo DiCaprio um, was offered the role, which I actually think any of those guys would have done good. Yeah. Yeah, those are definitely all good choices, for sure. Yeah, I don't know about Stuart Gordon directing, though. It is weird, right? As much as I love Stuart Gordon, not really sure this was his type of movie. Yeah, right? It is yeah, intri- but that's very I don't interesting. Really, who is Mary Heron? What else has she done? Um, I don't think Mary Heron actually did much in the way of horror. I only know the name just from it being attached to this. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, honestly, man, yeah, she's, she's done like nothing. M- mostly TV. She's wor- She's like a TV director. Um, that's pretty much. Yep. She did you know some what? Six Feet Under. She directed a film that I reviewed on here from Patreon called Charlie Says. It was the uh, hour, like two hour Charlie uh, Manson 
Oh, that's so, that's yeah, that's right. Because I think that we even was brought the last that up. thing she did. I think we even brought yeah. that up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I haven't seen that, so I wasn't actually familiar with that. So um, she did do an episode of uh, Fear itself, though. So I mean, on her American Psycho clout, huh? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, okay, I've been on record saying that I'm not really a big fan of this film. Um, it is a film that I watched very young, probably around the age of nine or ten, with my aunt and uncle. And I, the only thing I remember, I remember, honestly, this is cringe, but like I remember the scene where he's like, "Don't just look at it, eat it," <laughs> and like I just remember like being like, "I don't think I'm supposed to watch this," <laughs> you know, at that age. <laughs> And like it was awkward and stuff, and I was just like, ugh. And I always just like thought of a negative memory with this film. Um, but uh, then I watched th- another little cool fact here. Did you know that I'm gonna say fuck you if you knew or not? But did you know that American Psycho was my first Blu-ray ever? Uh, I don't think I did. Ah, fuck off. Uh, yeah, so American Psycho, I paid like $9 for it. It was my first Blu-ray ever in 2010. I bought my Blu-ray player and I wanted to get a Blu-ray to go home and watch. And they're like, they had fuck all for horror Blu-rays except for American Psycho. So I was like, you know what? I'll buy it. Watched it and was like, eh, it was all right. Um, watching it now, I I mean, I do really like it. It, it, Like I completely got, I think I was just... Honestly, even in 2010, you figure I was 19. I don't think I re- I didn't think I, I don't think I really grasped the as much like as much about the um the the the, the uh you know the, the the how full of himself he is, but not because he it makes him. It, it's just what he. It's what he sees. It's he, what he thinks people are supposed to be like. I didn't really get all that when I was young. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> see, Patrick Bateman is an interesting character because, you know, he is, he's that type of person that he's kind of the product of like a capitalist system, right? Like he, he has the motivations to be rich and live in that system and stuff like that. But, you know, in the movie, he's obviously successful but he's not as successful as like one other person that he obsesses about and stuff. Right. I think I I think him angry, but it doesn't make him angry because he necessarily wants to be successful because like, it's what he wants to do. He would be happy if he was more successful. It's simply because he feels like he's supposed to be. Well, that's not for him. It's weird. It's a weird. No, it's because it's because when you live, when you're part of that capitalist system, you have to be that. Right. So to, and he even says it in a line of dialogue, I just want to fit in. And that's a great way of, of summing up Patrick Bateman's existence in that system, because he wants to fit in by being part of that system. You know, he wants to be like everybody else, you know, and that's what it is when you're in that capitalist system, when you're money motivated. And so you dress a certain way, you talk a certain way, you associate with, with a, a certain type of people and stuff. And that's what he's put himself into. You know, he's an investment banker on Wall Street and stuff. And I mean, that's like a great metaphor for capitalist of, um, type of person right there, because that's what you do. You're money motivated, right? It, it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. And he's very vain. You know, he's also very vain. Like he's all about himself too, which again, just kind of goes back to the whole systematic type uh, reality, right? Because once you're told you got to be a certain way, you have to live that and you have to live up to the expectations, right? Of being, 
you know, read on par with everyone else. And there's a lot of really great scenes in the film too, that kind of, dude, uh, I was going to bring up the fact that there is like legendary scene after legendary scene in this film. Like that, like every, there's no wasted moments in this film. Like it all means something. It's all, there isn't, uh, important. It all is impactful. Like every scene in this film is great. Like even the opening with him describing his daily routine from like working out to like all the damn shit he puts on his face. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's like the scenes where he's having sex and he's like looking at himself in the mirror. Like he's not having sex for pleasure at all. Right. He's having sex because like that's that's what what they do. That's what you do in that system. That's That's what what they do. Yeah. That's what you do in the system. You have to like I said, you have to dress a certain way. You have to talk a certain way. You have to diet a certain way. You have to do all these certain things to be in that system. He's a pure sociopath. So he literally lives in that system. You know, oh, of course, of course. And, you know, that's that's the whole psychology of this film that I think is really, really misunderstood because you can take it how you want and stuff. But I mean, there's, there's two different realities in this movie. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused. They either go, you know, all this stuff is actually set in reality and he's doing all this, or, you know, all of it is like, you know, it's all fantasy. But the problem is with, you know, looking like that is that if you're going to say it's one way or the other, in fact, it's actually both. It's it's set in reality, but there is a fantasy portion of this movie. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people get it mixed up because, you know, when it really comes down to it, Patrick Bateman actually is a serial killer. But the whole... Well, of course he is. We find out that Mila Kunis... <laughs> yeah. So, well, that, that's the thing, right? I mean, you know, and the movie is, you know, we, we see the movie through him. But in fact, he actually is a serial killer, but... Uh, there is this whole fantasy element to the movie that actually is all in his mind also. And, you know, it, that whole product, that whole fantasy nightmare, that whole murdering, you know, um, uh, Paul in the film is the fantasy portion of it, right? That shit doesn't actually happen. And I love that. I love this in the narrative that it separates itself. Like there's a reality portion of this movie and there's a fantasy portion of this film film too. Mm -hmm. And I think it blends super, super well. And I think the way the narrative plays itself out, because it gives you clues throughout the whole film that, you know, there is certain things that are happening. Like when he kills the homeless guy and the dog, that's, that's his reality. That's him. Which by the way, that is a fucking sad scene, bro. Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, that's like hurt. That like hurt, dude. Like he's just so mean to that poor little homeless dude. I fucking, I know it's such a brutal part, but it's very, it's almost needed to show how Patrick Bateman really is. Like, this is the reality of him. He's cold. He's heartless. You know, he, this is what he does. He's a cold, heartless serial killer, but I love this whole Paul Allen thing. It's great, man, because he fantasizes so hard about killing him and shit like that, that, you know, he truly believes that he actually did it. And all that anger and all that fantasy is stemming from the fact that Paul is a direct result of being a little bit better than him. Now, why why is it that. That, that Paul, he didn't kill? Why is that a fantasy? Like, how can you tell? That he didn't kill Paul Anna? Paul yeah. Anna? Well, I mean, come to the third act when he completely starts losing his mind and shit like that. He's There's, like, I killed a lot of people. <laughs> well, yeah. So basically when he loses his mind and he fucking shoots up the cops and he fucking goes and kills all his other people and shit. And then he confesses to his lawyer and shit like that. Well, there's a moment actually where he goes into Paul Allen's place where, you know, where you're restoring all the body parts and stuff. And that, mm-hmm. and that scene is set in reality because that shit was never happening. 
you know, there's a realtor in there showing off the place and selling stuff. And just like, how the fuck did you get in here? Kind of thing. Right. All that shit that it was all fantasy to him. The whole Paul Allen idea is stemming from the fact that Paul is just a little bit better from than him. You know, you know, like I said, you know, he's wait. So is Paul Allen real? Yeah, no, Paul Allen actually works. And he just, he just rolled off to uh, London. Like they said, yeah, yeah, he literally did because that actually gets proved away because at one point in the film, when he's talking to, uh, the detective Defoe, he actually the 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 prime suspect that they were kind of leaning towards said mm-hmm. that he was actually with Bateman. Bateman was actually with him at this time. Would that give him? The yeah, alibi, right? I know. And it was like yeah. so okay. that actually I, proves that actually proves that this whole thing was fantasy. But now it's fucking with him, right? Now it's fucking. Yeah, the with whole him. thing was fucking with me because I was yeah. like, wait a minute. <laughs> so there is moments, but, but the third act is really I need to rewatch that. There's a little bit. There's a little bit of moments throughout the film where you're kind of like, okay, you know, and but that's the point of the movie. It's making you question reality from from fantasy and stuff. But then there is these moments right there where you're like, oh shit, like he was put at this part. So he couldn't have done the killing. And then also, yeah, I talked to this person and he actually said he had fucking dinner with him and stuff. And then of course, leading to the third act when he confides to the, uh, you know, to the lawyer and he's like, no dude, you didn't kill Paul Allen because I literally had fucking lunch with him a couple days ago in London. And this is, and at this point it's set in reality too. Right. Yeah. So all this, but this whole fantasy is stemming from the fact that, you know, you know, he's in this fucking system. And he's you know, striving so hard to be the best at what he is and stuff. But Paul is excelling in the business a little bit better than him. He talks about it. He's like, Paul Allen's apartment is obviously a little bit more expensive than mine and shit. He fucking loathes him so much. And, you know, the way I see it is that he gets. Yeah, there's like a scene where he's like, like, he's like, what does he say? He says something like. Like I started going into panic mode or something. Yeah. When I realized that Paul Allen's apartment's more expensive than mine. It literally puts him into a psychosis, right? You know, like he Paul is just as much better than him, and he's just he can't deal with it. So he fantasizes, and he comes up with this whole idea about axing him up and chopping him up and stealing his apartment, all this type of stuff, and it, it just works. It works itself out really well. But I I love in the narrative like how they kind of break it down and they kind of they kind of give you these little signals and stuff that you know. It, that this shit was all fucking fantasy and stuff. I think it plays out really cool. I love the third act, man. I loved when he goes completely bonkers. And, you know, now we're seeing the whole fantasy era or part of like, you know, how he really is. Cause it all starts when he's outside and he kind of looks over and he's very confused and shit. And he looks over at the ATM and it says, feed me the cat. Right. And obviously mm-hmm. that shit is not happening. Now we're seeing the world, you know, from his eyes type thing. Right. So he, mm-hmm. you know, he obviously goes on this crazy shit. He starts shooting up people, blowing up cars. And even at that point, he's even confused. There's a great scene where he shoots the car and it blows up and he kind of looks at the gun and shakes his head. and like, what the fuck just happened? Right. So he's, he's confused. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a really, really great scene too, because he runs into this apartment building and the person at the desk calls him Mr. Smith. And that's an ongoing theme throughout the film, too, because people throughout the film mistaken him for other people because he's trying to be someone else all the time. Right. And I really like that aspect because, you know, he shoots the person and then he realizes he's in the fucking wrong building. But then it shows him going out and going back into a building. And he's literally in the same fucking building because all that shit was all fantasy. Right. Yeah, I need to rewatch it because I'm missing all the like, yeah, a lot of this shit you're saying. Because now he's because you know he's in the wrong building, but you know it's identical to the actual building he works in. It, it's kind of cool, man. It's really fucking cool how they done it. I've just seen the movie so many times that I've picked up on mm-hmm. all these little things and stuff. But yeah, 
you know, right up into the third act, man, just kind of watch everything very specifically. It really kind of breaks it down. It, it tells you mm-hmm. straight up. It tells you exactly straight up what's real, what's not. You just have to watch for it. But I really think this whole movie is brilliant, man. I mean, I've always said that, you know, I'm a big fan of dialogue. I love when dialogue, when dialogue is done properly, it just sucks me right the fuck in. But this it makes is- you, it makes you re- like, sometimes you forget like how, engaging and entertaining dialogue can be mm-hmm. until you watch like a movie like this or a Tarantino movie or something. And you're just yeah. like sucked in at everything that every moment of conversation that's said, like, dude, that scene where they're doing the business cards and like eggshell white or like bone white, like raised letters. Like I was so interested in that simply cause I'm like, look at these fucking guys. Like they care so much about this, like trivial bullshit thing that like is just a complete commentary on that corporate world right oh, it like is, the shit, it, it, it just doesn't matter it's like capitalism and money these yeah. guys are literally showing each other the same card of a variation of a white color yeah it's the yeah. competition it's the competition that drives them and it's a the, pissing contest it really 100%. is and that's exactly how the system works and they're all products of it and i love that scene because it just showcases it straight bluntly in your fucking face exactly how the system is controlling people like that and it's like they're all the fucking same man they're puppets in the system. It's crazy, but they're all kind of like very competitive. Like, oh yeah, that's a good one, Gary. Whatever, you know, like fuck off, mm-hmm. we got a thing, right? But it's all yeah, the they're same all shit. fake. Nobody, none of you care about this. They're all puppets in the system, man. They're all puppets. They're all motivated by money, and it's just it's crazy, dude. It's so fucking crazy, man. I, I love how that all develops, man. But yeah, dude, this movie has some of the best dialogue, like some of the best monologues by. Dude, uh, the Christian scenes Bale with uh, Bale and Defoe are really good too. Yeah, there's dude. some great moments between those two. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Like, I mean, for me, this movie has everything that I love. You know, it's got great soundtrack. One thing I, I think is really quirky about this movie is that they never specify what year it's actually set in, but you yeah, can figure it out. 87. Like, it's it's set in '87 because I mean, he talks about the. No, new- they. I'm pretty sure they say it. I don't think they actually ever say 1987. I think it's it's kind of done in dialogue where, you know, where Patrick Bateman's listening to, you know, the new Robert Palmer tape. And he's like, it just came out. And if you know, Simply Irresistible came out in 87. Or it's 88. Sorry. I swear there's a, something that pops up on screen. I'm pretty I sure. I don't think I don't think so. I think it's. Yeah, maybe it is set in 80. Because he does at one point even say, listening to this album that came out last year. But it's funny because, oh, you know what? You know why I'm thinking 87? Because, never mind. The the Simply Irresistible single came out in 87. Yeah, the movie's set in 88 because the album had just come out in 1988. Um, but yeah, man, some of the monologues are absolutely amazing. I love the soundtrack in this movie. It's just, it, every scene is so great. I mean, they even got Eric B and Rakim playing paid in full in one scene in the club and stuff. But the pop music and it's just so fitting to it, man. But it's one thing I love about the character is that, you know, I'm, I love like eighties pop music and shit like that. And the way he talks about Phil Collins and Huey Lewis and, and Whitney Houston and shit is just that dialogue is like fucking yeah, and, insane. And it's, just, it's absolutely he's insane just, because he's relating their issues. There. He's relating um, their issues into like the real world, but it's set in like this fucking fantasy land. It's so awesome, man. It's really but, cool. But, but what's important about those scenes is he doesn't care about any of that stuff. He just thinks it's cool. Like, it's just anecdotal. Like, he's not actually talking about, like, how much he likes the music, right? He's given facts about the music, about the artist. He's not talking about, like, how how it sounds, 
you know anything about like what what he likes well, no. about it see i see i disagree i think honestly he is a music fan because anybody that's going to roll around especially when you have a big you know wall street corporate job like he does i mean he's literally dressed to the nines but he's wearing headphones and listening to fucking huey lewis in the news i mean i'm telling you bro he's just doing that for for show man he does not care he does not care he's he's just doing that because he but, thinks but that why, it's cool. But why do you think that though? Why would you listen to music? Because I, I heard somebody else say it. Uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, uh, to be honest, I, I I actually disagree because I think that he takes a lot of the, uh, you know, just the ideas and you know the from the music. I mean, anybody that's gonna roll around wearing headphones and shit, it just seems to but me dude, that everything he does is fake. Like he doesn't care about anything. No, I know, but the music portion doesn't have anything to do with what his real motivations are in life. I mean, wearing headphones and, and, and understanding music and talking about music and shit like that. But he doesn't say anything about the music. He just says facts. He reads a Wikipedia page, essentially. You know what I mean? That's the thing no, that, that I'm not saying that you have to talk specifically about the actual notes and music and stuff. He's talking about what songs are meaning and how it relates to life and shit like that like he does this over and over again with Whitney Houston he does it with Phil Collins when he talks about In Too Deep and how he's talking about which is it's an interesting contrast because he's talking about how that song's about monogamy and stuff like that but then he's gonna have a threesome two minutes later you know and shit like that so it is relatable to what he is doing I think he takes an interest and I truly think that he actually loves music because you know I think it's if I think that it makes me like it a little bit less why because because to me it's like he's not supposed to like stuff he's not he's not no. human pretty much he's like uh, a sociopath actually, actually just... in, in fact in fact most sociopaths and most serial killers absolutely love music it's a well, fact every, everybody likes music well, not, but i'm just not, saying in true. this movie for me it's like i i like looking at him like as this guy who just doesn't have any no. feelings i know but just because you're a sociopath and doesn't have, doesn't mean that you can't like music though no, I'm, I'm sure most do. I'm just saying in this movie, it makes it more interesting to me if he doesn't. But I think it's pretty pretty well flushed out that he does, though. I mean, you're never going to have antidotes and just for the sake of fucking hearing yourself talk. But he's talking about the lyrics in the songs, though. And you got to remember, man, this is not like he was reading Wikipedia. Back no, no, in I know there's no Wikipedia. I'm just saying, like... I don't know. For me, it works better if I think of it the way that I do. Well, whatever. But you could be right. Yeah, I mean, it, it might have been attempted to be... That he's this big music fan but that's it that's the way know. i perceive it because i mean it would be different if there was one scene if he was just talking about huey lewis but then he goes into it phil collins and the Minari no i and, and i love that about it because it that's that's why i think it's cool is because he remember he he remembered like i almost feel like he's reciting stuff that he read in magazines and stuff like nah, that he I never just took it like that i never took it like really? that because there is scenes where he's actually by himself and he's literally listening to music so that to me shows that he's you know he's studying the music like he actually enjoys it i mean there's a point where he's in the vehicle and he's talking to um you know his fucking um Ticholi or whatever and he's like and he's like getting pissed off because she keeps interrupting him. He's like, I'm trying to listen to Arlen Palmer record, man. Like, what the fuck? Right? Like, I mean, if you didn't really care that much, I mean, why would you even bother? Because I, that's I, what his whole life is. Like, I don't think he cares to be fit because he actually cares about his physical health. I think he, j- I don't think he cares about his face, face and his, uh, he over, he overdoes everything because he thinks he's supposed to or because that's what other people do or that's what the idealistic american 
uh, man is supposed no, to look like. I get in what you're saying. America. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But I don't think music plays into that, though. I don't think that has anything to do with corporate. I think music is kind of like it's like that offshoot hobby type thing. I mean, physical, you know, the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you live, the way you actually, you know, your health and shit like that. Those are all things that is part of that culture. Music, I don't think it even fucking falls into that. I think it's like a totally offbeat thing. Right. I, it doesn't matter. Like no one, that's not something that you'd bring up like in this kind of capitalistic fucking system that these people are living in. Like they don't give a shit about music. Nobody gives a shit about music and nobody gives a shit if you know something about music and you can recite some fucking facts about it either. I don't think that's even part. Of it. I think that's the quirky offbeat thing with him is that he is everything that this system has made him to be, except for he has this quirkiness with the music. I think that's what kind of separates them too. Hmm. Right? See, that's the way I see I'm, it. Uh, me, I just prefer it the other way. Just sure, as I mean, a personal preference. But that's the beauty thing about this movie is that you can interpret it certain ways and stuff. And I mean, really, <laughs> I mean, why not? Right? Yeah, I mean, you can enjoy it. And that's what is I, I, that's what makes all movies, all great movies. Great. Right. Is like mm. these things that you can look at and feel a different way about. Um, but it, it, there's no, no real true answer sometimes, you know, it's just like, it's just there for you to ingest and and see what you think of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, I've come completely around on this movie. I think it's pretty amazing. Honestly, I, I, I miss so much the first time that the first two times that I watched it where I just, I, I saw it as almost simply a, you know, slasher serial killer movie with like a guy in some boring corporate stuff that I didn't really get, you know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting how age and, and honestly being like a critic of movies can change how you perceive stuff and just being older, you know, I was really young. 19 me was fucking idiot me. Um, but yeah, it's super, Oh man, it's so good. Like I was actually, it kind of blew my shitter out a little bit. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yo, this is, this is, uh, this is fucking damn good, man. Like, this is really good. And I was so into it. And just like the way it's shot and like, even like where he's like exercising, watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre in what at the time was probably a nice TV, <laughs> but yep. you know, in his like obsession with his apartment and his like the, the facial stuff, like the facial creams. And like, he's like, I have a herb mint that I put on at first. And then I like, like all these different, like he knows it's just like so interesting. I I could seriously. It's only an hour and forty. I think I could seriously have watched this for two and a half hours. Yeah, uh, Christian Bale's Patrick Bateman uh, and his interactions with society and and other and other people and the William Defoe and and even Chloe. Uh, how you say Seven Seventy Seventy Seventy. Even her, like when she comes over to his apartment. Um, and you know like he gives her like the ice cream and stuff and she goes to sit the spoon down he like breaks like Mm -hmm. in the cup in the cup (laughs) yeah yeah like like it's stuff like that that i always find like so uncomfortable in movies that like i feel bad for the character like it it reminds me of getting yelled at as a kid it always used to upset me really bad but um yeah no just super super good movie movie dude oh yeah man you know like i said you know to me it's almost like it's just the epitome of what I love, you know, right from the soundtrack to like every, like almost all the characters in this movie are interesting. You know, like you, you, you actually care what, whenever someone talks, like you actually care what they're saying because it's just so interesting. It's very, it's just that the dialogue is just so well done. It's so calculated. Like mm-hmm. his monologues, man, when he's like, 
you know, he'll be talking to the girls and he'll slip back into talking about Phil Collins. And he's like, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to see you drunk, but that's a fine Chardonnay you're not drinking. Did you know? And this, and then it's like, he just keeps going. It's like the dialogue is so fluent. Like I've always said, you know, um, Christian Bale, like th- this is his fucking magnum opus, man. This is his masterpiece. Like he is so good in this movie. It's crazy. Like I it's fucking so good, man. Um, you know, I just, you know, the, the whole tone of the film is outstanding. It really is. It keeps you guessing the whole time. It's got good elements of horror. It doesn't overdo it at times. I've heard people say that it's, it will get so extreme, you know, with, with the chainsaw scenes and shit like that. I'm no, like, I love the chainsaw scene because it like it's him interpreting like what he thinks of a, a killer too, a little bit. You know what well, I mean? It's like he's, stemming he's from watching him watching chainsaw. chainsaw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, in reality, in reality. That scene makes no sense because you can't toss a fucking chainsaw at somebody and expect them to cut or get cut up because you got to press the trigger, man, <laughs> for it to work. 100%. That's right? true. So I that's mean, why I always had an issue with um, Evil Dead because mm-hmm. how is he pulling the trigger? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's, it's got this really great element of like, the psychological madness. Um, you know, the aesthetic is amazing set in the eighties. You know, it doesn't keep, it's one of those movies that doesn't have to keep reminding you, but even though it's, it's got that amazing eighties soundtrack, it just, it, it kind of just like subtly keeps reminding you, but it doesn't look like overly eighties because it's set in like this high class corporate, corporate world. So everyone's dressed super nice and everyone has kind of those like proper dues and shit. It's, I love that about it. Um, you know, it's just got that great level of black humor to it. Um, fuck man it's just to me it's like a perfect movie man i absolutely love this i again i'm so there's not too many movies where besides like a tarantino movie that can hold my attention like dialogue wise like it literally literally could just you know listen to bateman talk with those dudes at the club and shit like that for like hours because their conversations would be just so out fucking rageous you know you know i was gonna buy the uh 4k for this review and i ended up not getting around to it but i'm definitely buying the 4k now yeah yeah, the more and more you like it's and that's the other thing too, man. You know, you think it wouldn't have that much re you know, rewatchability to it, but it really does. Like I never mm-hmm. get sick of watching this movie, man. It's just executed so perfectly. Me, that's that's the thing. I, I love it, man. I love what they even do with his with Reese Witherspoon's character too, man. You know, she's this girlfriend, but like she's not there, man. You know? He doesn't he's just she's just a fucking empty spot to him. I love that shit, man. It's great. It just really remember- says everything about him. I remember you watching. Oh, also Edward Norton was attached to this at one point in time. So was Danny hmm. Boyle and Martin Scorsese as directors. Jesus. Um, yes. When do you go from Stuart Gordon to Martin Scorsese? You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um. So, what? What? I always remember you reviewing one specific film on here, and you said that. Um. Well, let me just ask you this: What is what is the uh, weirdest Nicolas Cage performance you ever seen? The weirdest or the funniest? <laughs> it, the the most the most out there. Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> okay, Bale actually says that he took inspiration from hit that performance in Vampire oh Kiss God. for this role. <laughs> Doesn't everything make sense? Because like I always claim that like you know you can always tell what I'm gonna like because I've I always stress it. Isn't that <laughs> I didn't know that shit and that's crazy because I love that fucking performance and it makes sense that i would love this that's so crazy dude wow (laughs) i really really am blown away by that right now that's crazy yeah i i can see that because nicholas's cage nicholas cage's uh performance nicholas's cage nicholas's cage (laughs) you know why i said that the genius on fucking uh on on his song (laughs) 
He actually says that. That's fucking hilarious. Um, Wow, that's crazy. But yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So very, very intriguing. Yeah. Very intriguing. You want to jump into ratings on this bitch? Uh, Yeah, sure, man. If you've got anything else to say about it. I mean. I do not. Okay. Uh, Who rated? Am I going? Uh, yeah, I rated the last one first. Okay, yeah, you did. Um, yeah, to I me, I mean, remember I, I gave it a solid one. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, you know, I, I basically just said everything I love about it. I mean, to me, it has every element of perfect filmmaking because, you know, I mean, there's just not a lot of movies that can do this. You know, just get everything proper. Um, I, I completely disagree with a lot of people saying, you know, that this movie is very convoluted and the, you know, the whole third act, it doesn't really explain anything. I, I know the director's even on record saying that, you know, she isn't happy the way she delivered the third act, even though I think it's still obvious what she was trying to do. I think it's, she's also being her worst critic too, because I think the book just explains it and, and dot and just does it just a tad bit different. I think it's just a little bit harder to show visually right because you have to you know go so extreme with what you're trying to accomplish here but i think she does a, a good job and like i remember the first time i watched american psycho i think around the time it came out i w- i mean i won't lie i was confused i was like shit dude was that like real or was that all fan like never really thought about it being both right which is even cooler um but it's like a perfect film to me 10 out of 10 it's one of my favorites of all time for a reason i was so fucking happy that we got to like talk about this one um because it's just it's a great movie. It really, really is. Did you give it a rating? I said 10 out of 10. Oh, okay. I was like waiting for the punchline. I was like, and no, I said 10 uh, out of 10. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, for me, uh, honestly, like the only issue I had with it was just how like the ending seemed a little wonky, but honestly, you've like pretty much explained that away for me. And now that I know that next time I watch it to, just look for all the clues and stuff of what's real versus not real um kind of takes away my only issue i had with the film and honestly like i i kind of loved it dude like i'm actually surprised a little bit like i did i used to troll a little bit and say that it was like sucked but like i never really actually thought that i figured i would like it more when i seen it again but Mm -hmm. i didn't expect to like it this much um so yeah i'll give it a 10 as well i think it's i think it's like pretty much a perfect movie it's a perfect it's a really good movie awesome awesome that's amazing sets fuck man we needed a third person on this show right (laughs) damn it damn it we should just give mike a call right now and get him to rate it (laughs) (laughs) be like what is your what is your rating on fucking american psycho Uh, that's fucking awesome of like 7.5 yeah (laughs) all right so that's uh american psycho from 2000 so tell me a little about yourself like what like something significant that happened between the time you were born and the moment you decided to look me up i was only 12 years old and i wasn't gonna let patrick bateman ruin my life and moving along into two years yeah into 2002 which uh did you actually watch this for um when we did the 2002 prep um no because one i didn't really watch as many films back then so i kind of just picked like the best stuff or like what i owned i think i only watched like 40 or something yeah um it actually was like 36 i think but uh i i just always heard it was so bad so i just didn't watch it but it was funny because i popped this in and i was like man i haven't seen this movie probably fucking 15 years and then i was like and I brought out the IMDb page and I was like, 
Oh, I'm totally lying to myself, man. I, I rewatched this for the 2002 prep. That's how fucking memorable this one is. Yeah, you did I did watch it for I, that. I actually did. Yeah, I remembered after, and I was like, "Oh yeah, 2002 prep." I rewatched it, so that was the last time I watched it, which was a few years back. So, um, but yeah, 2002 American Psycho 2, All American Girl. This one is starring uh, Mila Kunis, um, William Shatner's in this one. <laughs> Just. I thought that was Shatner. It's just such a fucking weird cast, man. Like, I, I don't know how they get attached to movies like this. Like, how they called up her to do this. It's just, it's, it's always interesting. Well, what she, was she doing at the time? She was still on that 70s show, right? Yeah, she wasn't on, a huge star yet, I don't think. Well, besides on that show. Well, she was doing, I think it this was, in 2002, was Family Guy out yet? I think it was. I think it started in 99, huh? Okay, so she would have been on the show because she didn't do the first, she wasn't the voice of Meg for the first year. And then she took mm-hmm. over. So yeah, so she would have been on the '70s show and doing the voice of Meg on Family '70s show. Might I don't, when did '70s show end? Oh, it had been on the air for like five years at that point. It was like late '90s, '97, I think it started. So she'd been yeah. on. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I guess it kind of makes sense to hire to put someone in the in the lead that's very very popular because '70s show at that time was probably top of the charts and ratings and shit like that. So, um, uh, directed by Morgan Freeman. What the? What? <laughs> no, that's a different guy. <laughs> it's more. It's directed by Morgan J. Freeman. Ah, oh, <sighs> fuck! I just I couldn't wait to say that. It just cracked me up. I was like, Morgan Freeman. What the fuck? Yeah, dude. Um, I don't really know. This guy hasn't really done anything worthy of noting. Oh, he did fucking. Oh no, never mind. That's a different movie. Yeah. So Morgan J. Freeman. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Ah, shit. All right, let's get into the synopsis. A girl named Rachel Newman has developed a taste for murder and will stop at nothing to become a college professor's assistant. What a stupid fucking synopsis that is. Um, so Honestly, the plot's fucking horrible. Dude, actually, this is... Man, you know what you know what's so fucking... Re- what is so stupid about this movie is the fact that this one at first appears it's going to be like a sequel in name only, but it completely ties in the Patrick Bateman story in the beginning of the movie, you're like, really? But the way they do it is so fucking stupid. Yeah. It's so unbelievable. So basically what happens here, the story starts out where our lead character, Mina Kunitz is, uh, I don't know. She's probably like 10 years, eight or eight years old. I think she is. Anyways, she's all bound up and stuff. And Patrick Bateman is got her babysitter tied up and he's killing her. Somehow this eight year old Rachel manages to break free, grabs a knife and actually kills Patrick Bateman and her babysitter. And at that moment, she becomes a serial killer, Um, which which is just so utterly ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. So jump forward. Now she's in college. She's going to um, this West Washington uh school for she's studying murder and things like that and her professor is played by william shatner he's an ex-fbi agent who actually investigated the patrick bateman he's famous for investigating the patrick bateman uh case and things like that and her goal is to become his ta because getting that job solidifies you um getting you know that job later in life which she wants to become an fbi agent because what better way to cover up your serial killing tendencies than to be an actual fbi agent like 80% 80% of the people that are in his class like make it. Uh no. 
uh, like as an FBI FBI agent. No, I think that they get like other jobs and stuff. But she wants to become like a special agent in the FBI and stuff. It's just if I don't know, it, it's fucking retarded. Like I don't even know if that's even a thing. You know, to get a TA position solidifies you getting this job. I don't know. I really don't. I think she was like 19 in this film. Yeah, she's about that. But anyways, that's the point. So apparently if you get this TA job, you know, that is that you're into the FBI later on for sure. Um, So, yeah, it's like she's in this murder studying studying class and shit like that. And of course, there's other people that are obviously going towards, you know, trying to get that TA position also who are getting in her way and ultimately get picked off one by one because, yes, she's a serial killer and that's how she's going to get the job. Oh, man. I, I Dude, this, it's just such a fucking, I would have liked this movie a lot better if they didn't tie in the Patrick Bateman stuff, but it just makes it even more ridiculous and stupid. Um. So I think that, like I said, I told Carly this. I was like, dude, watching this movie after American Psycho is like one of the dumbest things you could ever do. Yeah, it's, I, I will say this is the first time I've ever watched it directly after American Psycho. If I saw this by myself, like way out of distance of that one being in my memory, like I could see it being like a fun, stupid movie. But like, it's just annoying. <laughs> Well, no, after I, that film, see, I remember like thinking back on it. Now I was watching it for 2002 and I was like utterly annoyed with it because it's just, it's trying to be, it's trying to be a straight up comedy, you know, this kind of dark black, comedy. but it's also but, trying to be smart though. Yeah. And that's the downfall it's to it. Really it's trying not. to be like this. It's trying to be smart in certain parts and things like that, but it, it's just, man the tone's it's all trying wrong to be one smart thing. and witty like but it just comes off like but the tone's all wrong because it comes off as goofy and dumb-witted it really does and like you know in a movie like this you know about someone who's just like blatantly killing people and shit you know you think you would look forward to and expect decent kills and stuff well the kills suck in this movie the attempts at comedy are really bad um well they they make mila kunis like like the way that, that she's narrate because she narrates it they, they, yeah. they're trying to make her this super smart like in control like way ahead of everybody else intellectually like it reminded me of like remember goodwill hunting where uh you know uh fucking matt damon and and uh what's the dude's name the therapist um robin williams robin williams like you know how he's like a step ahead of him at first, like all the time he's yeah. like, fuck, like it almost seems like it's trying to be like that. Like where she's like so much smarter than everybody and like outthinks everybody and stuff. But then you have this weird, like comedy and like offbeatness that just, you can't take it serious. You just can't take her serious as a killer. Like well, no, you, I just don't believe it. And you know, it's yeah, partially know. because like, she's super hot and cute and, like i think that's part of the joke i I think it's actually it is part of the joke but i think that it like almost doesn't even work as a joke because you're aware that it's part of a joke and it's like and it's just like eye rolling like okay of course you get this unbelievably cute girl to be the killer because nobody would ever expect that and she looks way too innocent and it's gonna make it well that would explain why that but would explain why pretty much all the kills in the movie are off screen because it's just it's not believable to show this little petite beautiful girl killing these people in the ways that she is because it's just you can't buy it even on a com uh, even on a comedic level right dude mila kunis is like one of the cutest girls in in 
movies and TV. Like, dude, she's just super cute. You know what's actually kind of funny? I think when this movie came out in 2002, she was actually 19. I don't, I don't think she ever got in, married to Macaulay Culkin, but she was with Macaulay Culkin at the time this was made. She, really? Yeah, he, she was oh, actually she dated him for like six, five or six years. <clears throat> Crazy shit. Anyway, dude, she was 14 when she got the that 70 show role. Yeah, she was crazy. Yeah, she played the youngest crazy. one on the show because she actually was the youngest one on the show. Yeah. yeah 14. Yeah. Yeah, now she's married to Ashton Kutcher. Go figure. Right? Yeah. Um, But yeah, dude, this movie is just like right from the start has such a bad. I, I know it's like it's supposed to have a comedic tone and stuff. But at the same time, like you said, you know, it's, the music it's trying to be is smart. Horrible. The music is horrible. But it's just it's everything. Like, the only redeeming qualities in this is like it's just Neil watching. Neil is hot is her being hot and Shatner just being in this movie where he doesn't even belong. <laughs> it's, just so, it's so fucking stupid. He's playing, but... he's playing a scumbag too. Yeah. 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 I know. Right. Because he's that typical fucking college professor. That's totally sleeping with, you know, one of his, uh, one of his students and shit. And of course she ends up getting killed, um, which is ridiculous because I don't know how the fuck she ever propped her up and hung her up like that. I mean, she's like 90 pounds soaking wet. Come on. Mm-hmm. makes no sense. I, li- I like felt bad for her in this role. I was just like, man, like, well, the script is horrible. I mean, even to have to, some of the lines that she spit like, they're, they're, like, okay, here's a great example. They're talking about serial killers and stuff and, and uh, like hypothesis and stuff. And, and at one point she's like, has a serial killer ever incorporated their downfall into their killing spree? And I was like, actually, that was kind of smart. But I, I kept thinking about it. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, like, that I, like, yeah, I kind of like that right? little aspect, too. But, but it was also it was also given to us as a hypothesis. And I was like, that's actually quite interesting. But the problem is, is that they try to showcase, you know, her downfall into her killing spree and stuff. But it's just really not least it's not smartly done at all because it never really establishes what her downfall is. So it's just not smart, right? So I don't know, man. Um, so did you up. know? It's a misstep. Did you know that this was not an American Psycho f- sequel? Originally? What was it supposed yes. to be? It was just a, a quirky comedy about a female serial killer in high school, well, that in would, college. I mean, that would make sense why they, you know, they did the whole Patrick Bateman thing in the beginning of the film. And then... yeah. And then just kind of threw in a couple lines of dialogue where, you know, like I said, William Shatner's character was the lead investigator on that case and stuff. And like they incorporate that a little bit towards the end with, you know, with Rachel and going after Shatner and like, you know, how she was the one that fucking killed him and shit. Like, like just the, the petrified look on his face is like, oh, my God this can't be happening. Like this girl couldn't have done this shit. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this is so stupid. <laughs> so it's like unbelievable. It's just, Th- this unbelievable. is actually a quote from Kunis. She said in 2005, she said, please, somebody stop this, write a petition. When I did the second one, I didn't know it would be an American psycho too. It was supposed to be a different project and was re-edited, but Oh, I don't know. Bad. <laughs> so it kind of makes sense actually, because the, the Patrick Bateman dialogue that happens in there could have just been inserted. Like they were, like they were talking. About, yeah. It well, looks like it's in post. Well, they could have inserted it being like, yeah, I mean, that's, ah, it's hard to say because I mean, they, they talk about real reality serial killers, but then they throw in the fictional Patrick Bateman too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like if she, even if that wasn't done in post and they were actually speaking those lines like on set, I mean, 
you'd have to be a little bit confused why you'd be talking about Jeffrey Dahmer and fucking Ted Bundy and then Patrick Bateman in the same sentence, considering they're two different worlds. Yeah. Right? Well, I think that she probably, they probably did a lot of this changing, like after she had already read the script and like, you know, was shooting and then mm-hmm. they're like, Hey, by the way, we're going to need you to do this stuff. We're changing it. Well, that's at that cool. point, you just got to roll with it. But well, so she was obviously a fan of the first one because yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of like direct sequels, relatable, relatable sequels to, uh, you know, you know, decent movies and above average movies and great movies. This one is bottom of the fucking barrel, dude. Like, you know, there's a lot of sequels and franchises and sequels to films that are just like in name only and shit. It but reminds this one, me of like American so- Werewolf in Paris, like that, that I yeah. remember always seeing this and that, like, <laughs> which is like, is totally just a name only too, isn't it? Yeah. I've never seen it, but I, I've always just remembered so seeing those two like around the same time, like on shelves and stuff. I think they connect. I can't, re- dude. I haven't seen it in fucking such a long time. I actually can't remember. But I mean, this one has that attempt of connecting them, and it just does such a piss poor job. But dude, there's just nothing redeemable to the movie. Like, if you're gonna you're gonna have a movie about a serial killer and played off like straight comedy and shit, like have some goofy ass deaths. I mean, everything's aftermath. Everything is aftermath in this, which sucks. Like, again, she kills the fucking janitor by putting his mop in his head. How, how the fuck did she get him in a garbage can? <laughs> it's so stupid. It, this, is, this is what you get when, it's like, so people dumb. who are kind of untalented um, live in a post-scream world. Yeah. Yeah, because this is happening in reality. None of this is fantasy to her. And, of course, you know, oh, man, the end of the film, dude. Like, seriously. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, it's so it's so stupid. It's so cliche it's like, though. But it's so cliche because you know that like the second it cuts to him doing that lecture or whatever or his books, you're like you know exactly what's gonna it's so stupid, man. It's so dumb. Ugh, just fly by the numbers, really, man. I mean, there is a great scene where she's actually running in the streets and she's wearing like these yoga pants. Oh my god. She's so hot, dude. Jesus, I, dude I just so I, good. Looking. I love her. I, I know I've always you know, been in love I, with I love her and I love um Florence Pugh or whatever her name is from from uh from um Midsommar. I love her too. Oh, Midlamer? Yeah. <laughs> well, the the writers of this did like this and like one other thing. So, I mean, they just they didn't do shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole progression of the narrative in this, too, is really stupid because when she kills that black dude in the library, like, I mean, the whole investigative portion of this movie is, like, ridiculous. Like, how is she never a suspect? Dude. <laughs> right? It's well, like, how is she not questioned? Exactly. Where the my fuck point. is William Defoe? It's so ridiculous. Like, it's, it's it, like I said, it's set in reality, but she's never, like, a suspect. Like, Oh, the police are non-existent almost. But you, but you know what is so stupid? Actually, I forgot about this part. You know, with the uh, the therapist and, mm-hmm. you know, how they get confused when when uh, William Shatner's character is, t- is talking to him. And he's like, yeah, you know, the person that you were talking about, I found her dead. And he's like, she's dead. Right. And they get that kind of mix up thing going. And so I'm like, fuck off. They would at that point, man, there's no way they'd be talking in secrecy. Use some fucking names. Yeah, she's dead. She's fucking dead. It doesn't matter anymore. You're not breaking any ethic codes because she's fucking dead. At that moment, they should have figured out that they were talking about different fucking people and the shit probably wouldn't <laughs> went down like that. It's poor writing. 
it's fucking yeah ter- this it's one real- took me a couple days to watch bro i just like couldn't get into it and then i finally did get into it and i was like i was like man this is this is just piss poor compared like it's i hate to compare it but it's just i don't it's piss poor period but i mean it's even more piss poor when you put that in perspective well i mean it's fair to com- not to like well i mean comparing whatever apples and oranges but it's 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 played off as a direct sequel so you can't help it yeah right? i mean if this was a if it wasn't directly connected to american psycho then yeah there's an argument for you know you shouldn't really compare it it's not fair but at the same time given the circumstances of it being directly connected we have every opportunity and you know to fucking you know bash the shit out of this because for what it is it's shit mm-hmm. it's shit yeah you can compare it all right let's go into the damn ratings then so uh i will go and yeah i didn't like this film man it it sucked um i like mila kunis i think she's super attractive and um i kind of get like on paper what they were going for but i just think that it was not good i think connecting it was a pretty big mistake too um, because it's just going to put your film under more of a microscope to be criticized, right? If you just release this as um, All American Girl, with, starring Mila Kunis, I think it, people might be a little bit more open to it. They probably still wouldn't like it, but they wouldn't bash it as hard. Yeah, even even um, taking out the whole connecting Patrick Bateman thing, it still doesn't really work as a movie because it's yeah. got it's got some poor writing in it. But it's just it's it's just poorly made. It really is. So. Yeah. Um, I'm glad Mila Kunis went on to do more successful things because I've always liked her on that 70s show, which is a favorite of mine. Um, Black Swan. I just love her. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she like, I'm like that, like that level of like, I can't believe she went on to do Black Swan, like in terms of like just quality, so much difference in quality. Mm-hmm. Um, shit movie, dude. Honestly, uh, I'm going to give it a three and a half. Yeah, um, I'm in out of three, uh, solely for the scene where Mina Kunis is running in her tight pants, and it's like a long, long shot of her ass like bouncing up and down. It's really great. Um, that's about the extent of the positives I can say about this one. I think I stressed about all the negatives, so I don't really have to go into that more. But um, yeah, it's just uh, it's one of those films that just kind of pisses me off that it was marketed as a fucking sequel to american psycho it's just piss poor such a shame man such a shame so we literally could have had one hall of fame and two hall of pains like both of them are i would be shocked if if they didn't it it, they they had a both a very good chance of of all three getting inductions which is so funny considering like it's rare that it happens especially with pains two in one episode especially unrelated films yeah yeah, so that that could have been that could have been. Man, I had a lot of fucking <clears throat> low ratings on the show. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> low and high, isn't that weird? Um, but yeah, man, that's uh, American Psycho one and two, and that's going to do it for episode one eighty two. Also, uh, we again will be back um, next week with uh, I Spit on Your Grave franchise all six. Damn. Yeah, we have I Spit on Your Grave original. We have the unofficial sequel, Savage Vengeance. Then we have the three make, and we f- finish it off with Deja Vu, which is the direct sequel to the original. That's right. 
That's right. Do you like what I did there with three make? That was cool, huh? With three make, yeah. Uh, of course, Dave, aka Mr. Parker, will be back on the show, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, we might as well get out of here. All right, thank you guys for listening to the show once again. We hope you enjoyed. I have a feeling this episode is not going to do too well. Maybe it will because American Psycho, but it might. They might see American Psycho too and be like, Ugh, <laughs> and run away. Um, True, but yeah, uh, check out all the social medias and stuff. Uh, you guys know where it is. Check the links in the descriptions. Um, support our show, like it. You know, I'm gonna give away. I, let's do it. Maybe we'll do it next week. I'll give away a copy of uh, the first Love Takashi Miike, which is a good film. There's a lot going on in that film. I really enjoyed it. Did you watch it? Uh, first Love. For, yeah. Yep. I did. Yeah. I, pretty I liked fun. It. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure it's his like 188th film by now, but you know, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll, ch- we'll give one of those away next week. We'll give it away to the Patreon supporters um, randomly. So. That's it. All right, man. Deuces. Peace. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, for me, let's go with... Um, what the hell did I watch? Where I lost my page. <laughs> um, give me one second. Fuck. <laughs> Why is it not working? This is bull. Awesome. I had my letter boxed up and <laughs> I don't even know what I'm reviewing. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay. I'm just going to fucking put it out of here anyways. Uh, okay, so just, you. just start normal. So you, you're you going to make me look better. Though. Okay. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> um, I don't know where the fuck that page went, dude. Okay. All right. All right. Ready? Yep. Dude.